One podcast has crushed the horror landscape, leaving behind the silent audio waves of all of those who have came before. Introducing our hosts. This man needs no introduction, but needs seven takes to record his own. He is known for rating bad movies high and known for rating good movies high. Don't try to call him because he only phones it in. He is our host from the foreign land of Canada, Mood 616. This man is willing to die even on the smallest of hills. He argues to the point in which he disagrees with himself. A man who knows a remake when he sees one. He is the Mexican-born super producer known as the humble one and the sexy one, JP. They are known for creating superstars out of their guests. They are known for being the number one horror podcast on the Horophilia Network, except for when they allow others to take a turn. They are the devil's advocate of horror podcasting. They are the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's finally going down right now. Episode 89 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, the Canadian Igloo Dundee, also known as Moods. And of course, I always got the sexy Mexican hard taco by my side. Double Shot J, also known as JP in the house. And we are very proud to welcome to the show for the first time, the man who is now famous for having a quote on the cover of the <laughs> Sleazebox's new film, Chaos A.D., D-Boogie, also known as Derek here. What's going on, my peeps? Yeah. Hey, what's going on, man? Good eye, mate. <laughs> Good eye, mate. Okay. <laughs> it is Australian cinema time. We've actually discussed this for years, I think. At, at this point, yeah, I, man. Think we've, I think we've discussed doing an Australian show or an Ozploitation show for many months, in, in fact, probably years. And we also talked about one other thing for a while, and that's getting Derek on the show. So welcome, Derek. You finally yeah. made your appearance. It, it, it didn't quite take 100 episodes, so those of you out there who had the poll and you guys picked over 100, you guys lose under 100, you guys win. <laughs> Well, it's quite fitting that Derek actually gets on the show that got pushed back, what, a hundred times anyways, so, yeah, you know, it it makes sense, it makes sense. Derek, how's it feel to be here? It feels ecstatic, actually, for for, to be here for the first time ever, but I've been here before, like, through the voicemails and all that good stuff before, been kind of slacking on those, but, everybody, you know, yeah. Honestly, we don't get a lot of voicemails anymore, it's probably because... We don't really record we don't, weekly anymore. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing. We can't, the schedules are just kind of fucky sometimes. So, and I think that has a lot to do. It's probably why, hundred percent. Yeah. But you know, I mean, the thing is, we're still here. I mean, people can leave voicemails anytime. You know, so we'll just let you know. You can call anytime. We'll get to those voicemails. I mean, it doesn't have to be episode specific. If you just have a random yeah. question, just throw us a shout out, man, or just throw us a shout and uh, yeah, just give us a show, man. We'll we'll answer the question anytime. No matter who's on the show. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, one thing that I, I did want to say is feel free to rate emails again, guys. Uh, 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com. Uh, that's spelled all the way out. It's the same as the website. Because I now, I recently mentioned this, but I cleaned up the email completely. I put everything in folders. Like all the press agents have their own folder and stuff. And I have one for you guys, the <laughs> listeners. Before it was just a jumbled mess and I would lose things and I just got tired of trying to track them down. So like now that I have it in a nice, convenient 
like setting like i can take voice uh emails again and we'll read them on the show and stuff for a while we kind of pumped the brakes on that a bit just because it was getting too hectic with the amount of feedback that we was getting but feel free Mm -hmm. to send them in Mm -hmm. i'm not going to guarantee you that you'll get as soon as you send it in it'll be on the very next show we might save it for a more fitting show or more fitting topic or whatever but please write them in well you know we'll get to them eventually the point is exactly we will get to them so if you don't hear it on one episode it'll probably be on the next don't worry. On to the next same, one. Same thing with voicemails. It, it, you know, sometimes we lately we've been kind of saving ones or, or holding back on certain weeks or whatever. That doesn't mean that they're gone and they're lost forever. It just means that we'll get to them on another show or whatever. Don't get discouraged. Doesn't mean that your voicemail wasn't good. Sometimes it's just a a time issue. You guys got to remember mm-hmm. these, these podcasts. Yeah, a long time and you know our recording schedule for the first day of my life like i'm actually pretty hyped about this one because it's like 7 p.m right now and it's not you know four in the morning when i'm <laughs> but yeah speak- this is this is like the earliest we've ever recorded <laughs> In it, it's long strange time long like time. i mean i'm, I'm st- we're still watching football here on tv yeah, oh, yeah 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 but one thing that that i wanted to say as well is that uh you know we tried to record this show on Thursday night is now Sunday night. Oh, epic yeah. fails. Oh my God. Oh God. Like two yeah. hours wasted. Our recorder went down. Moods Both just bought a recorder. Like our last show that we recorded for a backup because you know, we had that historical moment in the show in the early season one where we recorded a <laughs> my bloody Valentine episode, which we refer to as epic as fuck, but it probably it wasn't was. as epic as it is in our head, but we're just going to keep going with it. It was epic as fuck. There was a really good conversation on full moon. I remember in there. Yeah. Um, that's like to yeah. Date, the, the, that the infamous point, Charlie brand. Yeah. Band episode, yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of ragging on him, man. To, to that it, to date, it was probably our best conversation at that time. So we lost that. Yeah. So for a long time, we talked about getting a backup recorder, and we finally did both go down in one night, both of them. And it turns out it's probably, um, you know, Skype-wide, it's it's all different recorders because I, I went over to the Skeleton Crew group page, and somebody talked about how they lost the whole recording in the same week that, that we couldn't record. And had we not noticed, we would have lost the whole recording too because it never was recording. Uh, had yeah, we not yeah. noticed that. And um, Alex Edwards, uh, host of the Skeleton Crew podcast, uh, Banana Laser co-host, and uh, Horophilia, you know, been around forever. Uh, he actually mm-hmm. pointed me to a recorder. So I do want to thank Alex for uh, pointing out a, a recorder that seems to be working here while we're talking. Which and, we literally purchased right before recording this episode. Yes, because yeah. it, actu- it, like, right it actually does cost money. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't that much, and you know I thank Alex for pointing that out. Uh, thank, thanks, dude. And one other thing that I wanted to shout out, guys, I don't know if you guys have been checking out podcasts recently, but I wanted to shout this guy out on the last episode. But um, it was the what did we do last time? The top ten show was it the top ten? No, it was Blair Witch. No, it was no, Blair we had, Witch, big, yeah. we had a big show last time. We got a big show this time too, but I just kind of forgot about it last time. Uh, Mr. Watson, you guys know this guy? Moods? Oh yeah, I <clears throat> just heard the name. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't done the checking out yet. All right, so he has three episodes up. It's a horror corridor. He's part of the Horror Philia Network of podcasts. He's yeah. a solo caster, but don't let that scare you. This guy is one of the best out there, and I'm not joking. I'm not exaggerating at all. Like his content is so uh-huh. engaging. 
Uh, it is it is incredible. I, the first episode I heard, I was like, "There's no way this guy's never podcasted before." Like, wicked entertaining, and at, he like, just keeps the conversation going. If you're a fan of like academic approach to podcasting, like a more analytical, like why do we love horror? Why do we like this? Why do we create lists? Why? Do, like, it's it's very interesting, and he never really answers those questions. Usually, he just raises more questions, but he gives like perspective and insight onto the ideas and the concepts and makes you think about like what we do this for. And it's, it's, it's really, really cool. Really cool. Uh, check that out. Horror corridor, horror failure. Yeah. It's really good show. You gotta check it out. His shows go by in such a breeze and he's actually shown much, much love to us. Uh, he's, he's, he's like talked about how, you know, we're, we're like big brothers in in podcasting and stuff. And like, (laughs) we're one of the shows that he actually was influenced by. And, you know, along with some other shows as well that I listen to. So, you know, it's pretty cool to be named with some of those shows that he named and as well as, like, all the kind words that he said about us. So uh, check check those shows out. They're really good. Mm-hmm. Listeners, nice. listen to me. Check them out. Really <laughs> good stuff. But, yeah. So, you know, just a little, little bit of shout-outs that I wanted to do there. Awesome, awesome stuff. So, what's <laughs> going on, guys? Derek. First time on the show. Yeah. Luckily. Do you have questions for him? You know, you know what's funny about that? I was actually just thinking that while you were giving your shout outs, and I was like, I never did. Maybe we'll do it the next time you're on. I mean, we'll just take a different approach. Second time on, kind of shock you with some random questions. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, at least, at least uh, what's your favorite uh, horror film, at least? At least we could do Zom- it. Zombie. Lucio Fulce, Zombie. Really? It's like, hmm. yeah, it was like nostalgia of reasons for it because uh when i was trying to get into more into italian horror it was like one of the first like italian horror films that i ever saw and it stuck with me for like all those years like when me and my buddies watched it for the first time in uh their house in vhs for the first time and just when it's atmospheric opening where you see like this uh fabio frizzy score it's the first time i ever heard uh the score for the first time and Oh yeah. yeah, it's just epic, and then I got more into Italian horror that way. Yeah, that's you know, actually I... the first probably Italian horror film that I watched as well. At least, at least that I was aware of that it was Italian because um, I'm sure I seen something along the lines of one, on VHS that I didn't know was an Italian horror film. But Zombie was the first one that I like. Okay, this is an Italian horror film. I know that it is. I'm gonna check it out. And I haven't watched it since then, so I, I do. Need to I always thought it. that your favorite film was actually Night of the Demons. No, it's one. Of, it's it's up there. It's uh, mm. so I just when I was wording words back then when I first started, it was just I didn't want to sound like it was my favorite, but yeah, it's yeah. just. But I mean, at the more, end of the day, theoretically, it is you know it is hard. You know, to just pick. I mean, there's so many films that I, I could say they're like my favorite yeah, film. Like your oh. favorite film modes is Dawn of the Dead, but like sometimes I'll forget that and I'll be like, Moods' favorite film is Maniac. Even though you've said Dawn of the Dead a million times, I know you love yeah, yeah. Maniac like so much. So like, yeah. I kind of look at it like some days I'll I'll think of you as like Maniac's your favorite film, and then other days I'll think of you as Dawn of the Dead. Um, Someone actually which, said that to me just not too or just recently too. They thought my favorite film was Return to Living Dead. Might as well and be. I was like, I, yeah, I know I've seen it so many damn times, right? But you know, it's up there. And same with yeah. you know, I mean, you know, it could be a revolving door. It's just, it, you know, you know, for fans of anything, there's always that, that one. 
you know, yeah, I think there just is always that one you just tend to always kind of slightly lean towards, and it's always Dawn of the Dead for me. So yeah, and that's the same with me with Texas Chainsaw. Like, I do love Return of Living Dead. Like, like I'll probably watch Return of Living Dead more often than than Chainsaw, but. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know, at one point I thought about it and I was like, I picked one and I was like, I, I, like at the time I was like, this is like the, my favorite horror film. It's like, it's, it's horror. And you know, it kind of just stuck with me and now I just go to that one. I just lean on it. I know that it's my favorite. It's always in my back pocket. If I need to drop it, like Texas Chainsaw, that's my favorite. Yeah. 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 So I think mm-hmm. we well, kind of grow an attachment towards our favorite well, and just kind of keep with it. Yeah. And plus it's Halloween season. So, you know, I'll be watching Night of the Demons for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a staple film for me now, too. Yeah, I mean, I I've would revisit Night of the Demons, but I'm still a little scarred from last year's Halloween show. Um, oh, he's still fucking butthurt about how he's like, how the hell can't you like the remake? <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. My mom and Brando threw you all guys off. Yeah, the, the episode was so good. Show? It was. The, uh, Jeremy oh, was, like, side-cracking and stuff. He was like, that's who right. the hell is this? Whoa, that was a pretty good Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't bad. The whole fucking show was so jarring, man. You know, by the time we got to the Night of the Demons remake, it was like, why don't you like it? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. I can't explain it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was it's just like, boring. We, were, we were just, it was just a mess. Like, like tonally, just like attitude wise, like we were just in sort of bad, almost bad moods from like the, I don't know. It was just one of those nights and it was like late. And, you know, I was because Jeremy was still on the show at the time. Yeah, we were both in a Jeremy was mood. being a butt hurt all the time about pre-recording <laughs> yeah. and post-recording and, and, you know, whatever it was. We were just all in a, in like just a, not a super happy, fun mood like I am right now, you know? <laughs> Jeremy was probably playing Texas Chainsaw Massacre 35,000 times. What are you guys trying to prepare? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I find it I find it very intriguing how many people have said that that was one of their favorite episodes, and I'm like, damn. Yeah, I know it's crazy. That's so crazy because like I've honestly never actually listened to the episode in full. I've scanned through it. I, I did. I listened to like some of the review parts, and um, I don't. I, I think I don't think Jeremy really said a whole lot during that. It was me and you just kind of no, going back. I think back we were even wondering circles. if he had watched the movies and stuff. Like we, it was, it was like it was like Doctors time. and the Devils all over again. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that was actually one of the one of the reasons why we were so annoyed because it was us, you know, going in circles about things and Jeremy's not fucking piping in, you know, and it's just ugh, makes us in a bad mood. Yeah, it did, it did. But you know, we got we did get over it eventually. You know, that was. That was actually one of the last episodes well, that Jeremy was on because he well, did. I mean, he... you really fucking think about it, man. Okay, this is episode eighty nine. Yeah. I mean, I can't honestly truly say that there's been lots of bad episodes. I mean, that's a pretty good run. I mean, almost a hundred episodes, and you're like, can think of one that we really didn't enjoy. Yeah, I can't. You know? I mean, I know there's episodes that I don't really love. But I can't really – I have to look at them and, like, go back and listen to moments of it to be like, oh, yeah, I didn't like that one that much. But that's the only one that actually stands out is like, oh, dude, I didn't like that episode at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, well, uh, what are your thoughts on that one, Derek? Did you yeah, like that yeah. show? I had fun with it. It wasn't – it didn't – you guys sounded all right on it, but I don't know. This is the first time I hear, like, the technical stuff about it, so it might have been – different for you guys all the behind the scenes crap <laughs> yeah 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 i don't know maybe one of these maybe one of these years i, I'll go I, I might revi- i might revisit it again myself hmm. yeah maybe i'll do the same thing yeah. actually listen um you know what i think 
when we get to like episode 100, which we do have to start preparing for that more than we have, mm-hmm. uh, but maybe like episode 101 as like a little segment we can look back at the past 100 episodes and maybe just look at like just see what we can remember from them and stuff like that you know kind of a little nostalgia we could actually you know kind of give our ratings on the episodes oh god <laughs> I, i'm way too self-critical for that episode 10 <laughs> no i we would never have enough time you go back you go back and having to listen all that oh, i mean yeah, that's I like, would have to that's like weeks and weeks of hours you know preparing hours yeah i mean there's some episodes that I know in the early, like, 20, the early 22, where it's, like, just typing and just annoying shit throughout it that would make me cringe now. <laughs> but then there's episodes that I look back on that I loved. Like, I don't know. For some reason, I loved the Hennenlotter episodes. Like, I had so much mm-hmm. fun with those ones. Uh, those were great episodes, yeah. the episodes that we did, I really like. Um, the Elsa mm-hmm. trilogy, for some reason, even though, like, in my head, it's it wasn't nothing amazing, but it's, like, one of our best rated episodes of all time that like it just it reminds me of a cool episode <laughs> yeah i mean enough people always bring up the uh, uh the masters of horror um you know series and then you know i, I it just always gets me kind of thinking that i want to do the second season sometime i don't i don't know what we're holding off on yeah, it's been no, a while we're, since we're we did it. season we're one so i i think it's about that time that we do season two but and then maybe eventually go on to that you know unofficial third season well dude i'll, tell you, I'll tell you right now dude masters of horror season one was episode 48 oh wow. it was 48 yeah see well that's what i'm saying it's about time that we get that season two in there i think i think it'd be a fun one to do yeah, you know dude. yeah yeah no it definitely it definitely is an awesome awesome time to do that for that first one so i'm totally down to do the second one there's also a lot of other things that that i want to do in terms of like um like franchises and stuff like there's some other ones that i totally forgot about that that i want to do like the omen i know we mentioned brandon wants to come on for a saw retrospect so that would be a really fun one to do uh, as well as we haven't touched a friday or a, a leatherface psycho any of those like at all you know and more the heavy hitters yeah we've yeah, got a heavy focused on we, we, we haven't did a more heavy the hitter in a long time you know the the like we did jaws and we did uh, the basket case trilogy and the i know what you did last summer trilogy and and the the night of the demons franchise and the children trilogy. of the corn like we haven't did a heavy yeah. hitter franchise since like oh what do you mean man the howling or, i mean that that, oh, that the howling <laughs> franchise is just full of classic films full of classic films you know I mean, it, it, it literally makes the Children of the Corn franchise look like the best franchise ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, oh, but one thing, Moods, you know, uh, before we wrap up this intro, I did want to uh, kind of give the little reviews that we got on iTunes, if you don't mind. Okay. Right. Yeah, shoot for them. So um, let's do let's do a couple of them. We won't do all of them because there was a lot that came in, uh, but we'll get we'll we'll keep doing them as we go on here. Uh, mm-hmm. So we got a five-star from Jambo1981. Jambo, you'll be entered into all future contests. New to the podcast, but I love it. Great way to find movies I forgot about or haven't heard of. Keep up the great job. Can't wait to see what's next. Uh, and then we have Matt78C. Um, hmm. <laughs> Is that Matt Cantor, I think? Right? Matt78C. I, I would assume. Might be. But it just Matt87 Rider, that Matt... 
78 Matt seven because yeah, it, it, I think it is Matt because he was born in 78, so that makes sense. Okay, uh, these guys are awesome, very knowledgeable on horror, and each show is very entertaining. And then we have Anthony. If you're a fan of horror movies, you need to listen. <laughs> is that actually how it's spelled? Yeah, Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> you need to listen to 22 Shots of Moods and Horror. These guys are awesome. They give a lot of great info on upcoming movies, Netflix streams, released movies. Give these guys a listen and subscribe. You won't regret it. Uh, then we have December 30th. Well, I don't know about that. But yeah. Awesome horror cat chat. Uh, although I've only listened to two episodes, I'm hooked and will be checking out everything. One of the hosts also has a YouTube page under Double Shot J, which is also worth your time. Thank you, buddy. Yes. <laughs> One of the hosts has a fucking YouTube page? Isn't that wow. crazy that it that's didn't funny. say Mood 616 after that? <laughs> oh, my God. That is fucking that – that's awesome. First. That's a first that's time. All, that's I'm, I'm blowing up. I'm blowing up. <laughs> uh, we have yeah. uh, Sleepy Stevie here. Well, maybe he just doesn't like me. Not that could probably. that could be it. That's that could be it. I mean, that's pretty common. But. He's one of the five dislikes. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we have perfect horror podcast from Sleepy Stevie. I have been listening to this podcast for almost three years and never miss an episode. Great mix of personalities and content to discuss uh, on horror news, releases, ratings, and the main topic usually coverage of a series or related movies. Highly recommend these guys and the content they put out. Top notch production and very entertaining. Mm. That was awesome, uh, mm-hmm. and we have uh, Matt the From horror, the Matt uh, the horror Adonis. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. He says <laughs> such an entertaining listen for a ho- for the horror fan. I'm a horror <laughs> geek, and hearing these guys talk about it in such an interesting and funny way is great. Easily my favorite podcast. I look forward to each episode. The chemistry between the hosts is great. Moods and JP are really cool guys. They care about their listeners. And you can tell they really love the genre and put a lot of work into making the show great. Highly recommended. Uh, let's do one more. So we have Sully. The cast is certified fresh. Love the podcast. <laughs> Lengthy, in-depth discussions and opinions of not just movies but culture surrounding them. The four-plus-hour format would concern me at first, but now it's never enough. Much love, guys. So Sully was actually the person that won the contest uh but the contest is still going on and i will say that sully uh i did get your uh, email with your address uh i will send that out hopefully this coming friday but if not definitely the friday after that i only have one day to get to the post office and it's 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 only open till 1 p.m and i'm usually sleeping so maybe I'll, that's the same day that you should send out that Amityville film to, for yeah, me. Yeah, there so I can you go. Check I actually out. have a few things to send out, so so <laughs> I, I will try to get it out Friday, if not this Friday, then next Friday. And we currently have twenty nine reviews. One more Woo-hoo! review, and we'll do another drawing. So somebody out there needs to do the review. Uh, Lucky thirty. Yeah. So uh, the the next thing I'm giving away is a copy of the Neon Demon Blu-ray sealed. So uh, definitely. If, if you're listening to me, who's seen the movie... Yet to even seen the film yet. Definitely, definitely enter this contest. And, of course, everybody who enters is automatically entered in all future contests. If you're in the outside the United States, please email me a screenshot so that I can uh, take, a, you know, add you to the contest. Because for some reason, I won't be able to see it unless you send me a screenshot. Uh, which is weird for iTunes. Yeah, uh, and yeah finally, iTunes is such a strange thing, man. So strange. Yeah. It's like region. 
Yeah, it's like everything's locked. region locked. It's region coded. It's ridiculous. It was like my life before I got a region free player. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got to so, free yourself, man. Uh, one one other thing here uh, is that when we failed our last podcast recording, we actually did a live show spur of the moment on YouTube. And if you guys haven't checked it out, go to my channel, Double Shot J, and check it out. It was actually a pretty entertaining little conversation. It was we fun. Had, we had uh, a debate on whether Suspiria makes sense. We had a debate <laughs> on whether uh, Friday the 13th Part 9 is awesome, which it is. Uh, and then we had you know a bunch of other little conversations going. And if you guys like that type of thing, we can probably do some more things like that. So, so check it out. And you know next time maybe we'll do it on Moods' channel where we have a little bit more of an audience with with the amount of subscribers he has versus mine yeah yeah definitely i mean it was fun maybe i'll do one on my channel sometime too we're very active with the chat so if you guys ask questions like it's just a very neat little experience so uh definitely do that check it out and then maybe we'll do another one well i'm gonna be doing them on wednesdays from from time to time yeah um and but you know it's it's a little bit harder to get moods to schedule right but uh, I'm sure if you guys want it enough, we could work it out. Yeah, yeah, I like it, man. It's like a, it's kind of like a fast-paced conversation. You don't really yeah. have to think because if you have lots of people in the combo, it's always people dropping questions. So it's just like really, really fast-paced. I like it. Fast-paced and fun. Yeah, I mean, we were what that recording was what almost three hours long, and it it, it ripped by, man. Ripped by. Yeah, dude. it was so much yeah. fun. It was. It was also not planned topics, which which is interesting because we're normally so planned on this show that mm-hmm. it was a little just more loose and you could kind of just go where you wanted and not have to know uh think about like oh we have to get to this and we have to get to that it was just it was kind of neat to just kind of unwind it and you know just take questions too it was fun and watch slugs yeah yeah you yeah watch, watch actually slugs. the entire movie of slugs if you check that video out <laughs> <laughs> yeah really if you don't want to hear the conversation well i guess you can't really hear the movie but no yeah I whatever you get you get the picture. <laughs> All right, so I guess we should probably just move on to news. Yeah, we got let's some news. Do it. Yeah, um, we don't All have right. a ton of news, but we have a, we have a little bit of news. Um, so apparently, uh, there is a Evil Dead remake edition that was supposed to come out, or they never really announced it as a, like a blu-ray or anything but they just said that the, the unrated evil dead remake was was coming i'm and apparently... pretty fucking i'm confused by this man <laughs> me too i'm very confused that they're saying this is an unrated edition of it because my edition says unrated well that and also the fact that the director said that the edition that you or the the film that you saw was the full uncut version there no there was no other version of it so what the fuck is this? I think that that was uh, like a mis- kind of a mistake or something. Like I don't understand really. But it was literally out of his mouth because I remember when this got brought it, it up. It wasn't lit. It wasn't exactly like that though. Because yeah, I, it was. It did confuse different. a lot of people because even yeah. Jason, I know Jason because I mentioned. I said I remember reading that thing and he was like, "Yeah, what the hell's up with that?" So I'm really curious to see what else is in this film i think he said something along the lines of it is the director's cut that the cut that we've seen right mm-hmm. i think that's what it was that he said that that he said um because i'm pretty sure were... that he even went as far to say that there is no other version of the film like this is the well there this wasn't is what... though at the time mm-hmm. right kind of like 
So we yeah. had other footage. So he just decided for what money's sakes, like, oh, I got this some extra footage I no, never planned on using no, ever. No, it was no. never actually no, supposed to be part of. So I'm just gonna focus on the that, You know what I mean? Is it? Do you mm-hmm. think it's Sony that's doing this? I think that what it is is he was just like trying to get the attention away from the fact that there was more footage or whatever and just like kind of shoot it off like hey just watch this movie we can't do I mean it's about quite possible too now. right yeah. yeah I mean what you want to tell the fans when it's in theater like no this is the unrated director's cut I mean that really does sell yeah right yeah. I mean oh yeah this is just a theatrical cut you're you know, for us, it's like, well, you know, I can go see the theatrical cut, but, you know, when it comes out on media, it'll be unrated anyway, so I might as well just wait for that, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you put the excitement of the people by saying, this is the unrated director's cut, you know, coming straight out of Lloyd Coffin's mouth, so, which is always a lie. <laughs> here, here's actually a quote from Alvarez on Shockwaves. Anyway, what I was saying before I get to that quote is that it's coming to DV? It's not coming to DVD or Blu-ray. It's coming to digital, which is an entirely different conversation, and it's it's kind of it's kind of pissing a lot of people off. But there's nothing we can do. Like, just don't buy it. Just don't. Buy so what do you, it. So, like? Do they do they honestly think that's the way to go? Like, that's gonna sell them more. Like, they think putting it out digitally is gonna, you know, magically sell way more than any phys- any physical. Or is this one of those cases where they yeah, have this is coming out digital and all of a sudden the fucker starts selling good and they're like, maybe we'll press up some copies, kind of sneak them out there. I don't know. Like you would think that they would make like if they maybe they just don't think that it'll sell really that much and they're just kind of testing the waters to see. But aren't they like maybe. did they not see the figures on the on the retail sales for the you know, the steelbook and the other editions like you know, I mean, I think it sold pretty well. I mean, let's face it, most of the horror fans and non horror fans I mean they probably own copies of this. Yeah, I own it. I, I, have the I think it sold pretty book. fucking well. Like everyone I know has a copy of the Evil Dead remake. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it doesn't also seem like a type of movie that will warrant another copy. Like it's I not a type copies. of movie where people... <laughs> okay, it, except for Derek. But like, I'm not gonna buy a second copy. Now, I might be interested in checking out the unrated edition had it been, you know. It, it, like in the dump bin or something at some point, but I'm not going to go out and get it day one. I don't really know the the reasoning behind this, but we're seeing it a little bit, like a little bit here and there. Like I think Saw was released. Uh, in like Maybe they took the MacGyver set. scene out of it, and now the movie's totally awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> um, but I, I honestly don't know. But here's uh, Fede Alvarez's quote. He says, "Yes, there is a longer version, but it's not the director's cut. Usually, what I do, like most directors, is." is you do a first cut look at it and it's usually too long so i made the decision and i really cut it to the bone to make sure that it's the sharpest piece of storytelling i can tell that's one thing that people do get misunderstood kind of misunderstand sometimes about director's cut you know people think oh director's cut more footage gonna be longer and stuff that's not necessarily the case because a lot of times (laughs) exactly a lot of times it can be shorter yeah they're taking out some of that footage that you know the studio wanted oh i want this shit in there this little more conversation Perfect example yeah. is uh, Tony Scott's Revenge. When he released his director's cut, it was completely shorter than the actual cut that the studio released of the film. Because mm-hmm. it was, yeah. it ran like twenty minutes shorter, but they added other scenes too to make up for that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he said, "I try to take it very. I, I try to take take it to a very effective machine of storytelling if I can." The extended version is just the longer version of the movie we had at the beginning, which I didn't think was the best version of the film. And that movie, it's funny, it got leaked. It was an error. Sony shipped the wrong version to the UK, so that's the one that was airing in the UK as the extended version. So basically he's saying, you know, now they saw that wow. people were excited about that extended version that didn't 
mean to be out and so i guess sony or whoever blumhouse whatever uh or whoever who, who is it sony i don't even know. i think doesn't it's sony like so, a, sony and uh, ghost house like ghost house pictures doesn't that seem like that's something that would be hard to do like you accidentally shipped the wrong version of the film probably like it seems like something you actually have to work to fuck that up like obviously I mean, they like, did pull it camp. immediately. Well, maybe somebody did was like, I fucking like this version. I'm sending this one, <laughs> and then yeah, they maybe. like did it. Like, oh, I didn't mean to do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe. But anyway, so after that, uh, we have Scream season three is uh, renewed, uh, or season Scream is renewed for a third season. MTV's Scream. Uh, any of you guys check out season two at all? Not yet. Me neither. I haven't checked it out yet. Hmm. You know, I've been wanting. I, I, I my curio. I have a little bit of curiosity. I have curiosity. I didn't mind the first season that much. It was not. I great, thought the, but I it think was the decent. First season. I thought it was pretty average. I think I was just above average on it. I thought it was okay. I just, yeah, the end of that series was you know kind of like lackluster big time. Yeah, that was the only thing that so I didn't really care for either. Yeah, and I'm really wondering how they're going to recover for that. So I am. I have enough curiosity. I'm going to check it out for sure. I mean, if season two fails on. Uh, on all ends for me, then that's going to be it. So I, I think for most people that are like moods, like it wasn't necessarily bad, but just the amount of time you put into it for what you mm-hmm. end up getting out of it just wasn't really worth it. Yeah. That's a great way of explaining it for sure. I mean, you got, because what? it's a whole TV show. 10, it's 10 episodes. It's 10 like 10 episodes. hours you put it to this thing. And then, you know, you know, the first 70, 80% of it's pretty decent. You know, it has its moments, but but then when the last, you know, 20% isn't up to par, it's like, it totally feels like a huge fail. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. invested time, man. Give me a better fucking ending than that shit. That reveal was garbage. I actually am very surprised that it's going into a third season, though. I, I I'm a probably little... would not have called that before no, it premiered. I have yeah. to agree with you, man. I'm a little surprised about that announcement, too. Yeah. Me, too. So, yeah. uh, Stop the Press's Death Machine is coming to Blu-ray, says Bloody Disgusting. November 29th from Vinegar Syndrome. The infamous Death Machines. <laughs> you know what's funny about Death Machines? I mean, I told that story about that DVD before, but, uh, yeah, I never actually paid for that shit. They just sent me that one. So that was kind of nice. Hmm. Whatever. I still have it sealed. I actually never watched it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know, I've heard a lot of mixed things on it. Who knows? But, uh, Whatever. Uh, after that, we have an announcement that e- Ash vs. Evil Dead gets renewed for a third season as well. Well, I haven't um, watched any of season two All these yet. shows are doing pretty well. I have not watched any of season two. Honestly, we did. me and Kyle did that whole season one podcast, which I did want to return for season two. And it partly had to do with Kyle going MIA and like whatever he's doing, being a VHS collector. No, I heard, that Kyle, I heard that Kyle passed out. From his uh, from his uh, his fucking skinny shorts, the cut oh, yeah, he lost circulation to his brain and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and he's just he's been MI ever since. We don't know. Yeah, in New York or something. Like that. <laughs> so, it's a waterfall with a skinny. Did shorts. you guys ever? Did you guys ever finish season one of the X Files? No, we never did. But I do want to go back to that. Like, if I have to do it by myself or whatever, because I was enjoying doing that. But, um, so you know, but one of the other reasons why I didn't return to ash vs. evil dead podcast which i probably still will do at some point once they're all aired and maybe on dvd or whatever mm-hmm. is just because i hate to leave things unfinished but it is because i didn't really by the end of the show like i think in our final episode we get we kind of was a little mediocre on the show 
But then, like, after I really thought about it, like, after we had done recorded and, like, a couple days later, I'm not sure I really like that show that much. Like, it's not bad. It's just really? not what I want. It's just, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's like, okay. Like, it's kind of basic and they do basic things. Like, it's cool to see Ash and stuff, but after that novelty wears off, you're just like, D-d-d-d-. I don't know. It's, it's much more, it doesn't feel like it's in the same world that much. I just wasn't, I wasn't vibing with it like some people. Hmm. Yeah. Have you I can't comment. I, ha- I haven't seen it yet, man. I only I, saw the first episode. I'll probably like, pick it up in six or seven months when the DVD goes down to like ten bucks. Yeah. <laughs> it just seemed like there was a lot of filler in it. Yeah. Like I've heard a lot that... of mixed reactions on it, and you know it doesn't really surprise me that there's so much mixed reviews on it and things like that. But yeah, I, mean, I don't know. It is funny. That's mm-hmm. one good thing. Uh, so after that, uh, Don Coscarelli says that he still wants to do Bubba Nosferatu. This was during a Ask Me Anything on Reddit. And he said, this is <laughs> he said, uh, I would love to do more Bubba Hotep films, uh, more Elvis. Uh, that was a film I really enjoyed making. We had it set up at one time with Bruce playing opposite of Paul Giamatti as Elvis's manager. Uh, unfortunately, that one fell apart. Elvis is eternal, though. We'll get to it someday. We'll get it done one day. So he still was interested in doing um, the sequel to Bubba Hotep, which would be Bubba Nosferatu. Um, I watched Bubba Hotep for the 2002 show and did not care for it. It was, was that okay. Your fir- that was your first time viewing of it? Yes. Man, like, I don't honestly believe that Bubba Hotep is like a great, like a fantastic film, but it has its funny moments, though. It does. I, it's like a it's like a moment it. it's not... film. It's like it's like a moment film for me. There is there's some pretty subtle comedy and that's pretty funny too. Um but it's an oddball film. It is I like Oz Yeah. I like Ozzy Davis in it. He's really good. It was like one of his last performances that... Yeah. Yeah. Like some of the characters are pretty funny though, I have to say. Like <laughs> really yeah. but I don't think it's enough for me to you know, to go out and upgrade to that Screen Factory thirty dollar collector's edition. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. I don't know about that. So I, I'm pretty happy with my my standard DVD. I even I I forgot I actually have that uh, the Elvis special edition DVD thing. You know what the the yeah, puffy shirt yeah. stuff? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've seen those. Is that Anchor Bay? Uh, oh, no, it was put out by some. I think it, yeah, it was MGM did oh, that. Okay. Yeah, you know I, I don't know, man. It just it did. It was alright. I, mean, like, I, I didn't hate I, it or anything, but it's just like I, Coscarelli, man. Come on, yeah, it, it, it's, it's different, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, but do I, I really live in a world that I need three copies of Bubba Hotep in my collection? Probably not. No. Sorry, Screen Factory, you're not getting this guy's $30 this time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so after that, Fear the Walking Dead Season 2 hitting Blu-ray December 13th. I don't think we need to stay on that very long. No. Uh, after that, a little bit of uh, an update here from Jim Wynorski. Um, Jim, if you guys are interested in like finding out news before it becomes like news, follow Jim Wynorski on like social media because he he always like kind of like he announced the chopping mall before it happened, like mm-hmm. way before it happened, uh, and he recently said that we're doing the inventory. Uh, or, fuck, my, my bad. Uh, this was actually Screamcast uh, pointed this out, the podcast Screamcast. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, he um, tweeted out a uh, picture of a VHS cover, and it says, Just started working on the Blu-ray, and it's hard to die, a.k.a. Sorority House Massacre 3. Yeah! Um, so I don't, I'm cool. not sure actually who owns that film, 
But uh, it would be interesting if it was Lionsgate, because that would mean that maybe we'll see another Vestron title uh, from Minority. You know? Yeah, it would be pretty cool. Yeah, actually, when I when I first uh, when I first I've only met Jim Ornaski once, but he told me about that fucking Choppy Mall Blu-ray that was coming out. But he said it was he said the negotiations for it were shit. Uh huh. So he said. So I don't know, like dealing with Lionsgate or whatever the fuck it was, but uh, probably, um, man. I could. He said it was shit. He said like it's going. He said it's eventually going to come out, but he goes the negotiations are shit. <laughs> he said <it> to me. <laughs> so they must have been having a rough time. I mean, this was at Wasteland a couple years ago. So it's been in the works for a long time. So who knows? I, I mean, apparently Jim gets the shit done. But uh, yeah. well, since Chopping Mall sold well, he probably has more like, uh, you know, uh, yeah, because yeah. it's been doing well, and I've seen a lot of people picking that up and stuff. So maybe they respect him more and will take his advice more. You know what I mean? When it mm-hmm. comes to decisions. Yeah, maybe, maybe, definitely. Uh, and the final little bit of news here we have is I had to report this because I was so excited. Uh, the Arrow Video announced the Scarlet Box. This is the Hellraiser <coughs> box set that, that debuted in the UK last year. Made mm-hmm. a big splash. People were loving it. And it thought Getting that it them- couldn't happen. We thought that it couldn't happen because at the time Image Entertainment did not sub-license to other companies and then Arrow Video comes in and they release Slugs and they release The Hills Have Eyes and they release uh, Bride of Reanimator and a couple of other films from the Image catalog. Yep. And then we're like, and then me, a light bulb pops up in my head and I'm like, Hellraiser. And I was like, they could only do like a, a two thirds Scarlet Box because they only own part uh, one and two. But mm-hmm. somehow I thought, well, if they can somehow pull something. And they did. Maybe they can get that third film. They're just starting to see the light, though, man. It it makes sense. These companies are like, well, these things are selling like hotcakes. We got to put shit together. That's why it's getting done. I think. I think that somehow Arrow probably had an in with Image that a lot of that that for some reason other companies could not get because it 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 shouldn't be. I mean, I know they're different companies, like the UK Mm -hmm. versus the US, but Yeah. yeah, like. They also was able to release image titles in the UK. So, like, I think that they, even if it's two different companies, I'm sure there's some sort of connectivity to them to where uh, they they found an end that the other companies in the US couldn't get to. So Yeah, the, these conversations are all speculation, man. Who really knows what goes on behind the scenes? But I just I just think that, you know, you know, image in these companies are just like, man, they're starting to see how much this stuff is actually selling. So why not just try to get it out there? Yeah. Give up the rights. Well, you I mean, know, but, but Image have, has let, let, released it like bunches of times on there. Well, I know, but they've always been complicated to work with, right? You know, in the past and things like that. But I mean, as we're seeing now, they've obviously, you know, saw something mm-hmm. in the sales and, you know, that money coming back to them. So, yeah. You know, and that's where that's why all the shit's happening. And I think this is just really opening up the door for a wide range. I think in the near future, I think 2017 is going to be a really big year. You know, I think with all this stuff starting to, finally slowly get released and stuff like you know choppy mall and like all these other titles i've seen a full year of releases yeah i think we're gonna see a lot of crazy releases in 2017 yeah i agree with that dude i mean one thing that i'll say is that these things are so stacked with special features 
Mm-hmm. Like there is so much content on these discs that like it's insane. There's there's especially for stuff like Hellraiser three because that has never got an you know decent fucking Blu-ray. release. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's oh, never been like special so... features. It actually looks really good too, man. I popped it in the other night and uh, it looks really good on Blu-ray, man. Ooh, what really is the good. alternate unrated version? What's that of Hellraiser three? I think it was just the VHS edition of it. Huh. I don't know. I don't, I don't really know. I, I think it's like it's like a minute or two longer. So I don't really know exactly what the difference is. I haven't really compared in years, but uh, I think the DVD that came out years longer. ago. Yeah, I think I'm the like, DVD was the standard edition of it, if I remember correctly. Hmm. So, plus it's got Leviathan on there. That that's even awesome for us. That, I know that does it. That's like, yeah, yeah, it does, man. Leviathan's actually on Hellraiser 1 and 2. I don't know if it's on the third Blu-ray. Is it on the third one, too? Oh, shit, it is, yo. That's I know, awesome. Leviathan's... That's at, yeah, they repeat the, they repeat the feature on, on 1 and 2. Um, that's so. awesome, dude. I'm, I'm yeah, excited. I watched... Yeah, yeah they cool. praised Clive Barker a lot in that. Like, Leviathan... The documentary is quite interesting because they get into, like, how much of a genius Clive Barker is and stuff. It's he pretty is, cool. Though. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really excited about this box set. If I don't get it, I'll still buy it. Because uh, it's one that I was really wanted when it was in the UK, uh, but yeah, now now we have an American version of this. Pretty happy about that. Also, Arrow did announce what Takashi Miike box set. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there were some people that called that one the Black Tried <laughs> Society. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm so stoked. Um, I, you know, I probably, I love the films are, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. I mean, yeah. I've got that really cool box set with the Takashi Miike films in there, but, uh, yeah, these transfers are probably going to be just epic on those. So yeah, I pre-ordered it. <laughs> did you? Yeah, oh, I, I did. Yeah. So that is all for the news. That's all the news. Yep. That's epic. I'm sure you could have hunted a lot harder than that. Yeah, that wasn't bad for news. That was actually pretty quick. Well, let's get into mood swings and uh, let's get into the DVD and Blu-ray releases for October 18th, 2016. Um, Actually, fair amount this week that are coming out here. Uh, First up here, we got a double feature. Um, I don't you know, I'm not a big fan of these things at all. I don't know why people buy. I mean, I guess they're cheap and stuff. Released by Sony, we got Priest and Legion on it. Like, is this really like that exciting? I mean, I mean, uh, those are are the things that catch the eye of people. Like, because my friend was just telling me, he's like, "Hey, have you ever seen that movie where they're in the diner and there's like the devils or something?" I was like, "Legion." He's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Yeah, check that out." I was like, "That movie's old as shit, dude." But that's he's the type of person that would see that in Walmart and be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'm buy this." <laughs> I guess yeah. so. Right? I guess, and a lot of people like those things because they're cheap and you get two movies for the price of one, and why not? But like, I always wonder how like Sony comes to and they're like, "You know what we should do, guys? They're sitting around this big ass table. There's like 35 people sitting there, and they're like, we should probably put a double feature out of Priest and Legion. I think that's what the world needs right now. It needs a it needs a Paul Bettany double feature right now." I know. It's just like, what? I don't know how these things materialize sometimes, but and how they pick the titles, but whatever. It is what it is. Uh, next up here, we got uh, season four of Bates Motel. I have still not even 
touch season one, heard good things. It's I don't know how really the season's good. doing now. How is the season like progressing? Is it like I heard season one and two were really good? It's three and really, four, really, yeah, it's really good. It's season four is like getting to that arc that we all know and love. That's all I'm gonna say. That's cool, man. That's cool. So basically, like this probably has a couple more seasons after four. Oh yeah, that's crazy, man. Wow. I think when the show first came out, it was out. five or six that they were doing. Totally. Yeah, uh, I think we yeah, have five or six is what they said, if I remember correctly, when they first did the things. To I think. Negotiate. I think there was one point on the show way back when Bates Motel first was coming out. I said, I think we had kind of agreed. I'm like, well, it'd probably last about four seasons. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> not right. That's why yeah. fucking putting work, man. Um. Next up here is uh, a release from the Warner Brothers archive collection. Uh, Blu-ray of uh, Body Snatchers, the Abel Ferrer uh, mm-hmm. version from 1993. That's a 90s version? I thought that was the 80s version. No, this is from 1993. This is the third uh, version of Body Snatchers. Um, I or invas- right. of invasion oh, was there not an 80s version? No, it was no, skip, no. 50s, skip 70s, 90s, 50s, 90s, 80s, or 90s. Fuck. 50s, <laughs> 70s, 90s, and then there was that one with Nicole Kidman a couple years back, whatever. Yeah, the 2000s one, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, there's been four of them. But, uh, yeah, apparently these Warner Brother Archive Collection, you have a couple of these, Derek? Yeah, they're pressed. Yeah, they're, they're actually pretty... pressed, unlike the DVDs are actually burnt. They're yeah. uh, DVD-Rs, which is, I wonder why they decided to do that and not the DVDs. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's weird. And I, I thought that was very confusing. But, anyways, if you're into Body Snatchers, um, you know, that much, there's a Blu-ray coming out. So- um Next up here from Arrow Video, we got the, I'm assuming, standard edition of Bride of Reanimator. Um, yeah, yep. So, yeah. So, if you're not familiar with that, there was a special limited edition that came out a few months back, and now this is just the standard edition of it. So, if you're interested, it is available, widely available now. So, um, next up here from Scream Factory, we have another Blu ray edition of Child's Play. I think this is like. With Screen Factory's edition, this has got to be what the fourth or fifth Blu-ray release of Child's Play. I th- it might be. I know they have it's, many DVD editions. I think there's three. I, I can think of two, and then there's the box. It's, it's four or five editions in Region One of Child's Play. It's crazy. I don't know. Are you guys gonna bite on this one or what? I never got the box set, so I I'll might actually grab. grab yeah, I might grab it eventually, not right away. Yeah, I have. I mean, the only problem is like. I have to make a decision quickly because I don't want to grab this way too far down the road and not get the slipcover. That'll just bug the shit out of me. Yeah. You know, and then, uh, I don't know. But the thing is, I have Child's... Actually, I only have Child's Play on Blu-ray one time just in the box set, so whatever. But, you know, I mean, this is probably worth picking up. I mean, at least has features and stuff. It is Child's Play, right? Yeah. Not even my favorite film of the franchise. It's not even my favorite one. Yeah, it's not mine either. I like part two. I like part two too. I like both actually about the same. No, my favorite seat of Chucky, man. Hands down. <laughs> red red man for life. Yeah, man. I just I love Seat of Chucky, the John Waters, you know, cameo oh, for awesome. people. Seat of Chucky's by far the best one in the franchise. It's awesome. Um <laughs> totally joking. Totally joking. Uh I would probably say part two is is the best one. I think man, I love part three though. I know it's not like anywhere near the best film or anything but i love part three man i love the scene where chucky replaces the paintballs with real bullets yeah that <laughs> scene's epic 
<laughs> it starts shooting each other. That shit's awesome, man. I always remember that as a kid. It's fucking awesome. Um, next up here, we have uh, a Criterion release of Gilmero Gil- Gil- Del Toro. I can't never fucking say his name properly. Of Pan's Labyrinth. Um, when is the... I know Jason got that huge box set from Criterion with, like, the four films. Yeah. Yeah. Come, it comes that... out Tuesday. Oh, it comes out, too? Awesome. Yeah, okay. yeah they're so released both. Yeah. It, it's three films. Chronos, uh, Pan's Labyrinth, and The Devil. The, the Devil's Devil. Backbone? Yeah. yeah. Is it just, I thought it was yeah, four. Yeah, there's okay. a bonus disc <laughs> in there. Yeah, there's a bonus disc. And a huge booklet, too. Yeah, I find that's that very... A, that's an interesting box set. I find that very interesting that Criterion's releasing Pan's Labyrinth twice on the same day, you know, in two different versions. Well, I guess uh, it's not really. It's, that's if, if, if people ever picked up like the individual releases too, it's good for them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's I guess. like think of like the Human Centipede three, right? It's the box set and the regular release. Yeah, I guess that makes sense, right? Uh, next up here from Kino is one release that I think a lot of people have been waiting for, myself included, um, is the uh, the longly awaited Blu-ray release of The Pit, finally back in print. It's been so yeah, long that, since that, it's been in print. That disappoints me all the time because I, I just got that DVD for like a really good price. Well, I mean, this always yeah. happens. Don't even get me started with this shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> Come on! I mean, it always happens. happens. It happened to me too, all the time. Yeah, well, it happens to me all the time too. But I was just, you know, it, it makes me less excited to check it out. But you know, at least you know, at least as Kino pointed out, you know, the transfer is going to be totally awesome. I, I mean, actually, a lot of the Anchor Bay stuff is, you know, I mean, their transfers are good, but there is room for improvement on them. You know, I don't so think I own a single Kino release. Yeah, they do. They do good restoration work. Really good. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I know. You think the pit is going for like fifteen bucks on Amazon.com, yeah, yeah. so it's really cheap, actually. Yeah, I got it pre-ordered. Yeah, it actually mm. went up in price. It was at like thirteen something, and now it's at fifteen ninety nine. Yeah, it's crazy. Kino stuff up here is really expensive, but uh, another release from Kino, just from the not the classic line, but just a regular Kino. We got Serial Killer One. Hmm. So it's like a French thriller type horror film. Don't really know much about it, but I mean, if Kino's releasing it, it's probably pretty decent. They have a pretty good track record with releasing pretty decent films. So sounds interesting. Serial Killer One. Uh, speaking of Vestron, we have Waxwork and Waxwork Two double feature coming out on their uh, their collector series. Um, yeah, Can you this speak is speak of Vestron at all? Because you said speaking of Vestron, but I don't think we even brought up Vestron yet. Yeah, I think we kind of did when we were talking about chopping. In the news. Yeah, in the <laughs> <Okay>. news. <laughs> um, but yeah, Vestron, Waxwork 1 and 2. Yeah, I'm, I got to get the other two so I don't get behind on these things because I really do. I really do want to collect these. These are dope. Yeah, they're I, really nice looking. You know, you brought up the fact that you want to kind of jump on these Vestron titles before they go out of print and stuff. I have a sneaky suspicion that these things aren't going to be around for a while either. Yeah. yeah like, I'm I think just, they're going to they're gonna sure. come and go. Like, I mean, they they did say that somebody came out and said that their limitations is, like, similar to how Disney does it, where they just print them. They're going to bolt these things? Yeah, well, they, like, they, like, print, like, they don't set a limit number. They just, yeah. they print them until they start slowing down selling, and then they just and stop they printing stop. them. Uh, they put them in the vault again? Well, I don't mean, yeah. like, the vault, mm-hmm. but, I mean, they just stop printing them. 
You know, the uh, Disney's yeah. vault thing. It's like a that's like a gimmick, but I mean, yeah, like, it's hilarious. I'm just saying the We're same going back in the vault. Uh, there's no fucking vault. There's a show him but the title. Oh back come on, vault. you know there's you know there's a fucking vault somewhere. You, man. you see the yeah, blue rays like back Blu-ray, to the vault. The, like blue, like they're wheeling in. Like, no, there is literally a vault. vault. There's literally this underground layer with this. Yeah, but they just say vault. With, with Tinker Bell Garden. Yeah, I mean that's but, where they keep Walt Disney himself in the vault. Yeah, frozen his head at least. Uh, anyway, so wax his cryogenetic movie. chamber. You know, the guy's down there, he's just, he's waiting to be rebirthed, you know. Something, oh something that I like about these Vestron titles is is they really do seem like that there's something worthwhile with every every release so far, at least. You know, like, for example, most of the, the films that they're releasing are ones that have not been on Blu-ray. So that's a benefit right there. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Chopping Mall, never been on Blu-ray. Um, and I don't think has Shopping Mall even had a, like a special edition with like features before. No. Okay, and then uh, not really. No. Blood Diner definitely hasn't. So that mm-hmm. that you know, and then Waxwork oh. one and two, like yeah, okay, there's not really any features on this one, but they're releasing Waxwork that both of these films have not been on Blu-ray, and the first one's actually the uncut version, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. And then you know, Chud two is another film that. That hasn't ever been on Blu-ray. <laughs> no, but I, I don't even know. There might not. I don't even know if there's features on Chud too, honestly. But but you got Return of the Living Dead three that that's never been. I'm on excited Blu-ray. for that. That that one's actually going to be. But that one's a not, fan favorite. That's uncut version and too. And uncut, yeah. So it's like yeah. Yeah. it's like they're either first time on Blu-rays or like editions that that these films deserve, or they're uh, you know adding something that's not been done before, like the uncut versions. Yeah. I, I like what they're doing so far. I mean, I, I know that every company eventually falls from grace and the honeymoon phase is over, but right mm-hmm. now I'm enjoying the honeymoon phase with these. Me too. But you know what, man? I think that there's a I think there's so much potential with this label because if they're releasing these films, we know you know, kind of for a fact that they have quite a selection of other obscure Tons titles sitting in, in their vaults. You know, we know that they have the rights to all this stuff, so you know, there's a lot of potential here. A lot of potential. That's what's so exciting about this this Vestron collector series, man. I think that you I'm know, just wondering if they're selling that well though, because like they 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 I definitely have seen them around, but like I remember when like for example, everybody's talking about the prices, first man. Came out, yeah. Like, the, everybody fucking had Halloween two and three. Everybody and their mother. Yeah. Everybody had they live. But everybody remember when Halloween dead. two and three first came out, man? Like the pre-orders were like eighteen ninety nine. Yeah. They were cheap, dude. They were like, you know, for what you were getting, they were yeah. really, really cheap, yeah, good they, releases. They, and you're right. Everybody is talking about the prices on these. These are, yeah. these are very, very, I'm not going to lie, man. I bought the first these two vests. higher than like Criterion's, man. Well, I mean, not, well. <laughs> well, when they first, are pre- some of the Criterion pre-orders are like that price too. Exactly. Exactly. But, uh. Yeah, the price is pretty high. I, mean, I, I won't. I won't lie. Like these are two of the most expensive Blu-rays that I've bought in a while. Yeah, me and, too. What did you pay for them? Uh, I think my pre-order price was like thirty-four or something like that. Yeah, that's a lot. I got. <laughs> yeah, I got... but you know what, man? The day they came out, and I said this to Derek. I said I've watched these things will go up to fifty bucks. They went up to fifty-four bucks. They're fifty-four dollars yeah. on Amazon now. Um, so I was like, well, <laughs> you know, you gotta take the good with the bad right there, right? Yeah. I've, I've literally so. never. 
I, I never would. I like I, I barely ever buy stuff over twenty dollars, and I well, bought I Chopping Mall for twenty five, and it it pained me bad, but I did it. Just mm-hmm. just to, at least to support the first couple, so that well that that's precisely what continues. I said. Yeah, you never know; they might but go down. But at the same time, I don't down. want to like I do want to support the first couple but at the same time i don't want them to think that they can keep charging that shit because i don't want them to think that you know yeah, yeah i know it's I definitely it, one yeah. of the situations you're rock between a rock and a hard place but i said the exact same thing i want to support the label because i want to see more titles being released i mean I slaughter if high worries, yeah if everyone worries too much about the price and just doesn't bite on it then if no one buys them then nothing's getting released yeah it's as simple as that so again give it the bad so lose lose situation high that film keeps getting brought up Keeps getting brought up. Everybody keeps bringing it up, right? Like, I like Slaughter High. Slaughter High's good. Like, I like Chopping Mall. Chopping Mall's dope. Like, what the fuck is it with Slaughter High that people are so obsessed with it? I really don't know. It's like, it, it's like Madman to me. Like, I, it's better than Madman, but it's like, like how moods felt. Like, it, I don't understand why people love this movie so much. Like, Slaughter High is cool and stuff, but what is mm-hmm. it about it that, that is so fucking cool to everybody? I'm actually asking that question because I don't. I'm, I'm it's probably because it doesn't have any decent, decent releases here. So people are just, you know, they're chiming in and saying, "Nah, let's get a good release of it and stuff." I mean, it, it's I, I actually personally really like Slaughter High. I mean, so do I. I like it has Slaughter High too. <laughs> Carolyn Monroe like looks sexy as hell in that film. She's like in her mid thirties at the time. <laughs> yeah, great hairy man from Dini score. It's got a great fucking yeah the score is just one thing that really sticks out about that film but i mean this the storyline is very typical it's yeah i'll I'll even admit that the storyline's not the greatest but yeah they kind of rush they try to try to explain how they they have so many plot holes at the end with like the end in but it said doesn't work (laughs) the most uh... (laughs) no it doesn't it doesn't yeah i don't know i just thought it might have been something that i that i didn't this nostalgia i'm gonna blame it i'm gonna blame it on the title of the film Slaughter High. Who doesn't want a fucking movie in their collection called Slaughter High? That just sounds bat shit awesome. You know, it's, it's true. Yeah, it does, man. Like I'm a big fan. You know me. I like I love movies with massacre in the title and slaughter. I'm just a sucker for those things. If I see a title with that in there, I'm at least gonna read the synopsis. You know, like it just kind of intrigues me. I'm one of those people. I don't I like know. my bloods, I'm, I'm not bloods really. my deads, and and uh, <laughs> shit like that. Deader, and I don't know, man. It's just. It's kind of cheesy, but it yeah. works. I, it I works. Like I see, I, I like Slaughter High. Don't get me wrong; it's it's a, it's a good movie. But I I keep seeing it as like this most requested title from them, and I'm like, it's coming. It's gonna come. They're not gonna not release Slaughter High. Let's get some other fucking weird ones that I never heard of first. <laughs> like but, parents. Uh, yeah, there's even maybe not even parents. Like some of the stuff that doesn't even have DVD releases. Like that's well, apparently really parents happen. actually is going to be one of the next ones. I've been hearing rumblings about that. Hmm. So anyway, let's finish up these uh, releases. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we're still doing the releases. Shit, totally forgot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> moving on to Screen Factory with uh, another one of their IFC Midnight titles. I believe this is a Swedish film called What We Became. Um, well, right there. I mean, being Swedish, it already has my attention. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious on it myself. I, I have think to admit, I just seen a review on this one that was oh, did you? positive. Nice. I have to say though, yeah, you know, Dave, as, Dave as, Dave as much as I've been one. bashing the shit out of Screen Factory, and you know, and I haven't really been picking up a lot of the titles. I have to admit, a lot of these IFC titles that are coming out in you know the next 
you know, that next half of this month in, in uh-huh. November and stuff look really cool. Like a lot of the IFC titles are the ones that I'm more interested in. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Which I generally don't say that about them. Usually the IFC titles are hit and miss, but from what I've read and from what I've heard from other people, Jason included, I think there's a couple of films that he might have seen and that actually are pretty good. So that that's that's cool, man. That's cool. So I'm for that. And plus they're a lot cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> they're fucking Screen Factory titles. Uh, moving along here, man. From Level 33 Entertainment, we have a film called The Caretaker. Yes, another film called The Caretaker. That <laughs> what? Three, four in the last four or five years? Maybe. It's this fucking thing, man. Like Every year, there's always a movie or multiple movies with the same name. Like, come yeah. on. Like, what is, is up it, with man? Is there one with Joe Spinell? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. I have no idea, but all I know is that there's... I think I have a couple films in my collection called The Caretaker. Like, this is ridiculous. It's going to be one of these movies. If you want to... If you Google it, you're probably... Or if you type it on Amazon, you're going you're gonna to end up buying the wrong one. Oh, yeah. Let's put it that way. <laughs> now, this one, coming straight from Orchard. I don't know if that's a real label. Whoa. Who knows? What's the <laughs> Orchard. Um... I don't know, man, what's with this cover, but it's called Ghost Team. (laughs) (laughs) Idol. Paranormal investigation, no experience necessary. And this fucker's rated PG-13. What? Like, who's buying it? Lost my excitement already with this. Oh, I know. It just looks so bad. Uh, Now, I've heard, I think actually even from you, I think you said this one was really good, from Lionsgate. That is right, Lionsgate, releasing a modern horror film called The Good Neighbor. I think this Star- is one of those arguably a horror film things. Okay, so it's like more of a thriller slash horror element type deal with James Caan. Yeah. There, man, it just intrigues me enough. I'm like, wow, Lionsgate has done not a lot of great mo- uh, modern horror films or thrillers in the last, I don't know, long time. So, But, you know, if James Caan's aboard I, on this. I think Brandon... Gave that one a favorable review. Yeah, I think that's who it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of uh, recognizable titles here from Bra- Breaking Glass Pictures, we got one called Razors. The Return of Jack the Ripper. At least it has like a subtitle. Oh, up, God. But, uh. but Razors? <laughs> There's a couple movies with that title, Razors. Give me a break. Uh, you know, Breaking Glass doesn't put out a lot of material anymore, do they? Derek, I know like you probably have a couple films in your collection from them. but uh, Yeah, they haven't really released anything new lately. Not at all, man. It's, it seems like it's been a couple years since they've dropped anything. So I was quite, I was intrigued to see Breaking Glass again. Yeah, I've been quiet. And last up for the releases, we have a film uh, that I actually just reviewed today on my channel. I believe Derek did also, oddly enough. And I'm sure JP will have one coming up for it. Also, the newest film released by Artsploitation called Vampires, which is actually a remake of the 1974 Spanish film of the same title. Mm-hmm. How was it? Uh, well, let's put it this way. I watched, I did back-to-back reviews. I reviewed the 74 Vampires, and then I did Vampires Today. Um, I personally didn't like this one a whole lot, to be honest at all. I gave it a five and a half. It's not a, it's not a, it's not like a shit-made film or anything, but, you know, in a direct comparison to the original, it's very much like the original film, but mm-hmm. it does have its, it does have its differences in structure and stuff like that. Yeah. It, it kind of, you know, like th- what one thing I did say in my review in, in the original film, they focus a lot on the antagonists, like the like the fucking vampires themselves, and then you know the campers and the the sub 
yeah, uh, plot in the film was kind of secondary. It was major secondary in the film. In this one, it's completely reversed. They they focus a lot on the protagonists and what they're doing and stuff. And and then the vampires, they, they're kind of secondary in the story for the first half of the film. And so the structure is a lot different, but it's very much the same film. Um, there's even like s- similar scenes and things like that. But, I, you know, the first two thirds of the film were okay. And then the third, the third act in this one, <laughs> fucking, I, it lost it for me, man. I, I, I've talked about this many times. I can't stand when you're, there's a whole mystery behind these vampires that you can tell right away that the mythology used in this modern version of the film is completely different than the original one, which is kind of cool. But they go that extra step where they don't need to and they explain in the in the final act uh, to these two girls that they're torturing, you know, their history and they start to explain everything. And I'm just like, why? Like you don't even it doesn't even matter. And the story sucks. <laughs> like the actual story that they start telling to these girls isn't even that interesting. I'm like, you could have just saved that and kept the mystery and would have been fine. But I, I don't know. I think the the director did a pretty good job with this film, but I think he tried to amp up the ending. Like I said in my review, I said in the original film, a lot of people kind of find the ending to the, the film to be a little bit anticlimactic. And this one, I felt like he just kind of, he took that and he was like, well, I'm going to amp this shit up. <laughs> I'm going to mm-hmm. make this a fucking bloody gore fest, uh, kind of like a torture thing. And I was like, what? And then, you know, it w- the effects are fine. Everything's practical. Everything's cool. Everything looks good. But I just didn't think it was needed. You know, at all. It just, it, it kind of felt a little out of place for me. Carolyn Monroe's character, total throwaway character. Um, that The whole hotel thing wasn't even needed in this film, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, like I said, not a bad film. I prefer the original one. You know, I give the original one six and a half, this one five and a half. So, yeah, it is what it is. Uh, what about you, Derek? I mostly agree what he says. I, because, well, I didn't actually, I should have rewatched the original first. I actually don't own a copy of it to revisit it. But I was just remembering some things, and it is very similar in story and stuff. But, again, oh, it's, it's... It's practically the exact same film. Yeah, it's very similar. I didn't give it... I gave it a little higher than Moods. I gave it, like, a 6.5. I, I didn't have a lot of problems with it, because it's probably... Because a lot of the remakes that are coming out these days, it's probably the best one that I've seen out of, like, the remakes that came out this year so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's because, like... Reviewed modders too, and I didn't really care for that one that much. I, it wasn't that bad, but I still, I th- I like this one a lot better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're interested in an interview, we actually have one posted, a little Q and A that Derek actually did with the director Victor Matalanan, mm-hmm. Matalano, and uh, sorry for butchering that name, but um, yeah, he's been on our site, and he'll probably listen to the show, so. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he's gonna email me and be like, "Blasphemy! Your review sucks." <laughs> anyway, just like, I mean, he, he, you know, he dedicated. I really like the fact that, like, you know, he put up straight up scenes, like just straight up homage scenes to the, the original film, and you know, gives props to the other director and stuff, and that's cool. Yeah, my review will be up tomorrow. One of my biggest problems with this version, though, is that. To be honest, like it's a Spanish film done in English, and they use you know Spanish actors and things like that. And the English is very broken, and it comes mm-hmm. off as that their acting is really bad because the way they're spitting their lines is just it's just coming off like oh my god. But it's not even that though. A lot of the dialogue I found in the film was really dry and just boring. Like nothing was exciting with any of the dialogue, any of the interaction with the characters and stuff was just it wasn't good dialogue at all. 
you're just like, I don't give a fuck about this, man. I don't know what you thought about the dialogue and stuff, but I thought a lot of the exchanges and things were just like, ugh. I kept doing that. I was actually laughing at a couple points. I'm like, who wrote the fucking script for this, man? Uh, like I said, my review will be up tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, anyways. I don't know. I, I, you know, I was actually really hoping to like this one. I mean, I still got to finish the other remakes that came out this year, so. so yeah. So, so far, it's not really a, a great year for remakes, in my opinion. But. So what's your uh, release of the week? Um, release of the week, man. I probably have to go with... Ah, shit, man. This is actually kind of a tough one. Um, it's pretty much between, like, two... And I'm going to say the release week, if you got to pick up one thing and it's going back to supporting a company that probably needs your support so we can see more awesome releases in the near future. And that is going to be from Vestron Waxwork and Waxwork 2. Woohoo! Pick it up. Pick yeah. it up. And I actually like Waxwork. It's a good movie. Yeah, I can't wait to see it on cut. Waxwork but, 2 is pretty shitty, to be honest. I'm not really... It's... I, it has continuity. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't hate it. I don't love it either. It's, it's just, yeah. it's just, I don't know. It's been a while since I watched it. Yeah. yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it too. But I, you know, last time I watched it, I was like, man, this movie is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got that same vibe. Like, yeah. like you, you want it to be cool. Like you want it to be so cool, but it's just like, mm. eh. <laughs> it's because the premise in Waxburg Two is like so different than the uh, first one. And like, <laughs> I love the premise of the original Waxburg. I love that whole thing where. You know, it's an anthology film, you know, based on these, you know, these scenes, you know, in this Waxburg yeah. music. I love that, yeah. man. I think that's such a cool setup, man. It's really cool. Um, good stuff. Some great characters and stuff, too, in that one. Yeah, and, like, the stories are just, they're exciting. They're fun. Good costumes in them and shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I heard that, actually, the uncut version is a little more gory, a little more gory, so. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's exciting, man. Yeah. But, yeah. So, that's release of the week. And moving on to voicemails slash questions from our very, very loyal fans. Derek, are you going to call in? You got a <laughs> no, I didn't leave Dude, one. you should have fu- you should have fucking done You should have le- left a voice. <laughs> no, you know, I was thinking about it, too. I was going to leave, like, a joke one. Like, don't fuck this up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, note to self. Derek, don't fuck the show up. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. So, but, yeah, start- let's... Let's go, man. Let's let's get some of these questions going. To start things off, we just have a few that were posted on the Facebook page. So, uh, Stephen Carpenter asks. By the way, Stephen Carpenter is known for like sending long ass emails, but he sends us the short ass question. Uh, he says, "Are you guys talking about Wolf Creek one and two? No, not this time. No. <laughs> and then uh, because it's an Australian show, uh, Mike Merriman, uh, will you be watching the Wolf Creek show? I actually didn't even – I forgot about this show, but apparently it started the other night, um, Friday night. So no. Oh, yeah, shit. I, I completely forgot about that too. Me too. Not like I was going to tune in. I just actually forgot about the show. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> know what whole. network it's on actually. I, yeah. I, it, I don't know. I think it's on Stars. It's on, on Stars. That's the okay. problem, man. Wow. There's so many damn horror-related TV shows now. I can't – you can't – who can keep up with this? Yeah, who can honestly I, I, say, I lost track. <laughs> who can honestly say that they're watching American Horror Story, uh, Stranger Things, Scream, fucking Mike Bates Motel, uh, From Dust Till Dawn, all at the same time? Who's doing that? Mike Merriman? Really? 
Yeah, he has a show called Evil Episodes where he talks about all the TV shows that are going on. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. But this is probably all he's doing, though, is watching TV. Yeah, yeah, his whole show is comprised of... It's like, they're they're over 100 episodes now. They've been around forever. And he's, uh... He, he basically throughout seasons, you know, he whatever new shows on, he checks it out. It's actually a great concept for a show, you know, to keep just keep up on the TV, talk about what's happening on each show and stuff. Like I've seen him have his notebook taking pictures of it, posting on Facebook, and there's like there's like nine shows like that they're covering on one episode, on one giant notebook. Oh yeah. crap, man! Yeah, yeah. damn. So, yeah, crap. That asked that question. Uh, Andy Cripps, uh, I haven't left a question since the early days, but uh, but he wants to know, uh, besides The Purge, what other movies would you like to see set on a boat? Ooh. <laughs> what other I, movies would I like to be like to see set on a boat? I got one that's terrifying. Gremlins. Not Gremlins? Bad. Because yeah. if they jump in the ocean, you're fucked. Because you're surrounded in the thing that makes them multiply the most. Oh, good point. I didn't Damn, dude, that. that's like, that's <laughs> no, Christ, nobody that can would beat be that like answer. An epidemic. Yeah, nobody, nobody can beat that answer. Yeah, that's, that's like the best answer good. ever. That like destroy the world in like a second. Damn, let's. I don't even think I need to go. No, man, you just that was the answer of the week right there. Yeah, let's. You I thought know. about that, didn't you? Yeah, I, well, I had extra time to think about it more too. Everybody you know, knows it. You know, and even specified, you know, besides the purge. Fuck, I want to see the purge on a big giant cruise ship, man. Awesome. Uh, Jason Lloyd said, uh, The Devil's Candy is awesome. Uh, it's his fec- second favorite of last year, which I believe that that's in reference. I think it's an Australian horror film. So It is. It's from the director of The Loved Ones. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Lloyd okay. has talked about that film plenty of times. Mm-hmm. Sir Lloyd. <laughs> um, Dustin, uh, Mr. Watson, the homie who I shouted out at the beginning of the show. Uh, Jason Lloyd asked this question over, over at Horror Corridor Facebook page, but what are some of your favorite horror movies where rainstorms are a big part of the setting? <laughs> well, yeah, this one I had a tough time with. The only film, the, the first film I thought of when I saw the question was Storm Warning. Yeah, I love Storm Warning. Good like, because it's literally like shitting rain the whole film. There's a lot of movies with scenes with storms in them. Yeah, I was thinking of Poltergeist with the tree scene. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's... Lots of I can't think of full films that are like in the <coughs> storm though. The only thing I can think about is like Hard Rain. I know it's what you did last summer too. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought I thought about that too actually, but I didn't want to even mention it because that movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Storm Morning's uh, such a better film. Speaking of Aussie films, you know Storm yeah, Morning. Storm yeah, good film. Yeah, yeah. yeah that fit three into the show, man. Come on. Yeah, but. I couldn't think of any specific ones that are just besides Storm Morning. Where like the rain has a has a big big effect on things, but um, you know snow more often than rain. But yeah, yeah. I, I do like movies that are like downpours with rain, though. You know, that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So after that, we have Neil Robson, who says, "I'd be curious how you find the Aussie humor, not that it's right in front of your you, but within dialogue." I would find that some of it would be lost as we have our own way of saying things. Um, moods? I mean, that's, that's very typical of, you know, all countries and areas. They all have their specific humor and stuff. But Aussie humor to me is very similar to a lot of Canadian humor, too. We just have filthy potty mouse. I <laughs> like that. 
I, I catch a lot of the things. Like, I mean, there is the odd word, like the, the you know, certain slang words that I completely goes past me. But that's like everybody, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I love Aussie humor, though. It's funny because I'm a big fan of when people say the word cunt. <laughs> you know, like I was watching Jim Jeffries last night and he was doing this bit about like, he's like, I'm, I'm the guy that's known for using the word cunt. Like he's the guy, you know, I just, I love I'm actually like, watching that same special. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's so funny, man. Yeah. Freedom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's the guy that like kind of unbanded the word cunt. Like apparently. Nah, that was Joe Rogan or whatever. But he was saying that, you know, like in a lot of clubs in the U S and stuff, they had outlawed the word cunt. I didn't, I had no idea. That that even uh, happened. It's like, apparently, a lot of comics weren't allowed to use the word. I don't know. Oh, that's ridiculous. So, that's definitely not true. Well, that's what I was thinking, too. I was like, that's crazy. But anyways, he went on. He was probably totally shitting. But yeah, um, it was just funny. Cause it was this whole bit on that. And I, I think that, that type of comedy is, you know, is relatable. I mean, that's just Bush talk that is very common around here. So, yeah, I, enjoy I, it. I think it's funny. I don't really know. I don't know what Australian humor is, honestly. So I honestly don't know. Australians are very, like, you know, they're, I mean, a lot of times Canada's completely, you know, and with Australians, we're like the same people almost. They have, you know, they talk a little different and stuff, but we're almost like the same type of people, very hospitable and kind of dirty and things like that. Like, it's just, it's kind of interesting. So I think that's why it's just so easy for me to understand, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I I don't know. I just, I'm sure there's like hundreds of jokes that were in Australian movies that probably go over my head. Uh, I don't know. I, like culture, culture is always weird for me because like, if I if you just don't know, like you just don't know like what like what a, an inside culture joke is. Yeah, I, get, like I know it's what just, you're saying. Yeah. I'm not good with British humor either. Um, I like American humor. It's my shit. <laughs> British humor is uh, definitely like an acquired taste though, because they have such dry humor sometimes. It's I just don't like, like British humor. You're just like I think oh, I'm man. probably more into Australian humor if I could tell them apart, but like. Like I don't know, British humor sometimes just I like I'm just stone cold based when I when there's funny supposedly funny things happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So not a big Monty Python fan, not uh, a little bit. Like not a bit. I'm definitely not a big fan, but I mean I I've caught a little bit here and there. It's like you know it's alright. Yeah, some of it's pretty funny. It's yeah, I grew up with a Python. Yeah, that, that's a di- that's different though. That's like old. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But anyway. Moving on here, uh, Paul Derrick. Well, there's been a lot of talk about Tarantino doing a horror film for one of his last directions. Are there any directors you would like to see try their hand at a horror direction or attempt to direct another horror film? Hmm. This one was tough. Yeah, I mean, that'd be interesting. Island, kind of. Kinda, yeah. I mean, he kind of. I mean, that's not really a bona fide horror film, but I mean, it's an attempt at something similar. Um, you know, my answer prior to the Neon Demon would have been um, that guy. Like how he's yeah, that guy. <laughs> but he's like I love, that's you know me. I'm bad with names, but I love that guy's films, man. So I mean, that's why I'm pretty sure I'm gonna like Neon Demon when I see it. Larry but. Clark. That would be interesting. Well, he did two teenage cavemen. Is that a horror film? Yeah, it's one of those uh, sci-fi. You know, Matt knows it. It's like one of those Showtime creature features. Really? Yeah, it's one of that. that line. I've seen, that... Mo- I've seen all of his films except for that one. I think. 
Yeah, I've never seen that. That's crazy. Um, my answer was, you know, a little more pretentious, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Uh, but uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, um, he's done some films that I've absolutely loved. You know, I love Boogie Nights, um, There Will Be Blood, Magnolia, things like that. I even like Punch Drunk Love. I mean, any fans of that shit? I like Punch Drunk Love. It's I think Adam Sandler does better non-comedy films than he does comedy. I think his movies are the fucking worst. The fucking <laughs> worst. That guy Some makes awesome. absolutely abominable comedies, man. He's horrible. Nah, but when Waterboy's he's... dope, dude. Oh, dude. Dude. I mean, not all of his movies. I mean, seriously, The Wedding Singer is by far his funniest film. It's shit's fucking hilarious. But, um, but even like Punch Drug Love, like it was, you know, not everyone's cup of tea, but it was pretty interesting. Um, I don't know why I would pick this because his films totally don't represent even close to anything more. I think that's why I went with him because he's a very yeah. good director. I'd like to see what somebody with this type of range would do with a horror film. You know, it would probably come out very artsy, but maybe in a good way. I have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah, mine was pretty tough. I can't, because most of my favorite directors already did horror films. And I was trying to think of one, like, if I had to choose, maybe, like, if to see, like, the, what was the second part of the question? If you want to see somebody do another one? Uh, Yeah, that was actually, could have been, yeah, it was like. I would like to see Neil Jordan do more horror, because... He had a few steps with like interview with the vampire and Byzantine with the with the vampire genre. I'd like to see him like maybe experiment with something else in the horror genre more. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what? It was funny when when I when I thought of uh, somebody who was like dead. I was like I was like Stanley Kubrick, and then I was like, oh fuck, The Shining. Oh, I, <laughs> I totally forgot about The Shining. It would be interesting, Sergio Leone. <laughs> I would like to see Leone if he did like a horror film. Yeah, that would have been actually really cool, man. Yeah. Fucking Leone, for sure. Uh, the last question here for the Facebook ones is from Kemp Collins. Uh, what are you guys' top satanic horror films? Um, of recent memory, I think I'd go like Lords of Salem is definitely a, a pretty top one. I actually just watched Satanic. Wasn't too bad. Definitely not a top, but uh, that came out this year. Uh, besides that, of course, like Rosemary's Baby, stuff like that. A lot the the '60s, the late '60s, really had a lot of sat, sat, satanic panic going on. So there's a lot of good ones from that. Oh, there's yeah. like a million of them, man. I I was uh, I actually just reviewed one from the '70s, which was pretty awesome. Satanical pandemonium. Yeah, man, that movie's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like kills and that shit are so funny. Yeah, it's so hilarious. <laughs> Oh my god. A la carte is another good one. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um I you know, man, there's so many, but I'm just gonna throw something off you a little bit. The Devil's Reign. William Shatner. The movie is so fucking awesome, man. It's such a great seventies gem, man. Um you never seen Devil's Reign, check it out. It's pretty I'm, awesome I'm, stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna throw for... the Sentinel in there from the seventies. Oh. I mean I mean that's not like full on satanic, but it has to do with hell and things like that, but the Sentinel, man, I fucking love that film. Fuck the guys from Exploding Heads Horror Gay Cast or whatever the fuck you want to call it. <laughs> um, because those guys were shitting on that film. I don't know what the fuck they watched. I know I know Dave Z was having a problem with, you know, kind of the end with all the freaks and things like that in the Sentinel, because like, apparently that really actually freaks him out. I think he has a phobia of like freaks. So, so so he was having a hard time with the film. 
but I was really surprised, like Brandon's rating and Chris. It was crazy. I was like, what the fuck am I listening to, man? I'm like sitting outside my motorhome listening to this fucking podcast, screaming at it. Because that's okay. how I get. I get super animated. I'm like, fuck you, Brandon. I even – I text him. And I said, what the fuck is this shit, man? This is the What is with your damn review, man? This makes no sense. I was like, work to write up, man. That's why I love listening to my podcast. If I have access to actually you know, contact them while I'm listening to them, I will. Uh, it infuriates me sometimes. I'm just like, I, I wish I was there. I wish I was there. Like, I mean, these guys were coming in at like sevens and stuff. Like the Sentinel to me, man, is like a 10 out of 10. I think it's one of the – most slept on 70s it's kind of you know maybe not at the time but like i don't know man maybe it's getting a little more love with screen factors release and stuff like that but yeah. uh it's just such a it's a well done creepy fucked up film it, it mm-hmm. i love the premise of it it's, i love those type of things i don't want to give too much away for, about it but it's great it. it's yeah, a great especially because it, i haven't seen it, it it's good yeah GP, it's just it's yeah. just the, well, the whole third act really in this like film it. is is nuts it's really cool man plus the setting is in a building, and then you know me with building settings. I love yeah, building. That's like why I love horror film. In yeah, way. Dude, I love Poltergeist three because it's like in a high riser, and I love those things, man. Really cool. Very eccentric characters. Can't beat it. Can, can I mention one more before we move on? For like a sure. later, like a later day film, Shitan from the two thousand. Oh yeah, with Vincent Cassell. It's a French film. Really good mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, so uh, after that, we get an email from Jim from Toronto. He says, hey, guys, uh, I just Toronto. finished watching the Paranormal Activity franchise, and every single film has two or three different versions, theatrical, extended, and even extended alternate. It's nuts. I know sometimes directors release their own version because of studio interference and want to showcase their vision for a film, but there are so many out there that have all these different versions that are really pointless for example in the first paranormal there's an alternate ending which was cool but could have ended the story there why have it if you're if you turn around and continue the series following the other ending by the way i tried to leave feedback and it just won't let me could you enter me in the future contest (laughs) sure (laughs) (laughs) well it's it's sorry buddy it's because you're from you know the homeland of canadia it doesn't show up that's what it is. It's probably it's probably there, but well, uh, first of we just all, won't see it. It won't show it, up. Well, whenever you leave it, it takes a couple of days to actually show up. Yeah. Too. So yeah, with all this sh- crazy technology that, that we have in this world, it takes a couple of days for for it to show up on a website after you type I, it. I in. think <laughs> the reason is is because they're like they review really everything. Anti-spam. Yeah, they review I mean? everything. And I, sure. from what I understand, if you try to leave it and it doesn't work, and then you try again. And again, like right there, it'll just mark them all as spam because you you try it a couple times, you know, you yeah. it a couple. So, so definitely only do one and then wait and see if it shows up a couple of days later. Um, maybe that's Andy's problem as well because Andy can't leave one. I don't know. Maybe fucking make a new iTunes account too. Like try that <laughs> um, <laughs> instead of using your nine year old one. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? For one, me personally, I do know exactly what he's talking about with the Paranormal Activity franchise. I think that one was kind of a little bit cooler because it actually sent a different ending to a couple different theater, like to different theaters. So that's kind of an interesting way to do it because it might give you a chance to, you know, if it's a really successful movie, to like get people to watch it a couple times because maybe you'll get a different ending. Which, I, if I was really into a movie, I, I would consider. Oh, that, that marketing man! Oh. 
Yeah. That's not bad. That's not bad. No, it's not bad at all. I mean, it's that's yeah, like William you. Castle shit. I mean, that whole there, marketing you know idea is mean? better than the fucking movie itself. I mean, let's well, face that's it. That's not right? true. You haven't watched it in a long time. <laughs> um, so, I just like to get you going, man. Come on. <laughs> so anyway, like you know. So with those films, I understand, but I do also know the endings. And I was, I was when I first seen the movie, I was really interested to see what the other endings were. And I do know that the one makes the sequels impossible. So it's like, well, but at the same time, you know, Jim, the sequels it. weren't planned. This was an independent film that that gained like a ton of following and released widely, and of course got sequels afterwards. But you know, it ain't like they was thinking ahead of time, like, oh, we're gonna do an entire franchise here. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, but other films like such as like Rob Zombie's Halloween, like they have a bunch of different cuts, and uh-huh. I like the theatrical cut way more for Rob Zombie's Halloween. Um, I do like the option for there to no, be I don't other. Know. What you you said you don't? No, I like the I like the unrated version better. But I do agree with the whole rape scene and stuff. It doesn't need to be there, but I actually do like the unrated version better. Yeah, well, I like that's the problem. I like both versions for I like I wish I could mash them together and make like my cut because it it would cut out like some of the bullshit that I didn't like. In hey the man, unrated. what's stopping you? Just do it. Right? Yeah, I guess I could. I think it's illegal, but... <laughs> hey, <laughs> man, law, you don't have maybe? to try to sell that shit. Just, use it, just make it for your own personal amusement. Rob Zombie's Halloween, the 22 shots cut. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Um, but, you know, so I, I like the option of there to be, like, other cuts, especially if it's, like, extensive, like, Nightbreed or Exorcist 3 or... Yeah. Extensive. But I like that they're maybe not in such a, like quick order for them to come out like if a film gets released like evil dead you know just three years ago well actually three years is a fair amount of time honestly but you know i don't want to see like six different versions of the film come out in the same year like when you look at a film like nightbreed that was made in like the 80s and then in 2014 gets another cut finally released like that's cool like we're all soaking that in because like, there's another cut but if it happens like right simultaneously after the first release it's it's kind of a little disenchanting so you want you definitely want to have some space in there but i like the idea that it's like there's different versions of of a movie that you like yeah the, that's who it's selling them to really that, is the people that like yeah, it's them. happening now with the exorcist 3 ain't it yeah what do you i'm got? excited i'm excited to see that version of the film i'm curious on it myself i like it man i like the Exorcist. because i actually 3. read the novel it's actually one of my favorite novels so what, um, what do you guys think? Well, GP, when we were talking about doing the paranormal uh, series, I even said to you, I was like, can we just watch the theatrical versions? Because I was in reference to these movies have so many versions. I didn't know, you know, which we were going to have to come to, you know, an agreement on which version we were going to watch. And the way I was looking at it, it seemed like, you know, the unrated version or extended, whatever you want to call them, were always longer. And I'm just fearing doing this franchise anyway, so I'm like, let's just stick to the theatrical ones, man. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I would have to – I'll have to do a little slight research to see, like, what's different in them because if – you definitely want to have the storyline where it can continue. Yeah, where it makes wanna, sense. You don't want to watch too, yeah. the first one and then the ending be like, oh, this franchise couldn't continue now. <laughs> so, yeah, that's you know, true. Just mm-hmm. for purposes and stuff. But I really do want to do that show, like, soon. Because that's, to me, like, I feel like that's 
that's one that you're you're probably going to can't be because they keep pumping out the damn surprised. films. We're never going to be able to do it because well, they have you know. they they haven't made one in in a couple years now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a bit they too. They kind of ended it. They they kind of yeah. Ended it. I guess so. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I, I liked it. I liked the first one. <laughs> I have I have Derek's enthusiasm right now. It's like. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it eventually, man. Come on. Let's do it, man. You know. <laughs> if you're fair with them, I think that I think that you will be a little surprised. Like you might not come. I'm not saying you're gonna come in at a nine or something, but I can see like sevens, like a respectable seven. That's what I usually give them. That they're not bad, man. Yeah, they're not you really that bad. Pro- I feel like you just watched it during like the most hyped thing ever, and like. It, it just, you know, it was at a time where you just wasn't into it. That's I mean, exactly when I watched the first, one, I honestly, I don't remember the circumstances of my of my viewing. Um, yeah, if it was during, you know, the hype age, or if it was the fact that I wasn't into found footage that particular day, I couldn't actually tell you. To be honest, it's, maybe it's a combination of both. Who fucking it knows? has the same complaints maybe, as every found footage. It's just boring. Like, but if you can get into the story, then it's not boring. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's always, I mean, if you're not particularly in the mood to watch something like a found footage film, sometimes it just comes off as being the worst thing you've ever watched in your life. You ever yeah, had that happen? <laughs> yeah, yes. that, that, that happened. You know, yeah. and, you know, it happens, right? So, I mean, this is why a lot of people always say that second watches are a good thing. Okay. You know, they, it could be in a different they, mood. They, it could be a different setting, different mind state. You know, maybe you weren't at the beach that to day, me all the and time. you didn't get all the time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, who knows? I could have went. I could have been at the beach and got sand in my vajiji, and I was or in a bad mood. You just mood. might not like it, and you still might not like it. But that's it's possible. But that's that's <laughs> you know that's inevitable. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. that could be the direct answer right there. Who knows? But. Yeah. I think a lot of people have come around on them, though. Since, since they came out and all the hate has passed, I think that some people are like, "Oh yeah, like I, I, I don't, I don't know." These aren't I like bad. a few of them. A few of them yeah. are decent. Um, so you know, our I, last... oh, I joke yeah. about it. I joke about it, but I've literally only seen the first one. Like I have yeah, the first yeah. four or five. I have five of them or something. I don't know. And I, don't and I defend them, and I've only seen the first two. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I mean, there's like four more. It's funny because I've heard from so many people that part two is just so bad. It's see, I don't get that because it's the same movie as the first one. It's literally the same thing except for like it happens to different. Maybe people. that's why people are saying it's so bad. They're like they didn't do anything different. <laughs> like, yeah, well, if you watch it like that, well, yes, it's a, I mean, well, it's a continuing story too. It connects. Yeah, that you find out a little bit more about the story, but the same shit happens. Well, the of course, shit. I'm of course I'm going to have to watch these movies to. Uh, you know, to generate my own opinion here, but it'll yeah. come. It'll come in time. Okay. So, I actually haven't uh, seen have... the last one. Yeah, but we we'll continue. All right. We have uh, one more question here written wise from Charlene, the homie from France. Uh, she says, hi, guys. I need to try and leave a voicemail sometime. But for now, here's a new email with some questions for the next episode. Moods. Nice. As I'm going to Hello. watch my first Giallo, Deep Red. I was wondering if you could list your must-watch giallos, gialli? Question mark <laughs> for someone who doesn't know much about the genre. Ooh, um, I figured you could rattle rattle off a few. 
Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, if you really want to, like I always tell people, if you're just getting into geology, you might want to start with like, uh, so she started with deep red. That's actually a pretty good one to start with. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I would say Argento is a good way to start. Bird with uh, the crystal plumage is a Yeah, the song. bird with the crystal plumage is exactly what I was going to say. You know, even Tenenbrae, you know, maybe if you like your 80s films or something like that, maybe try something like that or Tenenbrae, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, different vibes, you know, kind of thing. Um, if you want to get real kind of interesting and stuff, you know, go back to Mario Bava with Blood and Black Lace and things like that. Um, That's a great start as well because that one, even if you're not super crazy about giallos, like you at least see like the level of technique in that film. So something will hold you there. Yeah. 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 And then you can switch over to some Fulci. I mean, there's so many, you know, um, we know mm. the, uh, don't torture a duckling. You could, you could try a lizard woman's skin. Like they're very, very different type films, but at least you're getting mm. variations of directors here. Um, I love the movie black belly of the tarantula. That's a really, really good film. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. So we're getting a little bit different vibes here. Um, What's another really good one? Short Night of the Glass Dolls. I always recommend that to people because it's a very different take on Jell. So if you're kind of looking for different stuff to watch, you know, that one's pretty interesting. Spasmo. Spasmo is fantastic. It's very psychological and strange. (laughs) It's a strange film. Uh, What have you done to Sludge? You know, the the recent release from Arrow. I mean, if you want to get something very, very current, really good stuff right there. You want some sleaze? New York Ripper? Sister of Ursula. (laughs) Sister of Ursula, yeah. Torso, I think, is a pretty good one to start also with. Uh, yeah, Torso is you know. like one of my first ones, yeah. Yeah, so depending on what your style is, if you like sleazy things, you know, or if you don't, um, if you like the sleaze aspect, I would say Strip Nude for Your Killer is a pretty interesting one to watch. <laughs> Family fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, there's just so damn many of them, man. Uh, shit, dude. Um, yeah, what are some other ones, Derek? I, I, mean, I mean, for starter-wise. Uh, mm. Those ones are pretty good. I think she got a, a solid list there. Yeah, I mean, oh, the the perfume of the black lady. Oh yeah, that's, that's a very excellent. interesting. Yeah, excellent, excellent, excellent stuff right there. Yeah, um, I would even recommend the Red Queen Kill Seven. Uh, kills. Seven I would times. recommend that as well. That's it. That's a I pretty. Tried to review it one. once and didn't remember it. Your so vice is a locker room. Watch it right after. Your vice is a locker room. That, that's another good one. Your vice is a locker and, room. And those, yeah, those are those are good ones to mention too because they're they're so current. They're you know the releases are there. They're easy to find yeah. and stuff. Like that. So yeah, they're arrow releases. Yeah, and then you know last one something that we did review before. If you want to, I mean, some people call it jealous. Some call it a slasher. Whatever you want to do. Um, I don't know. Stage fright. Who knows? It, it, it's up for debate. Whatever. It's it is. a slasher giallo. I would definitely yeah. say more slasher than giallo. Yeah, yeah, but really good. Um, that can that uh, email continues on with JP. I really like your horror news videos you made a little while ago. Do you plan on doing more of those? It takes a lot of work uh, to keep up with the news, but those videos were really good. Um, yeah, I plan on doing more. I I took a little break because of like Halloween and just being busy and stuff, but I, I want to do them more in like a like tidbit sort of format where it's just like the kind of the littler news or like some of the bigger stuff but like kind of quicker videos that i don't have to spend that much time editing or or things like that um that i could just kind of record and upload um just just for time wise you know so much news happens and stuff but yeah and uh finally uh for the both of you and any guests who is here as well derek dave brandon andy anyone (laughs) uh 
who happens to be joining the show this time. Critters or Gremlins? Which is your favorite? I love Gremlins as much as any horror nerd, but Critters has always been my favorite. I love the first three. Not, no, I am not going <laughs> no to love ramble the on <laughs> about how much I love the show. <laughs> all right, all right. You know I love you guys. So uh, thank you, Charlene. Uh, I prefer... That's actually... Like, I prefer... like. To me, Gremlins is better... The first Gremlins film is better than, like, all four Critters films combined. But, like, I like... If you... But almost, like, Gremlins 2 would, like, kind of take down, like, the combination. Because I don't really like Gremlins 2 that much. So then I would probably pick Critters. But, um... I love Gremlins 1 so much that... I think... Did we, like Critters did we just talk about... Like, I can't stand Gremlins 2. Like, I really <laughs> yeah, don't... Yeah, we talked about that during the Live chat. Yeah, dude, it's I, goofy. It's such a bad movie. It's just it has oh, Bugs Bunny well, and Daffy it's, Duck introduced, but it's not even entertaining. Like it, it's like I don't wink, know. wink. Yeah, I know. It's it's definitely that type of film. It's I don't know. I can't stand it. Um, but I, I'm I used to her. love I, it as a kid. Yeah, as a kid, it was more like I don't think I even liked it as a kid. I remember watching it. It was funny. I, liked it way I watched more in part one. As I think kid. I told the story. I watched Gremlins with my son. And then he loved, like, he was just glued to the TV. He was, like, loving it. And then I popped on part two, and, well, he left the room after 10 minutes. Really? <laughs> couldn't even, couldn't hold his attention. It was like, okay, we're done. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely with Charlene. I like the first three critters, too. I'm not a big fan of the the fourth one, either, to be honest. I don't know. Derek, did you watch those critters films? I sent you that four or five. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen them before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're great. Fun. There's something about films in space. Not really the greatest combination, is it? No, not really. <laughs> I, I honestly like all four of them, but I want, yeah, four, four's a yeah, step down. Yeah, I, I wanted to like it more because Brad Dwarf's in it, and and that's the thing. It's definitely by far my least favorite in the franchise. Yeah. But all right, so that is all of the questions in terms of emails. Uh, we do have a couple of voicemails here. Uh, let's play one of them. Um, I'm not sure how many we'll get to. We do have a few, and one just came in, so I don't have time to actually get that one now. Uh, <laughs> uh, here is uh, Luis. Luis. Hey, guys. This is Luis from the group. I've been really bored lately without cable or internet, so I decided to phone in a question. Phone in. But phone in. I didn't know if you you still did it or not, so I had to check with JP, and he's like, yeah, we still do it. So... My question is, what are your top five favorite stories from anthology films? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he plays this beforehand or not, but I give a I'll give my top five just to give you an idea, I guess. Um, meet Sam from Trick or Treat would be number five. Number four would be Amelia from Trilogy of Terror. Mm-hmm. That's number a good one. three would be The Bishop of Battle from Nightmares. Oh, yeah. would be the crate from Thanks, Luis. Uh, Luis, I'm actually supposed to uh, copy a bunch of the shows and send them out a copy. That's another thing I had to send out. Just haven't had a time to put them on disc yet or put them on USB or however I'm going to send them. But uh, he, wants, he wants a couple of episodes. So yeah. um, our homie with the, you know can't get the internet right now. We gotta we gotta get him a, a way to check out the show. Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
He's helped top in the past with top five, five segments. segments from anthology films. Man, dude, I love anthology films, and there's so many good ones. Like, I just, I just wrote down the first five that came to my mind. Me too. And, and in no particular order, this is just how I wrote them down. And I said, the principal from Trick or Treat. Mm-hmm. I love that one. Get Sam. You know, I mean, the little kid with the candy and shit. It's just, yeah, yeah. It's fucking. I love that. Bad Santa. Yeah. Exactly, man. I love that. Oh, it's fucking awesome, man. Uh, The second one I thought of was Safe Haven from VHS Two. Really, really amazing story. That cult story is fucking great stuff. Love it. Uh, Probably, probably my favorite one out of all three films. Um, The gas station from Body Bags. uh, Absolutely love that segment i think it's fantastic time out from the twilight zone film uh, about the racist bastard that kind of really you like in. that segment that much i love that segment it's yeah awesome. like that movie are you fucking kidding me it's not that good you don't like the twilights really no oh my god even the fucking plain one's fantastic dude the kick the kid the plain one's the only good one no, Timeout's fucking excellent, man. I love that shit, man. The uh, only one I don't like is the Spielberg one. Yeah, the, uh, the kick the can. The can. Yeah, yeah I don't, it's I, boring. I, I, don't like, I like Scatman and Crothers in it, but that's about it. Yeah, I like. Yeah, yeah I don't like those. I think it's pretty fucking boring, but yeah. Uh, the shit in the car, man. Dan Aykroyd, fucking great, man. Yeah, yeah that's Albert, great. Albert that's Brooks. Great. Yeah, it's good stuff. Right. I don't know. I've always liked. Time, I like the concept of Timeout too. I think it's pretty interesting. Um, but. <laughs> Yeah, to each your own, I guess. Jesus yeah, Christ. To each your own, yeah. Um, and finally, on through the house, I knew JP. You knew this was coming from Tales from the Crypt. Ooh, interesting. I've never seen the original Tales from the Crypt. Oh, for, fuck. Well, they remade for, this short from the anthology into yeah, the first episode of. Or was it yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. that Anyways, so that particular short. I love it. So, so good. But. Those yeah, are the five yeah, that came up. Yeah. I, I mean, there's like a million more. Yeah, I got yeah, five yeah, right yeah. here. You want me to go next? Yep, yep. All right, at number five, I got Creeping Vine from Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. Mm-hmm. You know that one, the Killer Plants? For sure, man. I The Blu-ray's always been too expensive for me to buy, but I still have my VHS that Jeremy sent me. <laughs> really, really good stuff from early Amicus. And then, actually, number four, you actually mentioned this one all through the house from Tales from the Crypt. There you go. Yeah, Joan Collins. Yep. Awesomeness. Fucking reds. Number three, cut from Three Extremes, Park Chan Wook. Dude, I actually thought of that one right after I wrote down. I was like, yeah, I'm not even going to try to. I love, I love that segment. Yeah, I love that segment. The JP, remember back in the earlier shows, I would, these top fives, I always have like honorable mentions and shit. He was like, okay, enough, enough. Yeah. Too many, <laughs> too many. So I just kept it to five this time. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but I thought it cut, though. Good one, Derek. I like that. Number two, something to tide you over from Creepshow. Leslie Nielsen as an asshole, always awesome. Another segment that I never understood the love for. <laughs> love. Never. I just talked to Dave. I just, I just was talking Are you to kidding? Dave about that. Leslie, on, uh, Leslie Nielsen. I don't even like Leslie Nielsen. Ted I don't find Danson. him funny. I don't find him. <laughs> Dude, world. you know Leslie Nielsen was like a serious, serious actor before yeah. doing comedy, right? Like he never did any comedies until like the 80s, you know. Well, either way, I, I'm just not interested in him. Oh, dude, he fuck, he's a good actor. But I, Ted Danson, Leslie Nielsen, giddy up, Derek. Another good choice, man. Fuck. Two. And number one, meet Sam. Trick or treat. 
Nice. Big, Which one's big, Meet Sam? That's the last one with Brian Cox. He's I oh, love yeah, that's, that's Brian probably... Cox is one of my favorite actors growing up. I've known him from since Braveheart and all the character roles he was in, and he's just fucking awesome as like that old grumpy neighbor that hates Halloween and stuff. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah man. Right, yeah, I'm Cox gonna is go. Awesome. I'm gonna go. These are in no order, by the way, because I didn't I didn't rank them, and I did something similar to Moods where I just kind of quickly thought of the first ones that I love and uh, Tales from the Hood. Uh, I think it's called KKK Comeuppance. But I'm not sure. That's the one with the racist dude and the little African dolls. Yeah, yeah, I love the that little, one. Too. I actually yeah. have the, no idea what they're the, called. The n- Niglets, I think. Yeah, yeah. Does you know what he calls them? Niglets. He calls them a few words. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a bad word. Uh, I, I love that. I love that song. segment. It's fun. Yeah, I love Corbin. Yeah, Burst. me too, man. Uh, Fucking music and it's so that. creepy, man. That it's is good. my shit. But I also really like the, you know, Crazy K segment at the end. But yeah, you know, since I can only pick one. Well, they're uh, all good, man. Tales in the Hood is yeah. amazing. Trilogy of Terror, Zuni Fetish Doll, uh, Body Bags, Gas Station, VHS, not two, number one, Siren, the best segment in the series. Yeah, I'll agree. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Really good. And uh, I, would, I would like to cheat, if I can, cheat for a thousand. Uh, I'll go trick-or-treat the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a total fucking cop Really, the whole fucking thing? Um, but I thought dude, there were so many It's not really an anthology almost. Like, uh, okay, uh, the werewolf one because Sweet Dreams, I don't care how many times you fucking see it and how many times it's used in other movies, it's done fucking awesome with the werewolves. Uh, and you know what? If I, I feel like I need to put Creep Show in there. So if I was going to pick one Creep Show segment, it would be the weird thing or the strange thing that happened to Jordy, whatever, Nelson. Uh, meteor shit. Yeah, that's my favorite segment in all the creep shows. I think my favorite segment actually is the raft. I know it's kind of kind of cliche to say that, but in part two, yeah, I love the raft. See, though. I think I it's used a good to one. Love the raft so much. The first time I seen it, I thought it was like intense and stuff. The last time I watched it, I was like, "This is the most dumbest people I've ever seen in my life." Like, <laughs> they're so fucking dumb. Like the whole time, they're all dumb. They're I like doing Chief, dumb shit. Chief, I like the Indian one a lot. Yeah, too. I do like that one. That one's awesome. So, uh, yeah, that is... Uh, it was always, like, my least favorite segment, man. I don't know, man. I haven't watched Creepshow 2 in, in, in oh, a long time. the shit. Um, you know what? Alex Edwards and, like, Jamie and, and Dave did a really good review on Creepshow 2. And they, they point out just how, like, batshit and awesome the villain in Chief Woodenhead is. Like, the dude, the, the like, Indian dude who's, like, yeah. he's, he's, like, the shit. And, like, mm-hmm. they kind of pointed out, and I never really realized. Bat shit, awesome killer? Really? Like, no, like, he's just, that, he's, that's, like, a good villain. Sounds... He's, like, a really good villain, is yeah. what they were saying. But he actually kind of is. Maybe the next time I watch it, even though I, I like George Kennedy, the damn film already. I'll wait for that yeah. Arrow version to come out watching it. Maybe it'll make the killer better in high def. I don't know. Yeah. All right, so uh, <laughs> let's move on here. We have two from Rob. Hey guys, Rob from Georgia. Hey Rob. Yeah, and even though I am now <laughs> residing in Western New York, I'll just keep the whole Rob from Georgia because that's just my thing, I guess. So hey, no, <laughs> anyway, how are you guys doing? Uh, I had an epic pickup today. I did post it on Facebook, but I know not everyone likes to read a lot, so uh, I thought this was uh, worthy of a voicemail drop. So uh, here it is. Um, you know, back in '88, between '88 and '90. Uh, in that area, I used to go to this place, Movie World, all the time and rent stuff. I mean, all the time. It was, as far as I'm concerned, it was the most epic VHS rental store you could ever go into. 
the most awesome foreign horror, you know, VHS collection you can imagine, Argento, the works, I mean everything. Anyway, so today, I'm going by that old plaza, and there's this a little store called Gamer's Haven in there, and I had a few minutes, I thought, you know, I'll just go in there, because, you know, they had movies or whatever, see what they got. And so anyways, I'm not really having much luck finding anything that great, and uh, so I come around the corner, and I notice these VHS tapes on the bottom row, and I'm kind of looking, and out of the corner of my eye, I see Alien. And I'm like, okay, you know, that might be worthy to, you know, worth picking up, so I picked it up, I'm looking for a price, and I open up the case to, to look for a price, and I, lo and behold, I see the, you know, the movie world sticker. I'm telling you, I, I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't even believe what I was looking at. For 54 cents, I picked up an old VHS tape in its original hard white uh, case. The tape itself is in pretty good, con- or really good condition. And, uh, but just the idea that, you know, that was back in, what, I said, 88, 88, 90, I think around 92, 93, the store closed. And basically, you know, I was in the army at that point and came home and I didn't have movie world anymore. And, uh, you know, and everything, all the movies just kind of disappeared. And uh, it's funny to think after all these years, this movie circulated, God knows where, and then ended up back in that same plaza in a thrift store of sorts and in my hands today for 54 cents. You know, I was just, I was like a, a little kid again. I mean, it's just so cool to actually have something in my hands that says movie world. That's how important that place was to me. And uh, so I don't know if there's much of a question or, or just a story. This this just made my day today. And uh, so I just wanted to share that with you guys. And uh, I don't know if you guys, you know, want to share any of your epic finds that, you know, sort of, re, you know, made you feel like you reclaimed part of your childhood, but there's mine for you, so. All right, and uh, his voicemail continues on. Hey, guys, Rob from Georgia again. Sorry <laughs> about that. Really tried hard to get under that two-minute bell, but uh, it's actually three didn't minutes. happen, so <laughs> thought I'd apologize, but also throw out a question. Episode 86, Observance. Mood, um, you made the comment about the how you kind of wished it would have been more of a, a pure Australian film in terms of the language, the accent. You kind of made that point towards the end of the uh, the podcast, the review of that uh, of that film. And uh, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, you know, the thing, the movie I think about is the, uh, the the very flawed thing prequel that came out in 2011. It's just the idea that you know they wanted that movie. If they would have had their way, the makers of that film would have had it in. So it had a, an entire Norwegian cast and subtitles. And, I mean, that was their original intent. Of course, what we got was, you know, half-assed, flawed compromise. And, yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. You know, and so, I mean, just thinking about that comment, you know, the, that was the film I thought about because I haven't seen Observance yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, uh, but the thing, the prequel, and I just thought, how great would that movie have been if that would have been, if they would have just rolled the dice, gave us a, a complete Norwegian cast, and subtitled it all in Norwegian, and, and you know, I just wonder what we would have got. But you know, as you know, to TV, a better you film. Know, mm-hmm. You market yourself to the to the widest audience possible. Those things just are almost near impossible to. And uh, it's really too bad because I wonder just how many films out there are like that that we 
you might have gotten a much more superior film if it wasn't for that. So yeah. I guess the question is, is there any other films besides the Thing prequel or Observant that moves uh, you can think of that you wish would have been more pure in terms of its intent or language or whatnot? And before I get kicked off this again, I thought I would leave it as that as my question. And uh, anyways, uh, anyways, uh, I'll just leave it at that. Go Bills. <laughs> so uh, thanks for calling in, Rob. Rob also uh, leaves uh, actually gets all the ratings for me, so I can update them on the site. So thank you for that. He just sent me the, the Blair Witch ones recently. Rob's uh, a man. Epic, that, uh, epic voicemails, man. Yeah, also epic voicemails. True. Uh, so we'll get to the second part of the second, the first part of the question second. But <laughs> the first thing I want to say is I don't think it would have been a better movie. Honestly, I don't. I don't. I don't think the Norwegian cast has has anything to do with my enjoyment of the film. Yeah, I thought about it for a second. I was like, oh, if this is a prequel, shouldn't they all be on Norwegian? But did it affect yeah. anything further for me? Not really. Uh, what did affect me was like, okay. There's, they, 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 I don't like the idea that this woman is here who, like, this is obviously set in, in a, like, she can't be leading these people, this whole entire group of men. Like, it just doesn't make sense. I'm not saying that women can't do that, but at the time frame and the setting and the country they're from, it just didn't fit. It didn't f- feel jelly. And it leaves that and whole it was, plot She was too young as well. And, and yeah, it, you know, that that is a problem to me. Uh, just like Observance didn't bother, I didn't even think twice about the fact that they weren't speaking Australia. I thought about it once, but I didn't think twice about it. Yeah, it didn't really bother um, me. <laughs> yeah, I understand that, like, as purists, we kind of want it want it to be, like, as, as natural as possible, but it doesn't really affect my viewing of the movie. It, just, it might be You know, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't for me. I mean... You know, when I'm watching a film, like, when I when I pop in something, you know, I always make note of the origin of the film... And, you know, it, I don't have a problem. Like, even watching Vampires today, you know, it's a, it's a fucking, you know, Spanish film that's done in English. You know, it doesn't really, yeah. at least that's Spanish actors. So it's not like the worst thing in the world and stuff. But I, yeah, I do wasn't wish. was a perfect husband like that as well? Yeah. In English. But, you know, a little yeah. bit. But these are examples that kind of bug me a little bit because I think that if they had done the film in their native language, I think the, I think the acting, I think it would have came across a little more just better. You know, it would have been a little more believable and stuff because when they're speaking well, the lines, you, you can see the Australians, drive. In if you have like Australians trying to do American ask, accents, like that becomes problematic because it shines through. But if you have American actors, you know, in an Australian film, that when you mean it becomes problematic. Me. The lead actor in Observance was Australian doing an American accent. Yeah, but I didn't notice it. What do you really? I didn't yeah. really notice it either. Like, there, there's parts in that you can see it break through a little bit. Uh, you could. I couldn't. Well, uh, okay. I mean, fair enough. Fair enough. But I'm just saying, you know, I mean, that's what they did there. I just don't understand yeah, why they can didn't let him talk normal. No, I, do, I do agree yeah. with you that it, that it can be a problem if that's happening. Yeah. I mean, I understand from a marketing level that they're trying to appeal to, you know, the outskirts of Australia. You know, they want this film to be somewhere else. And, you know, a lot of these producers and stuff, they always, they just assume that people don't want to hear the native languages, hence subtitles and things like that. And, you know, for the most part, they're probably right. Yeah, because I they're... prefer English. I do. I See, prefer it, it, honestly, American English. Never even worry about it. I pop in a film, if it's subtitled, good. I don't care. You don't have a preference? It doesn't bother me one bit. I personally, if I'm watching a film, from Spain, I would prefer to hear it in Spanish. To be honest, 
I would love. It's just, to it's grab... just easier because I don't miss any words. I don't. Uh, that's why it's my preference. I, uh, I the, it, it, what does it matter easier. to you, though, JP? What does it matter to you, JP? You watch every movie with subtitles, anyways. You watch American. I do, films, but sometimes films with don't subtitles, have subtitles, so you don't miss anything. And that's true. That's true. Sometimes films do not have subtitles. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, um, the version of Wake and Fright I watched did not have subtitles. Uh, but that that's because it was a rental. But you know what oh, I'm saying? I, I so, watched I watched Wake and Fright with the subtitles on. Yeah, me too. On, yeah. On but, the but you know what I'm saying? Like to me, it's like personal preference. Like it doesn't bother me. I will watch subtitled films. I will watch dubbed films. I prefer them not to be dubbed. But I I, I will watch any country ever. Right? It, it does it, not bother me. Yeah. But it doesn't if bother, I have a preference, yeah, I prefer yeah. English. It's just easier. It's easier to hear. I don't have to second guess myself. Like, I, I have sort of, I have a sort of the preference with certain films, but it's more of nostalgia reasons. If I seen the film when I was a kid in English, then I'll watch it in English. Like like the old Godzilla films were yeah, I know I they're shit, that too. shitty yeah. dub and shit. I, I I'm used to that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I get you, because I, I watched uh I watched one of the Godzillas in English because it was like I know it was a different version. I was like, I wonder what this is like. Um but you, you know, if, if I'll always go for the for the subtitled yeah. version, normally ch- under normal circumstances. Yeah, and if there's I, an I option, do... if there's an option like an English dub or like the native language, like I'm always on the native. Yeah, I will never watch dub. Even I mean, even, Italian, dub. even an Italian though. Oh yeah, well, I mean, I mean if, they, if, if it's if well, it's the problem because you know that all the stars are like different have... countries and stuff. So yeah, well, some the, of them the, don't have the, the, native the majority of Italian either. films were recorded in English though. That's the thing, and they they the majority of them they dubbed over in in Italian. Like Italian yeah. is, Italian flicks are funny like that. Like if you Sometimes watch, there's like eight different languages on this. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. France, like Hugo Stickless is there speaking Spanish. But they were really <laughs> trying to appeal to American crowds, so they would try to get their actors to speak but, in English. And... That's how they you know make their money. Fault I think that is, dude. I think that's Australian Australians' fault because if if they're so worried about appealing to American audience. Then that means that you guys ain't buying enough tickets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe. Like if they're focusing on like, like, do, do we do that? Do we do we make movies and like, well, we gotta appeal to the Japanese audience. We gotta film this in, with all Japanese. No, actors because here. North but, Americans for the most part are so self-absorbed. We don't give a shit about the rest of the world, anyways. We're like, we're making movies for Americans, and well, I'm gonna throw in Canadians too. You know, we're not really too worried about making, you know, ends in Sweden and shit. Like, we don't really give a fuck. We do care a lot about foreign sales, and usually it affects our casting. But foreign countries, they care a little more because their market is so much smaller. In North America, we have such a big market for whatever is going on. That's just the way it is. They have no choice but to try and appeal to other places. So this is why you get shit like observance where you have an Australian actor in an Australian film speaking American American. or doing an American, doing American accent, I should say, you know, a North, North American accent, I should say. But wouldn't uh, it have been even more funny if he was like speaking like, like a Boston accent or something like something. even? People say, it always makes me laugh when they're people like, oh, you know, this guy's doing an American accent. I'm like, which one? Which one? Which, which one? one? Which, which yeah. one of the night? Because <laughs> Zach talks completely different than JP, and JP yeah. talks completely different than Derek. You know, like you guys all talk different. You know, you know, it's, it's, just, you know it's hilarious, though. Like, Dubby sounds like he's from the South, like because yeah. he is from the South. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, it's like when people Kyle says like and go, well, he's speaking and he has an American accent. I'm like, well, which one? 
is he from the Bronx? <laughs> you know, no, yeah, but, it always cracks me up. Yeah, just like Canada, I, just like Canada. I can't even understand people from the East Coast. Guys from Newfoundland, I can't understand a fucking word they're saying. What are yeah, these guys they, talking those, about over there? A boot? What the fuck is a boot? My cousin, my cousin's husband's Irish. He's about. straight off the boat. I'm from the West Coast. I say about. I can't understand half my family from the East Coast. They're talking to me. I'm like, where are you from? You're foreign. You're fucking foreign. People <laughs> <laughs> forget that Canada, you know, we're the same as the United States. We have areas where everyone speaks different. They use words. I have no idea. I'm just like, you just made that shit up, didn't you? You, even you just Ma- made that up on the spot, didn't you? <laughs> even, even in my, like, the state, like... Boston accents, it's not all the same accent. It gets thicker as you go up from the Exactly, and that's just like New York, right? You can usually tell where someone's from in New York just by their accent. Yeah. And I've heard the same thing about Boston. Like, certain areas, you know, they have this type of... It's just like a... Yeah, rocks. Dorchester sounds like Southeast, sounds like Southeast. Yeah, you can tell which one you're from. But then again, a lot of people from the West, you you know, they can... Very, they can you know actually hear the different types of language. I think it's more lingo in the West, like you know in California and things like that. The way people talk. Yeah. Well, tell this guy's from from Venice Beach. This guy's from uh, you know San Francisco, or this guy's from San Diego and shit like that. It's it's Mm -hmm. a little less distinct, but it's still there. So. Yeah. 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 So the first part of the question was like, what's a really cool find you guys found? Well, I'll go first with this one. I was thinking of a few of my finds because, honestly, I'm losing a lot of stores around my area, so I don't really have a lot of places to go to. But I do go to Newberry Comics a lot, and you heard of the uh, stories before about that store. It has some cool stuff in it, but the, the physical media side for like movies has gotten smaller since they've been pushing records a lot lately. Mm-hmm. But I went to the one in Harvard Square one day, and there it was staring at me. It was uh, the anchor, old Anchor Bay, like, three-disc edition of Argento's Deep Red for, like, five bucks used, and it was, like, sealed. It was like, yes! Score. Nice. Nice. The one that I always think about, man, I found Blue Monkey on VHS. I mean, it's just so fucking rare to find. You know, I was like, that that was a fun find for me. That mm-hmm. was cool. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's, I guess it's worth a little bit of money. It's not even about that. It's just the fact that I found one where I live. You know, yeah. if you guys lived here, you'd understand where I'm coming from. I was pretty excited. Like, that's the one that I was thinking. I'm like, damn, this is why I like to go out and just hit up these, you know, these small little shit shops and stuff. Yeah, and all my – Because yeah, nice. you never know. Never. You got to get your fucking fingertips a little bit dirty out there. You never know what you're going to find. You just never know. You know, so it is what it is. I got to say, uh, Rob – that voicemail was epic. I mean, that that video store sounded more like a porno store to me because I'd fuck with that shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> man. Yeah. That was good, man. Yeah, good, good stuff. stuff. Yeah, um, I, I actually have similar type of situation where I have a few VHSs that I actually rented as a kid, which is really cool. I know what that feeling is like seeing it, and you're like, oh, shit. Like, it has the, it has the sticker, the, the label, or in my case, there was, like, these um, – like hot glue gun like plastic that they would like stick to a thing with like mm-hmm. sleeves where they yeah, make little things i don't know those but um yeah i mean it like so I, I definitely know what that is i don't know what my best find like in a store or something would be like i've, I've got some good deals online and stuff but i recently found when a stranger calls back on vhs i got really excited about that yeah that's cool because that's something that's not on dvd or at least is out of print so like to me that's exciting 
Remember that time I found the bad, the old Anchor Bay bad taste lenticular three disc edition for like two bucks. <laughs> That's yeah. I remember telling you about that, and you're like, "Holy fuck!" And I'm like, "It's just one of those things, man." Like that day, I found pretty much nothing but that. You know, it's yeah. just it's so random. And it was like mint. Another good find I found was uh, the out of print Severin Fulci box set. Really? Yeah, fifteen That's bucks. Cool. It was like score. Oh, that's totally cool. I had man. to pick it up. It was brand new sealed. I was like, yes. Hmm. All right, so uh, that wraps up the voicemails for this episode. Uh, we will get to the one that came in and a couple other ones on the next episode. Call nice, in. Nice. Do we have a knowledge segment this week? Yeah, yeah, we do have a little knowledge segment. Just something I was kicking around thinking about the other day at work. And as knowledge is it's usually just some kind of topic that's you know thought-provoking sometimes not as much as we know <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh basically i was thinking and I, I for the life of me i cannot remember if we talked about this on the show before and i think we might have early on but i've been getting a lot of screeners lately uh digital ones so not not physical, but not physical right like people don't care about digital screeners <laughs> Uh, yeah. digital ones like 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 online watch it online and stuff mm-hmm. and it got me thinking because for one it, I, I was watching a lot of streaming videos right and I had one that had my name across it Justin Patrick and I was like oh god <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know it got me thinking a little bit like it seems like you know, the, the, it got me thinking about streaming in general, and then it got me thinking about the types of movies that I was watching, um, which I normally don't really watch the digital ones that much. Like, I, I get opportunities to, and, like, I'll usually just pass on them because we like physical media and stuff. But lately for the 2016 show, these are all new movies, um, and I, I found it a good opportunity to catch up on those as well as do my 31 Days of Horror reviews. So mm-hmm. it got me thinking, and I've been watching a lot of new stuff. And a lot of the new stuff that I've been watching always come with the same press release, right? It has the synopsis and the genre, the runtime and the director and the cast. And then it has, like, a couple of quotes or a couple of, um, you know, selection at the Pennsylvania Film Fest or, you know, uh, Best Horror <laughs> at the Bloody Splatter Blood Film Fest of Chicago, you know, or, like, you know, sometimes you'll get like the Toronto international film fest or some, some bigger ones. And, and, uh, that got me thinking a little bit more about how there's a lot of these festival films that, that, you know, get these screeners afterwards. But it reminded me of something that Jason, uh, told me a little while back where he actually got the entire run of a festival in terms of digital screeners. And, uh, I was like, wow, that's actually really interesting because it's like, you get to go to the festival uh, except for your ear hmm. and I've gotten cool. a couple I've got the films from an Australian festival um, recently and I was like okay this is kind of interesting and then it got me thinking again I keep getting it got me thinking more and more and I started thinking about this in depth and I was like is this the future like not that what getting screeners from festivals but okay so you have a festival right it's where they show films that are new at a festival, people pay to go to these festivals or press gets invited to these festivals and then they cover mm-hmm. the films and 
a lot of times it's you know distributors or or uh, like Lionsgate reps or Anchor Bay reps who are looking to pick up these films as well. But in terms of just like an audience, like the the people who just are film lovers who go to these things to watch the new films, well, now with you know like Fight Pass and the WWE Network and and all these different streaming platforms. Uh, you know the NFL has one where where you can go and pay a fee and then stream all of the, the this live content. Well, what if a festival was you know brought up and it was all internet based? It was a festival that me and Moods created, the Twenty Two Shots Horror Film Festival, right? And Obviously, we would need a lot of money to do this, but I'm saying, <laughs> like, we, we scouted these films, and I'm not saying necessarily us, I'm just using us as an example, and we and we signed these films to be in the festival, and then, let's say, Friday, October, you know, 28th of 2017, uh, you, you purchase your ticket, right? Mm-hmm. 20 bucks, maybe 50 bucks, depending on how many films, and then it's an all-day event. Right, it's 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 streamed movie after movie for all these new movies, right? And mm-hmm. these are new movies that are not out. These are movies that are not, you know, anywhere you can see them except for here. And you only do it one day, so you cut down on piracy and stuff. I mean, there's going to be piracy. You're not going to be able to stop it uh, once you put something online for streaming purposes. But um, you know. I thought that that would be something very interesting because I would draw if if there's like an eight film festival, it's all like horror films, all new, like not able to see. Like I would drop fifty on that to watch it, you know, to see all these new movies. Like I think that's a pretty interesting idea, and it could be something nobody's done it yet, as far as I know. So if it, if it's like a specific shot, it's almost like a pay per view marathon of. Films that are coming, films. upcoming. So yeah. if you're going to pay 50 bucks and you have like this all day type, you know, uh, festival type thing and it's in your own house. So it's like a really, really fancy version of like almost like pay-per-view. Exactly. Or, you know, it's just think of it as a festival, but without yeah. all the interactions and you can do it mm. from the privacy or your, your own home on your oh, own of course. streaming device. Of course. You cook your own appies up and drink your own <laughs> beer. You don't have to great. buy $10 beers. You can <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Ten>, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, what do you, what do you guys think? Like, do you think that that's something that could be successful? You know what? I'd be so down for it because you know to see films that are in festivals, we generally don't get to see till way until after, they're like you know? like get picked up by a distributor. Exactly, and it could be years. I mean, some of these films premiere in these festivals, like you know, the ones that we're seeing this year could have been two, three years ago. You know, yeah. if you get a chance to see them right now and then, you know, I would be so down for this. This would be, be amazing. Down. I'd be down it for it, complicate too. your top ten list like a motherfucker. But, uh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we could just, you know, not include, obviously, like we do right now. But I think this is a, it's a pretty good idea. Yeah. And, you know, the, if, if the, the price posi- is right, I mean. Yeah. One of the positives is that there's not a cap on how many people can can, can do this physical festival you can only have a certain amount of people there you can have an unlimited amount of people with With the streaming yes and if i feel like you would need a decent marketing 
attack to get the word out, but picture it like this, and this is how I was picturing it. You remember way back in like 2006 or something, the eight films to die for came out, mm-hmm. and it was like mm-hmm. this thing. Eight films to die for, too scary for regular theaters, or whatever the hell they were saying. And it was yeah. just this like, oh, it's a festival of these eight films, and and you know it was, but it was at theaters, you know, it was at, at like screenings, but kind of like that, but like internet wise. And I think that if you you know, and that doesn't have to be your angle, but something along those lines, you have to let people know that this is unique. This is hey, this is a fucking film festival online. You 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 always wanted to go to a film festival, too expensive, too far, never in your city. Well, listen, it's online, buddy. Just drop your money, and you can watch films all day, films that nobody's seen. You know, get get a big one like like an Adam Green's next film as like the headliner or something you know you got to get something big up in there but you know just try to find good films in general like you don't want to populate it with garbage or anything but you know it Mm -hmm. there's these companies like look at somebody like art exploitation all right let's say they took their lineup for the next year right say like eight eight to ten releases right and Mm -hmm. they already had them nailed down and then they they did it they premiered this festival with that lineup of films. It'll be released on physical media later. But how about you drop your 50 and check them all out now? That's a lot of subtitles right there, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, well, they actually, what? I mean, there was a couple that were in English this year. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Last year, too. Yeah, these foreign films happens. that were actually in English, it was so strange. Yeah, like Very Perfect weird. Husband, Observance, both of those were. Yeah. Wasn't Blood But no, I, I, completely, I completely get what you're saying here. I think it's a good idea. I actually would be on board for this. I'd, I'd throw 20 or 30 bucks at this idea. Now, Pretty Moods, good. would you throw out, like, say, like, 20 or 30,000 to get it kicked off? Just need, a, like, 20, 30,000? Well, like I mean, if I was going to start <laughs> dropping that type of cash, though, I would really, really have to do a lot of research. And, you know, you would probably want to figure out that fans – you'd want to know some some numbers for certain. You know, I'm, I'm probably going to get up of this many – you know, you'd have to do a lot of in-depth kind of research and really yeah. kind of locate your audience, you know, your specific audience and stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, it can be done. Can and I think this done. is a you really interesting really. Like, you don't want to just many, take like, all your cash and do it. But, you know, you exactly. yeah, you pitch this oh, idea sure. to somebody. For and, sure. And it's for a free sure. idea. Sure. Anybody out there, feel free to take it, you know. <laughs> no, this whole conversation is copyrighted, it. actually. It's all copyrighted, <laughs> so fuck you guys. We, our <laughs> horror pack idea already got stolen. It did. Yeah, it did. That was actually our idea. 100% horror pack was our idea. Yeah. We said that on this show and it got stolen. It's crazy. Um, I'm, but no, I, I mean, for sure, man. I think, you know, a lot of people that are really heavily involved in the, in the horror realm and, and genres, things like that, I think people would be willing to, to kind of, you know, put their hand in there, you know, you know what, and help man? out with it. it. I think it would actually work. I think it could really, really work because you don't actually have to be around. I mean, this is internet based. I mean, look at us. We're in three different cities in two different countries and we're doing this. It, it can be done. Yeah, it can be, be totally. And I'll tell the, you, right, you, the right advertisement. Coming up. We all love our indie films. This is a great fucking idea. And I'll tell it's you, really, really I'll tell you, I one already step. invested 10,000. I just <laughs> did. I just PayPal'd the money over. Oh, th- thanks. Oh, I just got it. It says $17, you got it. but um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I Sorry, man. That's I, great. Um, but anyway, 
uh, one thing that one way that if somebody was seriously going to do this, I'll tell you exactly how you start your marketing. Right, you go out there and you attack the podcast landscape. It hasn't been done. This has not been done. Of course, there's interviews for new stuff coming out and stuff that that podcasts are here and there. You need somebody that knows the landscape, that knows the shows, that knows the popular shows, and knows knows how to contact the people to get on them, right? Yeah, push the product. Somebody like me, and you go listen. Okay, this show right here can reach anywhere from what a thousand to to five thousand people within a month. Oh, yeah. and, and there's tons of shows like us out there, right? And the people that are listening to this are the people that would buy those tickets. And mm-hmm. that's factual. For sure. And the people who listen to the Skeleton Crew and the Exploding Heads and Horror Court. The whole horror The whole horror Exploding Heads was a bad, bad idea, but not even only <laughs> horrorphilia, right? Horror Movie Podcast, the podcast Under the Stairs. Like they, the there's juggernauts cats. out there. That uh, you know the the shockwaves and and fucking uh, the big shows you know bloody disgusting has their own lineup of podcasts. There, there's yeah, yeah. tons of shows out there, big hitter shows that can reach mm-hmm. hun- hundreds of thousands hundreds of, people of people within a month, straight up, no no joke, hundred percent. Yeah, and that's where sure. you start your marketing because it's already internet based. It's already internet based. You base it, you keep it in the family with the podcasts. Uh, it's the same. These the people that are listening to the podcast are the people that are streaming. The people that are bu- bu- buying these movies and 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 wanting to see the new stuff. I mean, you know as well as I know, moods. Our top ten of the year show is usually one of the biggest shows of the year because people want to know what's good, it's, and they want and exactly. they like that. So those those people out there are the people that you start. That's not where you end though. You don't just start there and end there. There's more to be done. More work to be done. And and you continue on. You go up the ladder. You hit after you get on the podcast. You hit the websites like Bloody Disgusting, and Blumhouse, and and then you get you get a you get a face. You get somebody to 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 be there to to sort of uh, push this. You know, a spokesperson, if you will. You get like a Bruce Campbell or somebody on board, uh, and, and yeah. then they push it a bit. <laughs> All I can picture right now is is people Bruce. listening to the show on the other end with a notepad just writing everything down. Pause. Oh. Write that down and then play and write the next one down. I'm stealing this idea, fuckers. <laughs> we gotta get Bruce Campbell. But it's actually a really, you know, it's funny, man. You know, it's it's a really good idea. It's a simple idea that could totally work. And it can make as money long as it's as long as it's processed. It could be correctly. yearly as it's internet based. I mean, this is probably the easier thing to do. I mean, if you were to try and do this through cable, you know, actually like a pay per view thing, it would be so much more complicated mm-hmm. because dealing with those people, it's just it's brutal. You would also have to charge a shitload of money because you know it's fucking pay per view. Yeah, uh, the internet's a completely different story. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is this idea has a lot of potential. I'm really, I really like this. I, I think this is great. Thanks, mm-hmm. thanks, buddy. That's 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 sometimes I'll do that, but I'll never write anything down. I'll forget about it. But the actually, I actually took a little voice memo on my phone of just like some brief ideas I had for it, just because I didn't want to forget them. Because I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. But um, just think, last year, like you know, I'd listen to podcasts, and you know, we had a question like, what are your most anticipated films for 2016? And I was I was talking about um, oh shit, what's the podcast? Uh, I was listening to. It was a shockwave. At the time. I can't remember what it I was listening to. It might have been but I, uh, Killer POV at the time. I think it was actually no, yeah. it was POV. It was Killer POV I was listening to, and they, you know, at this 
time it's one point last year, you know, the guys had seen the green room and they had seen the witch and, and all these films. And I was hearing about them for the first time. And I was like, fuck man, you know, and those films, you know, came out months, months later and stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, if we had this idea already going, we could have saw those. Yeah. yeah like, you know, right like, like, like Jason goes to festivals all the time. And there's still films that he's talked about that. Yeah, that we haven't yeah, seen just him. Like the devil's the candy. Yeah. Exactly, but it's just him. You know, we could have been in the same place or it's the same boat as I don't know why I use the <laughs> boat, but uh, you know, <laughs> Mr. Lloyd's boat. <laughs> exactly, but it, all of us could have seen all those films too, right here yeah. in our own house. You know, that's that's amazing. Yeah, and also, you know, so much more content, so much more conversation, so much more excitement to the world that you know, just getting it out there. I mean, yeah. But there's, a, there's also a lot more benefits to it, too. Like, for example, like the whole distribution <laughs> angle with festivals where you're trying to get your film sold, right? Well, you know, oh, Lionsgate no, might not fly out time. somebody to your festival. They might not fly out somebody from Anchor Bay to your festival. But if they just got to buy a ticket online, these scouts will just check it out online, right? Yeah. And, and, and also, you know, it also opens up doors for – um, let's say that you have your, your premiere of Phantasm Five at whatever festival. Well, yeah. Don Coscarelli might not be able to be at that festival. But you know what he could do? He can make an intro video and, and stream it online. Or, or maybe uh, he takes a Q&A at the end of it via fucking online. Yeah, yeah, fucking, online yeah. You know, we just did Q&As the other day on, on fucking Google Hangouts, right? Like, I yeah. mean, like it's live. You can take questions from people online or, or whatever. You know, it's very there, interactive. There's, there's yeah. a lot of different angles that this this can be. You know, I, I want somebody to do it. Amen, amen, brother. That was great. Amen. That Thanks. was great stuff, man. Good it was stuff, a really, man. really good idea, and I'm. It, it actually it was so good. I have goosebumps. I'm like, there's so much. <laughs> I, got, I just want to I see. I actually all got chills when now. we were talking about. I was yeah. already googling. I was like, where can I? Where can I sign up for this shit, man? <laughs> good stuff man really really good stuff that's probably one of the best ideas ever besides the fact that we that you've had you know <laughs> good yeah. stuff jp all right thanks guys <laughs> yeah so that that's knowledge D- drop us a line guys tell us what you think of that idea i'm sure the feedback's gonna be pretty positive on that one <laughs> i mean really what what are the negatives to this like what do you what could you what could well possibly... there's one thing i could think of but it's like a small like 900 to a oh. thousand Fuck, Derek. Are you okay? Well, Zach, fucking, are, Zach that, are you on the show right now with the negativity? No, 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 no. I'm no, actually no, curious. Just, what is it? I'm, I, I'm actually, just saying, if you buy a ticket and stuff, and you do this, your internet goes out for that day. That's all I'm gonna say. That's a joke. Well, I mean, that's gonna be. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the same as but if you buy a pay-per-view and, and your paper, your power goes out because it's storming. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's but that. theoretically, I mean, that is a good and bad thing, though. I mean, yeah. the good part is, wow, we have a lot of people on the airways here. So, yeah, well, but yeah, one thing good is, shit. you know, you have to, you definitely, there's definitely a technical aspect to it. Like, I remember when Invicta Fighting Championships, uh, which mm-hmm. is the all women's organization currently uh, on Fight Pass, um, when they first started their pay per views, because at first it was streamed free on YouTube, then they moved to yeah. Ustream, I believe. They actually crashed the servers because they had so much fun. Yeah. And oh, they had to cool, refund man. all the money because nobody got to see the show. And that's a huge loss. Uh, also, when they first got on Fight Pass, same thing happened, which is crazy because that's the UFC. 
Um, mm-hmm. So there's a technical aspect to it. You need to definitely get your ducks in line. Talk yeah, about you, you have to prepare yourself for the for the overload yeah. for sure. Yeah. Or you could just yeah. be, I mean, is it, it's kind of a good thing if your streams crash. It's like, oh my god. <laughs> but it's kind of a bad it, thing It's too. good and bad too. If yeah. You gotta make sure that it doesn't, you know, yeah. screw yourself at the same time. Yeah. So, but if, as long as you get those kinks out, then you're all good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. All right, man. Excellent knowledge segment. Moving on to the morbid fact. Courtesy of Room Morgue, Corners Report, Weird Stats and Morbid Facts. This is coming from the brand new issue uh october 2016 episode episode issue 171 is the cover is 200 years of mary shelley's frankenstein how appropriate you know i love my frankenstein shit um all right so let's get into this one right here uh myra davis who exactly myra davis janet lee stand-in for the shower scene in psycho was raped and murdered in her West Los Angeles home by her neighbor handyman Kenneth Dean Hunt in 1988. Are you, you fucking, fucking serious? Kidding me? I never. That's knew just that. crazy. The stand-in. That's crazy. Real life got raped and murdered in her fucking hotel room. That's what? Jesus Christ. Wow. That's, that's fucked up. Is that not fucked up? It is. That's really dude. That's like it almost blew my mind when I read that. I was like, that's the fucking morbid fact <laughs> it's crazy i didn't know that like I'm, I'm glad that you guys didn't know that either it was kind of shocking wasn't it yeah it's fucking yeah. fucked <laughs> it's like this world's so cruel man it's brutal but uh yeah that is going to conclude mood swings and moving on to the dub 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 part of the show which is what we watched and if you are a first time listener like i always say that is the stupidest thing i have ever heard come on 88 other awesome episode maybe 87 yeah, that night of demons. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we've done this for pretty much. I think this has been a. I shouldn't say for the whole run of the show, but for the majority of the show, we've been doing this. We just go round tree, pick a films, uh, review them, give ratings, and then move on. So, who wants to actually? You know what, Derek? You're the yeah. guest on the show. Well, you can go first, man. Derek goes, is... We started at what we watched in episode one, so it's been the entire run of the show. Was it episode, did we do it in, in episode one? Yeah, I think we did. And we did, did like a million fucking movies too. Like it is oh, that's, insane. Okay, basically what I was trying to get it was a different format. I remember us doing films and stuff, but yeah, remember when we had like the the quick cuts and stuff? We had <laughs> Always eighteen on movies the in the what we watch segment in episode one. But then again, we didn't have any of this other stuff though, too. So yeah, but Derek, okay, what we watch, man. Welcome so, to the show. Okay. Well, the film I watched uh, for this show that I'm going to talk about right now came from 1965. And you might know this yes, one. It did. It's an amicus horror film and one of their first like major ones when amicus started to get into the game with Hammer and stuff. And that, of course, is 1965's The Skull. Yep. This film is directed by Freddie Francis, who you might all know as a very famous director for Amicus and British horror. Of course, he directed Dr. Terror's House of Horrors the same year. And I believe you guys actually covered Doctor and the Devils on the podcast before. We did. We did. And he has also directed a few other anthologies like Tales from the Crypt. He's mostly more famous for his cinematography because he actually did this DP on The Elephant Man and he won an Oscar for glory and stuff but this film of course stars holy fuck 
Miranda. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, this film stars legendary British actors Peter Cushion and Chris Furley and Patrick Wymark. And another famous fact, since you brought up Psycho earlier, it's actually based off a short story by Robert Block, who was the author of Psycho. And now this is an interesting story because Peter Cushion's character is like this writer for the occult, and he uh, collects things for the occult. And Patrick Weimark's character of Anthony Marco is like this seedy like dealer that he s- sends to uh, pick up certain objects for him. And Marco ends up coming to his house one day, and I have the object that's of all objects for you. And it ends up being the skull of the Marquis of the Sod. And if you know about any stories about the, the Sod, it he was a very notorious figure in literature and things of course solo was based off his writings and so at first he like puts it off to the side until he actually meets with like one of his rival collectors played by christopher lee's character and we find out that marco actually stole the skull from christopher lee's character and he let him because there's something more to the skull than meets the eye and it makes people do things so what ends up happening is, in the, as the film progresses, Peter Cushion, uh, Christopher Maitland, that's his name in the film, actually gets a hold of the skull somehow, and murder and despise and psychosis starts to happen. As this film is progressing, it has a very different character with Peter Cushion's character. As it progresses, after he gets contained with the skull, there's a lot of things that happen to the character's psychosis. And the cool thing about... Uh, the release it actually comes with the original poster art, which I really like because it actually shows you scenes that happens in the film when you don't see them at for the first. If you saw the film for the first time, you wouldn't know that. So it was really cool to like see these spiraling death scenes and some of the effects with the skull because it does have like a supernatural aspect with it because the skull we find out does have a sinister presence attached to it, and some of the effects with it are kind of like you know of that time period, but. It works, too, because this is like an early, like, mid-60s film. And I really liked how the interaction, and it's really cool to see, like, Christopher Lee. And, like, during this time period, he was, like, playing, like, Dracula and stuff and very villainous roles. And he plays, like, a very non-villain role in this film, trying to help uh, Peter Cushion's character and help him out. And it was really interesting. And I really love how this film ends because it comes all full circle because of the flashback scene that happens at the very beginning of the film and it's very airy and dark and gripping at the same time and of course the acting is top notch I think Weimark as Marco the sleazy dealer steals the show and presence of, with his character and the stories that goes with him and Freddie Francis direction is top notch because he's probably one of the best like British horror directors from this time period so if I had to rate uh, the skull, I'm going to give it a solid eight out of ten. I just had fun with like the story and the characters. Cool. You said the skull. Yeah, 1965. Yeah, it's, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. What was your final rating on it? Eight out of ten. I okay. Like, I really like how the characters and the whole development of the. Cushion's character. Yeah, man. I agree. I agree. Awesome review, man. That's good stuff. 
right. Thanks, uh, man. Do you want me to go next? Yeah, sure. I'll go. I'll go. Whoa! Uh, <laughs> All right. Be the showstopper here. Uh, film I'm going to review today is from 1986. Uh, got released in 1986. It's called uh, Spookies. Actually, this was un- unintentional. I wasn't trying to watch this film preparing for the 86 show. I popped it in because I hadn't seen it in a long time. And um, I just, I was like, shit, man, this is from 86. I'm killing two birds with one stone right now. <laughs> it's pretty nice. fucking awesome. Uh, this is, Spookies is a very interesting film. It has a very interesting history behind it because, you know, if, if you're familiar with the film, when you watch it, you're like, man, this movie feels like it's kind of a mess and stuff. So basically the history behind Spookies is it was being produced in 1984 and it was a film titled Twisted Souls and it was done by a couple different directors and what happened with Twisted Souls is or they shot the majority of the film was Twisted Souls what we know as Spookies Uh, but what happened was they became there was problems with the production financial team and legal issues ensued and things like that so the production kind of got halted a couple years later they hire on this guy named uh genie joseph to shoot some footage to kind of tie in the footage that was done for twisted souls uh hmm. which now we know is spookies and you know when you watch this film and if you didn't know the history you'd be like man this feels kind of it feels kind of odd like what the fuck is going on here so it's why this film's final product is very kind of odd it's a very odd film so basically what the storyline is in this one, a bunch of people kind of get lost, you know, out in some remote area or whatever. And they come across this huge uh, kind of castle mansion type deal and they, they go inside it. Well, they get trapped because there's a sorcerer inside this place. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to bring back his beautiful wife that died like centuries ago or, or you know, decades prior or whatever. But he needs to sacrifice like humans he needs the power from these humans to bring her back to life so these people are inside this house and there's this really awkward scene in the beginning of the film where uh this little boy is doing whatever outside and he ends up getting killed like you don't even expect it to happen but he just happens and i have to kind of give you this because later on it cuts into a scene where this sorcerer is playing a game of chess with this now kind of ghoul kid he's a dead He's come back to life and stuff because he's brought him back to life. And he's playing a game of chess with him. And these chess pieces are ultimately the people inside the house. And, the, you know, and this sorcerer tries to you know, obviously fucks with them and kills them off in these different ways. So what happens is, you know, you get all these kind of weird creatures and you get like farting like shit, man. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like it turns into like a monster film. You get like these farting shit, man. And there's like spider women and there's all these weird kind of creature things that he's kind of created to kill off these people to bring his his bride back. And it's a very, very strange film because when you're watching it, you don't know what it's trying to be. Like at first it it appears it's going to be like a serious horror film. Like these people show up and there's really no comedy to it at all. Uh And then, you know, they get trapped in the house and all of a sudden your monster start appearing. And I shit you not that – it is the most oddball moment where this monster appears out of this ground. And then as he's walking towards this person and it's still being serious, it starts farting. <laughs> it starts to fucking fart. It's like the funniest thing. Right. And then you're like, Oh my God, this movie's kind of lost. It's uh, it lost its direction a little bit, you know, but it's very vindictive of, you know, the history of the film and stuff. But yeah, it's a very strange film. It's very low budget. It's, it actually has a really unique atmosphere. It's very, very dark. I mean, you know, it's, obviously watching a bootleg and i actually got from the horror man from from youtube years ago he sent me a copy of this that he had yeah. and I, I thank him to this day for it that's totally awesome because it's a very hard film to find and uh 
but it's a really oddball film. It's just very strange. But I do like the idea of, you know, the sorcerer playing, you know, this game of chess with this this little kid ghoul and using the pieces as the people as pawns. It, it's it's kind of an interesting idea. But the the movie itself is like a complete mess. The acting is atrocious <laughs> in the film. Uh, the deaths aren't too too bad, but like the dialogue is fucking terrible. There's so many bad <laughs> elements in this movie that are. To the point where it's 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 almost in that territory of it's so bad it's entertaining and pretty decent, but at the same time you're going, this movie really sucks. <laughs> it's, it's bad. I mean, you know the, the the producers they tried to bring in this guy to shoot this footage, and you can tell the footage that he shot. It's it's probably mostly the uh, the sorcerer stuff, and you know the beginning and the ends and a little bit like you can tell the stuff that was incorporated. Like the kid beginning just makes no sense. You can tell that this was done and they, they kind of incorporated and we're like, well, this is, since they killed this kid, what can we do with this? Well, we'll have him playing chess with the sorcerer. Like it's that type of feel to it. You're like, this is very awkward. It's very, very awkward, but you know, it's a very eighties film though. You know, everything about the characters are just so eighties and the music and everything, but it's, uh, you know, if you're going to watch spookies, you know, take this history into consideration because it is, it is a messy history, which, ultimately the final product became kind of a mess in itself yeah and um yeah you know i mean it's it's pretty entertaining but it's a really bad movie it really is a bad movie i'm gonna give this one about a five out of ten because it did make me chuckle i completely forgot about the farting monsters and shit (laughs) sounds hilarious i give them credit for being create like you know trying to do something you know create all these different type of monsters within the house it's not just like a slasher a sorcerer that has you know he's going around himself killing people he you know invents these creatures that he creates to kill i thought i like that idea it's just it's it's odd it's very odd and it's strange but you know check it out spookies from 86 you you might like it a little bit more who knows it might be a cup of tea but Uh, definitely worth a look just for the the unique monsters and the and the makeup and the effects and stuff are kind of decent so I think Matt reviewed that. What's that? What's the rating? Uh, Five. Five out of ten. I heard of that. Yeah, Uh, yeah, that's, you know, and also check it out for the 86 show, I guess. I I, I don't know if I'll get that one, honestly. Uh, It it, it sounds entertaining, though. That's the it's thing. Not, I think Matt reviewed like, it before. It's not actually as silly as it sounds, like with the Farty Mod. Like, that's just one character, one scene. You know, it's it, it, the movie kind of plays out in like an anthology a little bit because these people, you know, once they go into the house, they kind of separate into different rooms where, you know, ultimately there's a different creature that attacks each one of these people. So it almost becomes like a, almost like an anthology w- within a film. It's weird. It's weird. It's a strange film. But it's not really that goofy. It's just silly. All silly. Right. Alright, so continuing here, I have a review for a 2016 film titled The Monster. A little bit of background on the director, uh, directed by Brian Bertino, who you might know from The Strangers. 2008, he directed The Strangers, uh, which was a huge hit, a lot of uh, respect among horror fans, and he didn't do anything until six years later with Mockingbird from 2014, which I reviewed on this podcast. I gave it a 6 out of 10 looking at my rating, but I probably would come in a lot lower. I, I would think that was a pretty generous rating, honestly. Uh, because that movie has one of the most retarded endings I've ever seen. Uh, so, not a great follow-up, but just two years later, he directed The Monster. So, his you know his Strangers was a huge hit. His sophomore effort was Mockingbird, a little bit of a dud. Seemed, seemed like that film could have had a lot of studio interference, though. 
Uh, and uh-huh. then now on to the monster. Now the monster is currently, I believe, available via DirecTV exclusively. Uh, it's the only way to see this right now. Uh, if you have DirecTV, it is for rent. I actually seen a big ad on my guide on DirecTV last night, so uh, I know that it's on there. Uh, it, it it follows a mother and daughter who are driving down a rainy road. This is this would have been a good film to answer that question with where the rain mm-hmm. <laughs> like the home the whole section of that movie is all in the rain uh they're, they're driving down the road where they swerve to miss a wolf they wreck their car and then well it's a fight for survival against what i'll kind of leave that up to the viewer to see uh you know it's called the monster so use your head uh <laughs> you know so the interesting thing about this film is it's a very simple premise. And even the execution in the storyline in terms of, like, the antagonist and the problem is very simple as well. It's a survival horror. It's a contained horror film. Uh, but the intertwined backstory that's happening in the film is a drama. Uh, it's about a mother, a young mother... I'm I'm not sure they specifically say age, but the actress playing the mom definitely seems pretty young, uh, intentionally definitely, and it is her dealing with the fact that she is an addict. Uh, she's you know I know Jeremy hates those drug addict films, but you know <laughs> she she is an addict who uh, at times is very abusive and neglectful towards her daughter. Uh, but you can also see that there's some heart there too. Uh, and basically what I'll say is anybody who has ever dealt with addiction or anybody who has been affected by addiction, substance abuse, will kind of get this film like very strongly because the, the portrayal of that addiction, the portrayal of the, the, mo- the mother to the daughter is very well done. It's it's very 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 well done as a drama as as that sort of unfolds it's top notch in fact uh, and the horror is very good as well very tension filled uh, very suspenseful uh, practical effects looks good uh, it's basic storyline except for the added in factor of the mother daughter relationship and I don't think that it's as cliched as some people would you know expect like i'm not necessarily saying that like oh there's like twists to it or anything it's just it's just portrayed in like the non-hollywood way i guess very 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 good portrayal of this sort of struggle uh with the mother character like i mean to a t like literally like scenes where i was like oh that's that's raw that's raw how it is and uh i really like that about the film now the one major issue that I had with this film is there was moments in the film where I was just like don't do that don't do that like why are they doing that and that uh, is oh so you became the white me. girl watching the film then <laughs> don't do that yeah kind of <laughs> don't know? do like, that I mean the very fact that there is moments like that where it just feels like oh like it reminded me that we're in a horror movie and it's like uh like it just felt like I I can't really write around it because it's just the type of movie it is like it has to go somewhere 
and it's yeah. like they have to progress the story they kind of have to move a little bit but it's just like in my head i'm just like i'm like it just seems like that's a bad idea like and like you as a character as a smart character should see that um so that that actually took like an entire point off of my rating because it was it was the one thing that i just was it was like crippling towards towards the film in a way uh but the the dramatic tension that's there from the the relationship and the performance of the daughter oh my god great great performance for a little girl i was very blown away with that mother as well i like the actress just just a very well acted movie uh with a lot of suspense um just just a couple of issues from keeping it to be real strong. I actually like the ending as well. Not really what I expected, but not really a twist either. Just just not what I expected. Uh, and I, I'm gonna go ahead and give this one an eight out of ten. Still a very strong watch from this year. Mm. Wow, <clears throat> eight out of ten. Good stuff. Wish I had direct TV now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I I, I mean. I think a lot of people, like, some people are going to be down with this and some people won't be. I know Matt, the creature feature guy, was pretty interested in this one. And I think he'll probably like it, but it might be a little too talky and a little too, like, on the non-horror spectrum of things. Mm. For, you know, there's it's a horror, it's a fucking, definitely a horror film. Like, like it's classified first as horror. But, you know, it's yeah. just, it's like, there's a lot of, like, dramatic things happening in it. I hear you. Yeah, it sounds pretty interesting, actually. I think everybody will like it. I think that Besides a lot Zach. of people might have the same. No, Zach will think it's boring as fuck. Eight out of ten. So is this one by chance sitting in your like if you were to make a mock top, you know, 10. kind of yeah, it hypothetical te- it top Technically, 10. would be sitting in my in my top. Yeah, 10. I was just wondering because eight out of ten is a pretty high rating for you. Zach and Zach Junior will rate it at like four. <laughs> yeah, like Jimmy, like, that's Andy. Yeah, Generation Zach. <laughs> yeah, Generation Zach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shit. You know, you never changed his name, so that's fine. That's cool. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, man. Y'all like some Aussie horror, Aussie exploitation? Oh yeah, I know. I oh, fucking yeah. do. I do. I, I'm like, I'm like a really, really huge fan of australian cinema i've said this for years i've i just i like to dabble in all of it i think i think it's just fantastic and stuff so very very excited to do this featured reviews of course we are doing three aussie films and i can't really specifically say horror films you know this is more exploitation. you guys would probably i agree that. <laughs> you know uh jp's a little bit silent he's like i don't know what to think about these films what the <laughs> fuck it what did i just watch um but yeah man like what do you like jp are you familiar with a lot of you know aussie i mean you're probably familiar with aussie films but have you have you actually watched a lot of aussie or exploitation type films I've and things probably watched more australian cinema than any other country mm, besides america yeah, and maybe. canada Seriously, yeah like I, I mean i have a, i have a good bit in my collection um, mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen a whole lot of French films or, you know, I mean, I guess the UK, cause there's so many that you don't even know are UK productions, but, uh, yeah. like in terms of like, you know, more of the foreign type of stuff, like even further foreign, like Japanese, uh, French, 
uh, German. Like Australian is is you know I've seen a lo- I've seen a good bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not I know, nowhere Derek, near seen... as much as you guys, but I mean you know considering mm-hmm. my oh uh, yeah, Aussies like I've been introduced to like Australian films since like the early days like. Of course, like the Mad Maxes and all yeah, that. Yeah, like I've seen the Mad Maxes, yeah. Patrick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and then I got into more like the other stuff that came like after, or, like before, who like a lot of different different directors. And it's very interesting when you look at like we'll get more into that probably later with certain directors who we talk about like other films that they directed. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I know, I know. But uh, it's interesting to see which ones actually made it like course like we know like peter peer peter weir started in like this osploitation cinema with his films and he's like a academy award nominated director now mm-hmm. that's right that's right um yeah the aussies they put out so i don't know what it is man every time i hear australians talk about aussie cinema they always say it sucks I don't yeah, know what it's just... about Australians. They, I don't know. It's because maybe they they just can't get into their own thing. They just they're always looking for something else or something. But it seems like the most mostly when I talk to Australians, they're always like, "Man, Australian cinema is not that good." And I'm like, "Yeah, like, maybe, maybe you guys are not watching the, the right films and stuff." About? But there's been so many amazing films over the year, like Long Weekend. Dude, what is the one fuck of my... are you talking about? Seriously, masterpiece what? Howling Three. <laughs> yeah there is exceptions to the rule here but i'm just saying like and, and it's funny because i was talking to this one guy and i was like you know long weekend is such a great film and he's like never seen it i was like okay that's your problem right there you have to have seen long weekend to make an honest opinion about your whole country's you know, <laughs> level like, of cinema here i like, mean it's like, ridiculous like it's, one comment. it's from 78 it's 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 one of those classic exploitation type films that is just really really good um, um well, one comment I got was like Razorback is boring. I'm like, what? Razorback's mm-hmm. fucking awesome. Well, I, fucking... I will comment on one thing with with the old school Australian films, right? Like the the 70s and 80s stuff. I think that it can be perceived as slow starting. Like a lot of them are. Like I don't really necessarily mind it, but something like Patrick, man, that that movie moves at a snail's pace. But I like Patrick. <laughs> You know, I, like just, too. Just, it, it, I can see how some people might be a little turned off by the slowness if you're not really if you're yeah, cause you, you know these Aussie films and you know they're <laughs> well, always like really action packed at some point but it's usually like mm. at the end or something you know so it's yeah. like you, yeah. you really do have like to Patrick, wait though, I mean if you read a simple synopsis on Patrick and if, and if you're expecting like a high explosive film from True, Patrick that you might have read this wrong synopsis because, <laughs> because really the whole film the main character in the film is in a goddamn coma yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> he's that's in a fair fucking point. bed yeah. you, know, so you have to expect a little bit so you have to be patient with a film like that so but yeah it's a good it's Patrick's an interesting idea you know yeah. it, that's cool stuff right there and that's a great example of exploitation that just works you know it it really does work i mean i've done it for years and years man everything from you know turkey shoot man i mean you know great exploitation stuff which we'll probably talk about that later yeah i'll talk about that oh make make no mistake about it there will be an exploitation too oh man there's just so many films i would love to cover like i've reviewed so many aussie films in the past i swear like i was looking at my shit i was like man this is crazy like (laughs) I really do love it, man. Like oh, I look yeah. for something like body melt and shit. Like they just cover woo in my light with my with my hand. <laughs> that's actually that's actually the next theme week on body bags too is Australian horror. Well, there you go. See, everything comes full circle. It just it, it, it all was, 
it, it all actually, kind of connects, right? It was actually funny because how I do it is I have a, I have each uh, host from the next day of the week, next day do uh, the randomizer, and uh, it was Marnie's turn actually to do the randomizer, and she picked all the odds yourself. Yeah, <laughs> go fucking figure. Body bags drop. Yeah, yeah, we still put shit. the links in the description. Yeah, we have the link in every episode, man, because, you know, it's a channel that we started and you own now, so all good. But I'm glad I'm keeping the dream alive, guys. So I think I'm going to retain, like, 3% ownership, just, just, just so it doesn't completely disappear. <laughs> <laughs> and if it makes it really big, I get something, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're at 900 now, over. 900 what? <laughs> subs? Yeah. Oh my god, this is ridiculous. My own channel's barely that. <laughs> you guys are killing it. Good job, man. Yeah, um, thanks. So All right, man. Let's get into these films. Let's get into yeah. these feature reviews, man. First one up here. Uh, we'll do this in chronological order because, I mean, it only makes sense to do, right? Yeah, even yeah, though I just... watch them in that order. I neither. <laughs> I watch them actually opposite. <laughs> I'm, I'm very anal with that. I, I do. But um, from 1971, the first film up here is a film called Wake and Fright, directed by Ted Kotcheff. Now, this is a very, very interesting conversation with this guy because, you know, he's responsible for directing films like First Blood, you yes. know, Rambo. Like, you you know, Ted Kotcheff is... Well, the interesting thing about him is that he's a Canadian director. And I know, I think me and you, Derek, or me, I can't remember, me and Zach, I don't we had this conversation one time and I said to one of you guys... It, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I said, do you think it's possible that a Canadian might have directed one of the best Aussie films of all time? I wouldn't have thought of it in a million years until you... Okay, it must have been Zach that because we we had a good laugh about it. He's like, holy fuck, that's so bizarre. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of interesting because, you know, a lot of Australian directors credit him for kind of bringing the Australian outback and, you know... The, just the landscape of Australia, they they directly credit him for, you know, showing them the light that Australia could be a country where you can make really good films. Because this came out in 1971. Is this, this is film? very, is it cause of this yeah, film? yeah, and you yeah. know because it's very early and there wasn't a lot of crazy cinema at that time. And when he did this, he didn't really know a lot of stuff, a lot of, about Australia himself. He just kind of went there, surveyed, and came up with a game plan for a film. And he decided, you know, since he's there. He wants to show a little bit of the outback and, you know, show people yeah. exactly Question. where this is being done. You know, he wants to show, you know, the flatlands and things like that. And, did, and did he thought he, it was quite interesting. Did he uh, show any of that in Weekend at Bernie's? Just curious. <laughs> Weekend at Bernie's? That's right. He did direct that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny the shit that he went on to do because he, he even did fun with Dick and Jane, which is ridiculous, too. Like, that's yeah. so funny. His this guy, yeah. but he, had, His he did on Common Baylor. Weird, man. There's like he did on Common Baylor. Just stands out. <laughs> yeah, on Common Baylor, he did too, which is pretty good. But yeah, he's got a really weird uh, visions and films and stuff. But I always, I thought that was really interesting how he was directly, you know, credited for kind of, you know, starting the game. Yeah, starting kind Vegas. of this thing. You know, oh, we can make good films out of this. And you know, he saw the light in in Australia because he was like, well. You know, the outback is very reminiscent of northern Canada. Like, I've never been up to, like, the territories and stuff. But apparently yeah. up there, it's super flat. It's just like the outback of Australia and stuff. And he's like, I was very kind of familiar with that. And he's like, I can 
I, I'm familiar with this. I can probably exploit it and, you know, get it out there and things. And I, I, I thought that was amazing. So mm-hmm. your product is Bacon Fright, which is pretty cool. So, um, but, uh, the synopsis of Wake and Fright here. Um, basically, Wake and Fright is the story of John Grant, a bonded teacher who arrives in the rough outback mining town of Bambayamba, or Bambayaba, <laughs> however you want to say it, planning to stay overnight before catching a plane to Sydney. Uh, but uh, his one night stretch to five, and then he plunges into a headlong towards his own destruction um, when the alcohol induced mist lift, the mist lifts the educated john grad is no more and i'll just leave it at that right there one, one thing that i want to say before we get into the film is uh, i noticed then this one watching this movie uh, but i've thought about it before and you know i, I started watching this movie and uh, i'm i'm just looking okay it looks pretty old and stuff and then i was like i want to what because I, I didn't know what year it came out so i looked it up and i was like 71 and i was like damn like sometimes i forget that like 71 is like almost the 60s like it's like right there like it so it's like mm-hmm. you have that like you're so used to 70s films that feel like 70s films but there's some that, mm-hmm. that are like in that weird border where it's like okay this feels a little older than 70s but it's it's still it's kind of 70s and this one was like one of those films where i was like like this shit was almost at night of living dead you know like it's like fucking feels like two different areas but they're so close <laughs> yeah 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 that's interesting. That's interesting. I, you know, I when I first watched Wake and Fright, um, I actually thought it was more later seventies. It's really? really strange. I didn't even realize that it was seventy one, and it still kind of shocks me. It's kind of funny how our perception perceptions of what we see visually is so. Yeah, well, I thought I mean, it was. Like, I, I thought it was like later seventies too. Okay, like yeah. I, I don't mean like what's like the the content because this is like the first five minutes that I noticed this. You know, oh okay. Like, content yeah. wise, it feels way older than seventies, like seventy one. You know, it feels like hmm. you know seventy eight, seventy seven. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, just, just the look of it, I was like, oh, these people look like look like they're from the 60s. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I love about this film is the way it starts. I mean, the, the whole schoolhouse scene in this film. In the middle of the <laughs> goddamn Oh, my God. I, I, I was like, love how do these it? kids but... even get home? <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> I was, like, thinking that myself. Like, I love that. Like, in the middle of nowhere is this one, like, building. <laughs> it's so good. But you notice one thing about that scene, though? Not only the fact that it's, like, super quiet and then it's, they're just kind of running down the clock until school is done for the summer. But the fact that, like, there's got to be an age group of from, like, 10 to, like, 18. Yeah, like that one girl that was, like, 18. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? It's like so funny, man. You know, it just, it's so represented. And I love that how they showcase that because you instantly know you're like, you are in the middle of nowhere. You're in you're such a in small the area. Australia. Yeah. And it just sets up his character perfectly, you know? I love that, man. You know, John Grant is this, uh, he's this very educated person that's kind of, he's kind of got stuck where he is. You know, he didn't yeah. realize exactly what the consequences of, you know, posting this bond that you have to do apparently in the, in the, in Sydney or in uh, Australia at the time, you know, you, you get were, stuck in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> you didn't know. Yeah, You had to like, wait, almost pay. Wait, wait, what happened? You had to, you pretty much had to be a, you had pretty much had to pay to be a teacher. You post a thousand dollars, you know, become this teacher and stuff. And then, you know, you'd pretty much have to like, you know, teach, teach until you that. play that. Yeah, and yeah. basically pay that off kind of thing, right? So you're – and he even says it he, – he uses a really good line in the film too when he's talking to the Yeah, the, the cop. I like, remember when he was explaining. He's like, I'm a, he's like I'm, I'm a bondage slave to the to the educational system or whatever it is. And I was yeah, like, the bondage slave. That's such a great line because 
you know, where we come from, nobody has to pay to be a teacher. You know, you have to pay well, to be I there. Mean, it's like, holy f- school. It's fucking well. No, I meant he to actually. Didn't have to go to school. He probably just rolled in there like I got my thousand bucks. Well, I, well, I think they pay dues because it's a union. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Well, in the U.S. Yeah, like I don't know stuff. But one thing I like about this film is John Grant is he's this really kind of you know he's presented to you as this this very educated, strong type character and stuff, and and that's where this film works so well because you know they you know it's he's not presented as someone that. You know, you would think that thinks that he's a lot better than you know the small people of the Yaba, in yeah. this. But but see, what it comes I, down I to, kind of looked at him like a little bit slightly different. Where I was like, okay, this is an educated guy that's still kind of full in certain aspects in life. Well, no, that's the thing. Like he, you know, he. That's the thing. When he first gets to the Yaba, like he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to get involved in these small town like, antics, like drinking beer and playing does stupid too, games, right? Like you can well, no, see but, it no. in the back of his mind, where he's well, like, "Well, the, the thing, the thing, the thing, the thing is, Jock was so into like, it. stern friendliness, and he's like, come have another one.' You know, Jock was the one that kind of pushed him yeah. into drinking a little more than but he was. But that's what I like about the character, though, is that John Grant. He's that's what kind of the film is showcasing is that John Grant appears to be this educated, strong-willed person that thinks he's better than everyone. But at the end but of the day, he's exactly he's, like how they like, are. Exactly like everyone else. He was looking for a way out, and he had no ambition ever to give in to these people until he saw the two-up game. The heads and tails, yeah. And, and he's, he's just like, yeah, he's just like everybody else, and he didn't know that about himself until he tried two-up, failed miserably, and became part of the Yava. I he love became, it. It's like it's like it's the insane. primal instinct to to be raw, exactly. And it's showcased yeah. so perfectly with his character. It's such a quick downfall. I will say that I think there is, like, a lot of layers to the character. Like, I don't think it's like, oh, he's smart and then he's dumb. Like, it's like, no, he's, like, human. You know what I mean? Like, no, they never they never present his character of... as being dumb after. They just present his character as being, well, he's human. He's you know, a human. He totally, he totally, because he even stresses, like, you know... He, when he you, says to the guy when he's leaving the schoolhouse, he's like, you know, if I can strike it big or whatever, I won't be back at the end of the summer type deal, right? You know, and, that, and that's well, the, well, the guy the train, he right? He saw the money being thrown on the on the ground, and he's like, well, I can fucking, I can, I can make myself free right now. I can go to Sydney and never come back type yeah, of thing, right? See, I'm mm-hmm. one of those people that I see like gamblers, and I'm like, what's it? Like, I never understand it, but it's because I don't have that in me. Like, but I have <laughs> relatives who are like my cousin Shannon. Yeah is like really into the like scratch offs, you know what I mean? And yeah, like yeah. she yeah. gets this rush, right? And it and I've I read studies on this to where it's like it's similar to that of drugs. Like like literally, like you know how people say gambling is a drug. It's a like, real it's, addiction. It's like legitimately mm-hmm. like the, it is an addiction. The like dopamine levels in your brain and like different things that your brain does when you're you know winning or you're about to win is a, an adrenaline dope rush. And it's it's funny because I just don't get that. So, like, I never understand mm-hmm. when people get that gleam in their eye and stuff. But then I kind of do. Like, now I kind of do. But he has that. He definitely has that. Plus, oh. plus he wasn't in the right mind state to begin with because yeah, he, he, a, a bun- yeah, he had a bunch of beers beforehand. You know, and that, and that adds to the whole psychologic element of this film, too. It's like, you know, when you're watching this film, doesn't it feel like they're, like, they're literally trying to suck him in very, very slowly? Yeah, they, like, they want to like almost. Yeah, it's like, it's almost like then, Yabba's like a cult in a sense, and they're like, "Well, there's another victim. Let's kinda, get him. It, it kind of reminds me of hospitable per- to him. You know what it reminds me of? Sort of purgatory. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. One thing that I want to add on what you were saying, Moods, that's exactly how drug addicts act, right? They 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 ease you into their situation. It's like they they like like they like to do that. Like the, that yeah. You you know, anytime you hear about somebody who like, you know, gets hooked on heroin or something like that, you know, I have plenty of friends that have been, you know, just straight downhill. Like the it's always starts with like the people that they're kicking it with. And it's just like it's this too. Like like they just have this natural like parasitic like environment where they just they just latch it's just on natural it's ability like leeches, yeah you know and it's and it mm-hmm. might not be directly it could be indirectly but like at the same time you kind of want to be part of it because they look like they're having a blast and they look like they're so carefree and they don't have stress yeah, and problems yeah. and you just look at it and, and I it's presented totally so strongly and i could yeah. see how yeah. he's doing that in this film and, and we, didn't even, we didn't even get to the most interesting character of them all yet Donald Pleasance. Donald Pleasance. Doc Tyler. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, man, I, I mean. I didn't understand let's just talk... that game. I was like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, yeah, but, let's, let's like, talk about like, two up, man. How do you get, like. It's a real game there. It's a real game. Yeah, it's a real game that... everywhere. But it's just, it's like, it's so complicated. I was like, how do you know who is, like, it well, seems like it'd be really well... easy to cheat. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's, like, money yeah. everywhere and shit. Like, <laughs> But I love the way that whole shit is filmed. Like, it looks so easy and so much damn fun. I just, it's such a great buildup to that scene, though. Like, when they, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, honestly, is when, when John walks into the uh, the pub. And the camera pans up to the clock and it shows mm-hmm. and it says bar closes at six thirty and it is eight thirty and the place is beyond mm-hmm. shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, it's everyone still is full. drinking. You know, they're showing cups being filled up with beer and and one of my favorite things as everyone that listens to the show and you guys know too, I love drinking beer. Like I'm drinking beer right now. Uh, oh yeah. And yeah, so the way they drink beer in this movie You and, tell a Canadian directed this film Oh that. my god, it's so yeah, I'm Canadian. That is just amazing. <laughs> but apparently he captured it very, very well in these small communities. Australians, and that's another thing I come back to, they're just like Canadians. They drink beer like it's fucking water. Yeah. And that's literally one of the biggest things about this film. It's like there's scenes in this film where that Tim guy gets so mad. Fucking drink your goddamn beer. I didn't ask you to buy me a fucking yeah, beer. Tim, drink it. Yeah. You know? It's just like it's amazing how they just like that's where I love because it. Because it people saying in. no and saying I'm <laughs> yeah, but that scene is great though. When and that's when you get introduced to your character Jock. You know he's the uh, the sheriff of the town, and oh, I... this is this is brilliant. It, apparently, like it, it kind of sucks. He died right after this movie. It was like his last movie, and mm-hmm. uh, but he was like he he was just perfect for the role. Mm-hmm. And they're literally drinking beer in every one of those scenes. That's all real beer. That they're drinking. Oh, awesome. That makes sense. I mean, <laughs> it's totally cool. they're just down in beers, but you know, the way this shit's shot though, man, like everyone is just sweaty and you can feel the heat and, mm-hmm. oh dude, it just adds to it. I, so I, because you can tell that John is just looking for something, you know, yeah, it's just everything like, feels, this pop. like it just seems like the fucking air is dusty. When, when they get into exactly. the restaurant, they do like a rotating room type thing. Like, you know, like Tarantino does. Yeah. yeah this, movies this, just don't look like this anymore. It, 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 oh. the ca- the, he captured the realism of, you know, those type of things so well in this, too. It just feels so natural, too, right? It's like, you know, for some people, you're like, oh, man, these people are being so over hospitable and stuff. And it's like, well, that's kind of how it is. Right. You know, and yeah. the reason why the characters were like that is because he did investigation and they this is how people are like you go there they're just like beer 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 like have a good time have a, have a smoke have fun like, 
he's like, holy fuck, man. So that's how he based his how he did the film. That was real shit that he had investigated. Like he was there a few months before the film filming of it kind of working out the kinks with Australia because he was very foreign. being mm-hmm. in Canada. He didn't know. Right. And this is what he got from the people. And he put it on screen. And, and apparently after people watch it, they're like, man, you, that's just that's real life. It's amazing. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's fucking crazy. Because when I watch it, that's how I interpret it. I'm like, it just seems so natural and real. I mean, the fact that they're really drinking beer in those big gulps. There's no cuts and shit. They're really slamming those beers, man. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's great filmmaking. It's great. Yeah. And so basically, you know, to go a little further in the story, um, <laughs> you know. Uh, so we've up... only covered the seven minutes of the film, by the way. Yeah, really. <laughs> So what? So what happened? Like, I don't know where you want to go from here. Well, we get introduced to Donald Pleasant's character, Doc. Yeah, true. In, in a nutshell, he is a. He's from the UK. He's over there now. Uh, he lost his license. Um, he's a doctor. He lost his doctor license because he's an alcoholic. He openly he's a admits self-admitted that. alcoholic. Yeah, and all he does is he sits around in this shady, you know, kind of eatery type restaurant thing and. You know, uh, basically listens to the bets and shit. And he's just like that guy, you know, and and he sits around and drinks and he just he lives off the people. The people of Yaba are people that they will never let you suffer. They will never let you be homeless. Like he he just makes a living off the people like he gives them services and they pay him in booze and food food. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't really even have a job, but he doesn't suffer like he lives fine. Well, he lives in kind of a shack and shit. He's shithole, but he's happy because he's being paid in booze (laughs) This character. because I swear to God, Donald Pleasance throughout this whole damn film is shit faced. Yeah, he is shit faced the whole film. It's amazing. You know, (laughs) sometimes Donald Pleasance, you know, obviously known for Halloween and, you know, he's been in other films, of course. But you know, Halloween's his his fuck. He did six of them, right? Like, I mean, that's that's his big thing among horror fans. Yes, he's Doctor Loomis. He's Doctor Loomis. And everybody knows, like, Doctor Loomis is the shit. Like, Donald Pleasance kills it as Doctor Loomis. You know, you don't know what death is. Like, that's my, one of my favorite lines in movie history. And yeah. but like I like, it's easy to forget just how fucking cool Donald Pleasance is and how fucking much chops he has as an actor. Like, he's the yeah. shit, man. Donald Pleasance is awesome. Dude, all he does in this film is get shit faced, shoot guns, say the most awesome lines, and wear no shirt. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> and not give a fuck about anything. His it's character awful. is like, oh, dude, it's so sad. Like, I actually know people like him. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of fucked up, but the way he portrays it, it, it just feels so natural. It's really good. Because you know he's like an educated man and stuff, but. It's That's what all, the best uh, thing about him is. It's like. You know, like the scene in, later on in the film where um, John wakes up and he's super hungover and shit and he's like, oh, I need water. And he's like, no, here's a beer, you know, and then yeah. I need some food, man. Have this. And he's eating like fucking kangaroo. kangaroo. It looks like fuck, fucking man. the shit that you pour out of Duh. a can for your dog. I think it was chili. I think he made like chili or was, I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> yeah. And he gave him so much. It was just like, I just wanted to <laughs> gag, man, especially I started feeling hungover and stuff. And, you know, they do a pretty good job at, at, um capturing like almost like the depression of it all like it is kind of depressing to me you know what I mean? yeah this whole house and when he living in like this shithole yeah it's not even so much the shithole it's like the after effects of like of like mistakes <laughs> you know what i mean Just, yeah, like, oh yeah being, like, talk about, they talk about it in the film and dialogue too they're like i don't even know like you know how these people or maybe it's after i don't even know but 
it's somewhere in the in the Blu-ray, but about how like these people make a living, like how they actually survive around there and stuff. Like there, it, it seems like the impression we're getting from the film is that there's like nothing around. Yeah, it's no, like absolutely much. nothing. It's like how these people are doing this is mind blowing. Mm-hmm. It's just mind blowing. But everyone's so willing to help out everybody, and I think that's how it works. And I think it's captured very well in the film. Yeah, it's like a junkie you know? community. It, it doesn't is. matter. It's like people it's come like around. It's like a shanty go, town. You don't have a beer? Well, here's one. Yeah, take one. You don't have, you don't have a gun? Here's a gun. Oh, you I guess you need bullets too. You need a cigarette? Here's a bullet too. It's like, holy fuck! Like it's just like this massive love. It's like the weirdest atmosphere atmospheric film ever it's like i've never seen a film that has so much atmosphere in a in a fucking daytime film like most of the films in the day and there's it's like this weird atmospheric nightmarish attitude to the film that's it's so brilliant the soundtrack goes amazing with it too it's very eerie and i love the main theme oh it's just fantastic music is great so Mm -hmm. good yeah yeah uh you know one scene that kind of like i i thought wasn't done brilliantly at all is the scene where he's with the girl and Jeanette. yeah and he he kind of just like throws up like i don't i don't think that was done very well because it, it he didn't seem like that intoxicated and he didn't seem like he was like in that it's, state it's actually not about him being intoxicated it's, it's about, about him, him, him it's about cheating. him yeah it's uh, about him it? cheating and okay. and being sense. the fact that because he you, just that he just hooked he, up with he, his he was friend's that daughter point. He wasn't at that point yet where he could accept yeah. that. You know what I mean? There's yeah, even that dialogue before that, sense. too, where the guys are like, oh, he would rather talk to a chick than drink beer. <laughs> and mm-hmm. they're slamming fucking beers, right? Like, these guys yeah, are like pounding them. You know, and this guy's over there, and they're making fun of him for it. So, so but that he chick probably because... hooks up with all them dudes, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, even Donald Pleasant says in like, the, the shed yeah. scene when he she was up. She was the Yaba slut. She was the Yabba slide, and everyone knew that. Even the father knew that. He didn't give a shit. Like cool it just, it was accepted, and that's what it was. And you, you know who that, you know who Jeanette was? Sylvia Kay. Yeah, that's the director's wife. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's cool. real life. Yeah, but uh, yeah, she was okay. she was the neighborhood slut, I, and, I and it's gonna accept. But, I would but uh, um, yeah, I think I, I can see where you're coming from, JP, when you first yeah, see this. Like, why the fuck did he get sick? But yeah, it, it is they didn't really guilt. focus on the the guilt at, at all in the movie. Like it, like it, like well, the fact that he had a girlfriend, like, was kind of there. But I mean, yeah, I think it was more the fact that like where he was supposed, to, like he was there to go to Sydney to meet his girlfriend. Right? Mm-hmm. This was the whole point of the stop off. He was just supposed to be there for a day. Go on. Like there was no intentions of he 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 needed he needed like, the, he needed to keep that part. At least, you know what I mean. That he's going to be faithful to his girlfriend, or he would lose everything. His yeah. Sanity. yeah. Well, I mean, either way, one another bad part of it is like the throw up sound effects were awful because they were like they didn't sound anything like I sound or I've ever heard anybody throw up. They were like gurgly. I, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I actually don't even. <laughs> yeah, the helps with the sound effects part sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't really care for that scene too much. Like, I was just, I don't know. It, it just, it didn't feel like play, like, it didn't play out, like, right to me. It didn't feel, but it did help that you guys told me that I kind of viewed it wrong, too. Okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. So, basically, yeah. So, he's at, you know, Tim's house from there on, and he really, like, he's fucked, man. Like, he's lost all his money. We I, we failed to mention that. He lost all his money playing the, uh, the two-up game. And now yeah. he's stuck in the ABBA, and he's like, He's kind of homeless. Like does he has it, nowhere to go. Does anybody know why he's stuck? Well, he has no money to get for the plane. 
he literally yeah. lost all his money. Like he couldn't catch the train to to Sydney, so he's like, "What the fuck am I going to do?" But he's going to go to the work labor, but it was closed for the weekend. Yeah. Okay. So basically, that Tim character takes him in. He's like, "Yeah, man, you know, come and drink with me and stuff." And that's why how he ends up at the house with when he hooks up with Jeanette there for a second. I have a it's introduced to the hunting of, uh, buddies that are all fucking nuts and shit like that. But I have a little. That's all. Good. Yeah. Go on. I said I have a little kind of story with with that. Just just how you know I could kind of relate to that a bit. Um, mm-hmm. One time I was hanging out like kind of far away from where I live with with a friend of mine. And we went out there on, like, a Friday night to, to drink. This is back when I was, you know, like, 18, 19. I was real heavy into the party. And, and uh-huh. we go out there, and we fucking drink. And we wake up the next day, and the person we went with, like, we're like, hey, are we going home? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, later. And then, like, we didn't go home, and we was stayed there and drank again. And then it was, like, Sunday, and, and the same thing happened. And then... Uh, Sunday night, I was like, hey, we're going home tomorrow, right? And and they're like, yeah, 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 drink another beer. And I'm like, all right, let's drink. And then the next morning, I wake up, and I'm like, and, and the person I went with is already out drinking on the porch. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, it's Monday. Like, I thought we was leaving. So me and my boy, Steve, we just start watching a movie because uh, they had a wall of fucking movies. This was before I collected um, and we just watched a movie, 6 p.m. rolls around, it's like, well, I guess we might as well fucking drink, there ain't nothing else to do, and, you know, it was a repeat for two weeks of that, man, so I, <laughs> like, I could kind of understand what this guy You were stuck in the Yabba, man. I was man. stuck, dude, because I didn't have no way home, I, I didn't even know where I was. There was just <laughs> Shit, a, a non-stop flow of alcohol and fucking a wall of movies, and me and my dude, well, that's the first time I seen Cloverfield, too, it was like 2009. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so I could kind of relate to that guy, you know, being stuck out there. And, and at first, you know, in the morning you might want to resist it and stuff. But then it's like, well, fuck, what else is there to do, you know? And then especially since they're, they're hangover killing with alcohol. So, like, you know, after the first two or whatever, you're already, like, into it. You're, you're down. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It's, one thing I like about the, the characters in this film is that they totally – they don't it's just it feels so natural with you know letting john you know hang out with them and just you know allow him him to like you know kind of mooch i don't even want to use the word mooch you know just allow him to be there and stuff like that dude it's straight classic just that's classic that's what happens like people i know it's like that are like i kind of liken it to like fight club a little bit where like tyler Mm -hmm. Durden. It's just like, like yeah, he doesn't yeah. need shit, right? He's just like, he's just like, here, use my shit. This is my shit. This is our shit. Like that's what people do in that. Even you know, even like just poor people in general, you know, they're genuinely mm. more fucking inviting than people who are not poor. Like they just. But you know. I like it though because it's very, it's very realistic to the fact because I've had friends that went to Australia before and they literally just backpacked around, met people, they took them into their house and that's how they went along for, you know, a couple months. They never stayed in hostels, never stayed in hotels. They would just bunk with pe- with random people. You know, that's just the way they are around there. Yeah. You just meet people, you party, you go stay at their house for a day or two and then you move along. Mm-hmm. And it would happen for like a couple months at a time. And that's exactly how I felt with this. They're just like, they're just happy to have you there. They don't give a shit about anything else. They're just they definitely you're, like com- you're just company to them, and and it comes off in the film as being very realistic because you never get the feeling that these characters are like, ah, John's a fucking burden on me, man. Yeah, He's no. drinking all my goddamn beer. He's trying no, to fuck my daughter. They and... want him to stay. He wants they, money, they, they, you know. Exactly. Want... That's what I love about it. No, yeah. they definitely want him to stay. It's just like, <laughs> like I think it's a classic like thing that I just 
you know, kind of mentioned where they just want you to be one of them because that's what they are. Mm-hmm. Isn't it like when when you get to this point in the film, doesn't it feel like the most hazy, like nonstop hangover and shit? You're like, yeah, it's just it's nonstop no, it's straight depression to me, man. It, mm. it is. And it's like straight up like hot drinking and just getting shit faced, and no one gives a fuck, man. It's like, OK, what are we doing later on? Oh, we're going to shoot kangaroos. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, and then, and you know, this whole kangaroo scene is, is actually quite insane in this film. It's this brutal. This is what this film was actually kind of known for. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene in this film, yeah, where the characters basically <laughs> jump in this in this uh, car and they, they go hunting during the day. And they sh- actually, at first, they actually hit a kangaroo. Yeah, they uh, do. But then they kind of fuck, they kind of, it doesn't work out too well for them during the day. They get like one or whatever. They're like, well, we'll go back out at nighttime because at nighttime with kangaroos, if you put a spotlight on your vehicle, they, they get mesmerized by it. They stop and you can just shoot them dead, right? Well, there's a scene in this film where these kangaroos are getting blasted away. And yeah, it's actually happening for real. The it, filmmaker. real animal violence. It is. It, it, what it was is they, there was a bunch of people that were going out to do this kangaroo hunt at night to make this documentary video for some censorship or whatever the fuck it was. So they tagged along with this hunt and they shot it. They filmed it as they were doing it and stuff. And it's mm. crazy because these kangaroos that are being shot in the film are being shot for real. It wasn't the filmmakers. They just, you know, tagged along. And that's something that they, they really tried to stress that it wasn't them. It was just an idea that they had. And they're like, well, this is perfect. This is coming up. We're going to throw this into the film because this is going to make the film even more depraved, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, it really works. In my opinion, it's fucking brutal. Obviously, the things with the slaughter is hand on hand, you know, with the characters where they, you know, they grab onto the kangaroos and they slip their throats. That was simulated. That definitely was simulated. But yeah, the the long shots and stuff, those were real kangaroos that were getting killed. It's like, holy fuck, man. It's pretty nasty shit, man. It's like, and he, and he kept the nuts to eat. Yeah, it cut the nuts off to eat. Yep. Um, I really, really didn't like that scene. Like, I really didn't like it. And it's it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch for sure. Um, Yeah. With me and me and Derek are such huge Italian fans. We've seen real animal killings over and over again in tons and tons of films. It's ridiculous. But this one right here, I found a little hard to watch because it seems so senseless. But when you know the facts behind it, at least they were doing it for a point. It was like a real thing. But at the time, there was a total infestation. They were actually trying to do population control, too. It's not an excuse. It's actually a real story. It's true facts. So Yeah, I actually did look up a little more information about it, you know, because there is a little disclaimer at the end of the film. Uh, But apparently there are a little bit of, like, fuckery going on with with some of the, you know, apparently from the article that I read. I only read one article, but... You know, stuff like the spotlight that they use, um, that was brought in by the filmmakers because it was supposed to work better, uh, and it wasn't the, the, you know, the, it was, it wasn't there to begin with, you know? So, I don't mm-hmm. know, man. It's just like, I, I, I get that it's, okay, this was gonna happen anyway, we're just, we're just gonna tag along and see it. Right mm. to, for film, which is which is cool. There's always that. Well, they also there. had to put the spotlight on their vehicle to simulate the fact that they were really doing it for the film. Yeah, though, and too, that right? was actually the spotlight that they were using to stop the kangaroos. Is is oh, really? Right. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's all hearsay. I mean, if you watch the special features, like Kaja, he says that you know he doesn't say anything about the spotlight. So you know, he basically says you know there was this hunt that was going on. We're like, okay, this is perfect. We'll throw this into the film. You know, it is what it is. It's out of his mouth, so what am I supposed to believe? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, the thing, the problem is, is, like, he's going to be biased no matter what story he tells because he's not going to say, 
yeah, we mm. murdered a bunch of kangaroos. So you do have to, you know, there, he has an agenda for sure. But you also have to just look at the facts. I, I don't think that, you know, I don't really, I don't know if I care even if he, if it had, this had, this, there was different time, different roles, different, different views on things back then. Right? But, it, I'm, but I'm, it, you have to remember there was a purpose for this. I mean, it's population control. I mean, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, okay, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, Australia went through this shit, you know, in the late, what was it? The fucking time with the, with the rabbits. Remember when they had the infestation of rabbits and yeah, the, the like a country yeah. fucking, yeah, it was like an epidemic, man. They had to kill like millions of rabbits. Rab- and sh- rabbits are still not illegal in Queensland. No, dude, they... I'm a hundred percent all for killing animals, right? Like, like, I, yeah. like here is the perfect. Pennsylvania is filled with deer, right? Like deer everywhere. Yeah. Like you have to hunt them or they kill. I have fucking deer walk through my people. yard all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I have deer. Like I've, I see deer, like, like weekly on my way to work. You know, so like I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm all for hunting like i'm not i'm not against like killing of animals or eating animals or or anything i'm just saying when i see it that much in a scene like i i'm kind of not okay with it that much like i just don't it's like it's it's really brutal like it's really Mm -hmm. brutal because sometimes another thing that i read was if you shoot them in the liver or something they just die if you shoot them in the head, they hop around and then die. And if you and if you shoot them in the heart, they like do something else. Like and I and I was and I was like, well, they definitely did a couple of each because like yeah, there, yeah. there was some flopping around and some weird actions for sure. Yeah, yeah, man. yeah. and and yeah. that was the, that was also disturbing to me. Like I it, mean, it's it, it's also I don't know. It's 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 a debatable topic that's going to be debated yeah, forever. But, and it's like it also you comes know what, to discussion. Man? How much do you use? How much footage do you show? What what is the point here? What is the this whole what? scene? The whole scene, yeah, I, I I agree. It's it actually is quite disturbing, but I think it really adds to the film. I mean, in in a sense, it really does because this John Grant, he's going through this. This is like everyone's worst nightmare. He is stuck. You know, he's fucking stuck. He's going through the worst time of his entire life. Why not make the nightmare worse by this shit? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just adding to the whole nightmare element of the film this is what it is <laughs> it's all about being uh, in the worst it, situation was, possible like, how, was he in a nightmare there like was he like was that like a big nightmare to him it seemed like he what was the pretty, shoot the shooting cool the shooting it. of the animals yeah well, well he ended up slaughtering so, so I, I, I think that i think you know not specifically for his character i'm talking about the viewer like at, it, at this point in the film you've realized that this film is about this huge crazy nightmare and stuff why not add to the visual for the viewer too, that's right? where it turns his character into but he also exactly Derek. like he he's also kind of accepted the fact he's like well i might not be getting out of here i might as well enjoy this there's a point where he literally you can kills see, a baby kangaroo i just feel like that's in him the whole time it just has got awakened well of course that but scene. that's that's but, the well, point well, of the character in the film it's like everybody that is one person at the end of the day you're just like everyone else and that's just taking it one step further. Yeah, like it or not. I mean, I think it really kind of elevates the aspect of what he, what Kochek was trying to tell in the film. What do you think? You know, like, what, but, do you think do you think it's excessive? Would, would you, if you were cutting the a film, little bit. would you a keep that bit. much in I there? I wouldn't. Uh, there was, I think there was one. I think it was like a baby kangaroo shot that they, sh- they that they kill. I would have definitely took that out. Well, that one kind of like every, I've seen Wake and Fright a bunch of times. I watched it like ten times, mm-hmm. and every time that one scene, I'm just like, why the fuck? Like, why would you just? T- it doesn't. You don't have to show forty babies getting killed. Yeah, you don't need to show that many kangaroos. I mean, we get the point with like two or three, you know, kind of thing. Um, 
They show like a whole herd getting fucking slaughtered. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, I mean, there's so there's much lot, just, man. just not seeing like the way they're driving, hooting, hollering, drinking, not giving a fuck. You know, you can shoot here and there and keep that scene going and stuff, and you can you can deliver the point to the viewer. I feel like you get, get the kills. point right away, man. Like, I don't, I, I honestly think that it, it's like. I think that the points delivered fairly quickly with that scene. Mm-hmm. And, well, they, you know, they, I'm not saying, like, I'm okay with it. Like, I can, I can, uh, I, it made me really uncomfortable at the moment and stuff. But, you know, like, that stuff like that doesn't bug me to where I'm like, oh, I'm going to fucking write a letter or something. You know what I mean? Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> these kangaroos would be dead by now anyway. And I think they did say that they used them as dog food or something, which is cool. You know, I don't, that, I don't that... care about that. I'm just saying, like. I'm, I'm being critical, right? Yeah. This is a critical take on it. Like, like is the, the scene is definitely exploitive. Like, it's designed as an exploitive, like, shock value 100%, scene. 100%. Right? Well, it's funny because even the footage that was shot for that was used in that documentary for whatever they were doing, you know, to explain to the wildlife or whatever the fuck it was. Like, that, they, they really saw that shit in a different aspect, too. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting, yeah, too. It, Maybe it, not it cut like that, that but... You know, they still. You get the point. They they saw the real, sh- the real killings. You know, that's what it was. So. Well, it's gonna raise questions either way. It happens in like Italian any films. Fi- any film yeah. that shows animal violence, real, real animal killings, real anything is gonna be debated. Like, I don't <laughs> think that it's that big a deal at the end of the day. You know, if it was happening regularly or like now, it's like, yeah, don't fucking kill animals, asshole. I haven't but watched it a, too. Many- <laughs> this is in a different time period, too, man. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched a lot of films before where it hasn't been justified. I mean, I mean, if you look at some of the Italian films like Eaten Alive and uh, you know Cannibal Holocaust and things like that. I mean, you know, they shot in in real jungles with these real tribes and things like that. And you know, these people ate these animals. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. you when you're seeing these animals being killed on screen, mm-hmm. they're eating them five minutes later. This is yeah. their goddamn well, food. It's the problem is it's just there's always that debate of like okay, but yeah, you're filming it and what and and you don't know what would have happened. Hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. I don't really yeah. care though. That's about, the beauty of today's technology and special features. We get to hear these stories and you're like, oh, yeah. well, totally, totally well, were because we get to these hear guys the are stories from the people, people that are fucking they live off of land. Yeah, but you mm. know, like I always think of the necromantic rabbit one the the yeah those fucking scenes inserted in necromantic that, that is, that, that is but, pretty funny. you know don't get me Fox wrong was... like i'm not like some kind of yeah crazy, but that's like... shock value that's different that's completely shock value i mean i don't think he's putting this in here for shock value completely it's more it's still to do with john's character like he he's just he's going through the most insane ride literally in a car ever mm-hmm. you know but you know what i'm saying like i i understand where he's what he's doing with this yeah, um, I, I would so. definitely give anybody who who is listening and and hasn't seen Wake and Fright and and wants to check it out. If you are sensitive to to that type of stuff, like you definitely want to pump the brakes on this film because it to me it's probably the the most brutal like actual animal violence that I've seen. And mm-hmm. I, yeah. you know, I would watch this movie again. Like I'm not I'm not saying that it like affected me bad enough to where I had to turn it off or look away Hello? or anything. I watched the oh, whole yeah. thing and I was even like, that's fucking crazy. But you know, mm-hmm. like, just as as a you know, I like animals. Like I love my dog and stuff. Like I I start thinking of like you know, fucking animals getting shot and shit. And I'm like, fuck, man, that's yeah, man. But you know, it, it's, it is what it is. Like I I would shoot a deer if I didn't if I if I fucking felt like hunting. But I don't feel like hunting. I like deer meat and stuff, you know. But yeah. you know, I, I don't know how kangaroo tastes. But I would eat it. I would try it. Do people eat kangaroo or no? 
Or I, dude, I don't know. I don't have kangaroo where I live. <laughs> Maybe. There's no kangaroos in I honestly have no idea if Australians actually eat kangaroo or not. I mean, yeah. No, anyway, they do. Uh, they do um, for sure. There actually was a place around here you could actually get kangaroo burgers. So, yeah, I mean, it happens. But. So, uh, I mean, do you, do you guys want to kind of wrap this one up and, and give our final thoughts and ratings? Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, there's really not a whole lot. I mean, we're worried about the third act now, so. Yeah, I don't yeah. I really want to get into the very end, you know. Yeah, yeah I mean, the third act is really spoilish. Yeah, shit, man. You guys go, man. Someone start off. Okay, so Wake and Fright. I highly enjoyed this film a lot. This is my fourth time watching, I believe. And I love the, how this whole film sets up to, like, where you get to know the countryside of Australia from the opening shot where it's slow pans and the opening music and the performances are just surreal because they are like real life, like characters and stuff. And Donald Pleasant's character really stands out as this archetype. And I love John Grant's character, the way he demoralizes throughout the film and the whole story that perfectly directed and beautifully shot and a little gurgitation, but I can get past that stuff. But other than that, this film is a solid 10 out of 10 in my book. I highly enjoyed this one. All right. I'll, I'll go next. Um, so one thing that I, I did want to kind of say, uh, I'm not – did I can't remember, and correct me if I'm wrong. Did, doesn't Donald Pleasant at some point in this film, like when, when our main character buddy is like – Hey, do you have a cigarette or something? And he's like, I don't smoke. Didn't Donald Pleasant's like die in real life from like smoking related things? He might have. <laughs> that would be ironic, right? <laughs> I just that was an afterthought that I had, but I, I don't know. I think probably why his character didn't smoke in the film is because he's a doctor. Because he was a doctor, deep down yeah. inside, he still had a respect for medicine and and yeah. health, essentially. Yeah. And hell, some people just liver. don't smoke. He respected everything, but his but liver. His liver. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, Wake and Fright, uh, really good movie. You know, not much of a horror film. Obviously, we said it's a thriller. the the most The most horror you're going to get out of this is like the what if scenario or the like. This is what happens when scenario, which is frightening and it is it is terrifying. You know to see somebody just slip down that that slope so easily uh and it can happen to anybody really you know if, if you're not careful uh so that is a little scary to me you know and of course the the scene that we talked about with the kangaroos you know that's that's horrific but not really a horror film but it's a damn good movie like it's it's very engaging very entertaining um very like you're just with it right like as soon as it starts like you're kind of just you're stuck right with away. the journey yeah, yeah. And you're just like okay let's see it. like and you're kind of just wondering where the hell it's gonna go because it's and and that's one thing i failed to mention it's not a story that exists anywhere right like this you're not gonna like this there's nothing cliche about this story it's completely unique and travels in its own own individual it's a good point man no that's a really cars. good point Right, there's no, yep. no other film like this, uh, which is cool as fuck. Um, I can't come as high as Derek, uh, just because you know it is good, but I just don't think it's that good. Uh, and I'm gonna come about a nine out of ten. Still a very good movie, though. Yeah, this one right here, man. I was introduced to, I believe, last year. I'd never, never seen this film before. Zach actually recommended me to see this film, and the first time I watched this film, I was just 
I was floored. I was blown away by how it's so realistic and it's like so perfectly executed as a visual nightmare. You know, I, like I said, I've never seen a film quite like this before. It just, it captures the outback so perfectly. It's kind of subtle, but it catches, it just the endless, endless scenery. And, you know, but with such a small amount of people in, in setting, you know, it just seems like these people are in the middle of fucking nowhere. There's no hope. And it's just, it's captured so perfectly to me. I love the character of John because he's a very strong character, you know, in the beginning of the film. And, uh, you know, the way Kachek, he perceives this character is that he basically, you know, in a sense, he's like, he kind of thinks that he's too good for everybody. But, you know, in the end, he's just like everybody else. You mm-hmm. know, he, he succumbs to, you know, his temptations. He wants out. He gambles. He fucks up. He starts drinking. Shit goes crazy. Uh, I think everything about this this whole film, the way it just... It, it floats along like it's almost a two-hour film, and it just yeah. Yeah, there's that's, no. We recently had a conversation about long movies, right? Like and like this, I didn't know this the running time whatsoever in this one. Yeah, this one right here just kind of floats. Everything just kind of goes together so perfect. You don't even notice it. It's great, and it has some of the most awesome. Everybody in this film is a great character. Donald Pleasance, completely memorable. I mean, mm-hmm. after even one time watch, I'm sure JP, you can even quote some of the lines he said. It's it's that intriguing. The shit Soccer that he says, yeah. it's amazing. Well, I, and I like, told you, like shot- I, I even was like, damn, like I like I sometimes I'm sleeping on how fucking badass and awesome of an actor Donald Pleasance was. <laughs> yeah, man, like, Jock is the sheriff, and these little quirky things like. The bar scene, one of my favorites, like I said, you know, close at 630, it's 830, packed just shoulder to shoulder, people are drinking beer like bad men, and it's just, who gives a fuck? We live here in the Yabba, this is what we do, we play two up, fair game! Before before you go into your rating, can anybody out there predict what Moods is going to give it? (laughs) I bet you're I right, guys. You know, it's I funny because I, I literally have nothing bad to say about this movie. I, I, I every, it does, it never fails to amaze me every time I watch this film how much I, I'm engaged in it. And you know, I think this is what cinematic experiences are all about: is being engaged in a film and being so involved in the characters that even a two-hour film feels like thirty minutes. That is the best thing about this movie for me. It is one of the coolest experiences. And when I say experience, I mean, I don't even say that loosely. I mean experience as in, you need to fucking see this movie right now, ASAP. Call up Draft House. Get yourself fucking seven copies. This is amazing. Ten out of ten. I love this movie. I think, you know, like I said, my argument before was, is it possible that a Canadian might have directed one of the best, if not the best Aussie exploitation film of all time? I don't know. I'm not going to answer that question because it's up to you guys, but you know, it's amazing. I I think this movie is truly a cinematic experience that everyone needs to see. And uh, it's such a shame that I, you know, I just seen this recently because, well, it's not a shame. I'm not even going to say it's a shame. It's just, it's awesome. This came out in such a great edition. It it made us both our top. It made us both our top ones on our Australian top 10 Tuesdays moves. It did. It did. And, you know, this one has great features. You know, at least they even had the time to do it. It's even got, I think it's, there's even a commentary, which I would love to watch, listen to the commentary with. Uh, yeah, I haven't listened to it either, actually. I know. I was thinking about it after. I was like, I should rewatch this after we didn't record on Thursday. I was like, I should rewatch this film with the commentary, hear what he has to say about it, because there's a little bit of an interview with him, but I, I imagine you get a little bit more of a, you oh, know, yeah, you his thoughts and stuff with the commentary. commentary, but, you know, piece by piece kind of thing, right? But, 
Wake and Fright, man. Check it out. Yeah. So Just like when, Scorsese said, Martin Scorsese's quote on the front of the of the of the uh, Blu-ray, it left me speechless. Damn. So uh, obviously, with uh, two tens and a nine, that's a twenty-nine rating, which does make our Hall of Fame. So I'm I'm not certain, but might be the first non like horror film to make the, Gun, the Hall Gun, of Fame. Gun Woman. Gun Woman. Uh, I'm sticking with, I mean, yeah. this, this is, our podcast is, you know, horror exploitation, <laughs> yeah. you know, this, you know, this is, if it's in, if it's in, yeah. you know, you got to see it to believe it. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a movie that's fucking horrific in certain aspects, but, uh, you know, not, not, not your traditional horror film or it, very loosely, if you yeah. want to call it a horror film, but definitely exploitation, exploitation. I mean, hell, I'm no stranger to putting weird things in my top tens. So, you know, I'm not going to complain about it. Uh, we do still have two more movies to get to, and we're, like, almost four hours in. So uh, let's, let's, let's uh, move on to the next movie. All right. So moving along, and we're jumping from 1971 to 1981. And if you are familiar with me, 1981, in my opinion, is one of the best years in horror history. Mm-hmm. So many memorable films. Uh, yeah. So, from 1981, second film up here is uh, Road Games, of course. Starring, you know, some familiar faces. We got Stacey Keach in this film in a lead role. Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, this one is directed by Richard Franklin. Mm-hmm. Now, Richard Franklin actually directed a film that we talked about briefly a little bit earlier. Uh, was uh, pa- uh, Patrick. He directed yeah. Patrick. He, he directed, he directed uh, three pretty pretty notable horror films in, in just a couple of years. Yeah, it was crazy, man. He directed Patrick in 78, Road Games in 81, Psycho 2 in 83. Then he directed one of my childhood favorite films, Cloak and Dagger, which is pretty cool. He also uh, directed the orangutan movie, Link. Yeah, he directed the 86, which is going to be something we're going to have to watch for the 86 show. Um, and then uh, that's pretty much it. Like, what's up with that, man? <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Yeah, he kind of disappeared. He kind of went into TV, you know, like yeah. a lot of these directors, they end up going into TV and stuff, but... Um, road games in a nutshell here. Yeah, this oh, is sorry. like the, uh, you know, the Jamie Lee's kind of known for like five big horror movies from, from the eighties, you know, uh, I guess you can count Halloween two, which makes it six, but you know, it was, it was, uh, Halloween, the fog prom night, terror train, and of course road games, which was, mm-hmm. you know, uh, sort of the, sort of the one that, uh, is, is least less popular. I would probably say out of, out of the other ones. And I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of would think that it probably has to do with, like, its limited availability compared to the other ones over the years. I could agree I mean, with that. I mean, that's yeah, that's probably part of it, for sure. Um, all right, so quick little synopsis on the film. A truck driver plays a cat and mouse game with a mysterious serial killer who uses a young female hitchhiker as bait to lure victims to on a desolate Australian highway. Um, now, I got one word, the sentence to sum up this whole film what's that vertigo mixed with rear window on the road yeah mixed in with duel i i kind of like you know you know just not as much duel but obviously a little bit of road games yeah yeah yeah. yeah, it's this movie is very hitchcocky and it's exactly what it is so just not done as well as a hitchcock film i mean i mean you can't fuck with hitchcock really yeah (laughs) 
No, nobody can. If the Palma can't do it, then no one can. No. But I mean, that's pretty much what Franklin was going for in this film. Like he was, yeah, he got much. into the psychological aspect of the trying to lure you into certain aspects of you know Stacy Keach's um, character, know, mind state, you know his mind state. But uh, I mean, I think there's brilliant parts in the film that kind of showcase that. But I have a lot of problems with this movie, man. To be honest, okay, um, share them. You know, honestly, man. Yeah. This is a de- this is a decent film. Um, you know, I've stressed a lot of times. I, you know, how I describe this movie is this is one of the most non-feeling Australian films you could possibly watch. And it's in due to the fact that the two main characters in this film are American. Yeah. And, you know, there's not a lot of association. It really is. With- like, I, I got to just say this. Like, I know that it's Australian. And in my head, like, I know that it's, an Aus- it's like, set in Australian shit. But, like... I truly did forget. Like I'm thinking back to when I watched it. I truly did forget that it was an Australian movie when I was watching yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, me too. For the second you know, time, you know when you realize that you're watching an Australian film is when it pans out and you see him driving in the outback, and you're like, yeah, oh, like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, there you go. Because there's not a lot of con. There's not a lot of contact with like you know Australian characters. You know there is throughout the film here and there, mm-hmm. but for the most part, this movie is Stacy Keach. It's it's focusing on the psychological aspect of Stacey are these things happening or is it not happening? Or it's very it Hitchcockian, right? It's it's all in his mind, but it's a lot of Stacey Keach talking to himself. Well, well, he's not talking to himself. He's talking to Boswell. He's talking to Boswell, of course, of course. Or, you know, in a sense. I mean, Boswell's not answering. Yeah. <laughs> so theoretically, he's, a... he's talking to himself. But, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? You get this... Yeah. You get this in, you know this interpretation of like it's like watching American film. It's just so odd. It's such an odd thing. But um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I I like this film, and I like what it's trying to do most of the time. I do think that there's a lot of first of all, this film is way too long. It's way too yeah, long. There's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of scenes in this film that drag on. There's a lot of scenes I think that probably this film. I think if it had it would been edited down quite a bit i think it would have just flowed a lot better i think when it feels at times this film feels like feels like it's trying to get going it slows right down it gets into the psychological aspect a little too much at at times and even though i i enjoy those parts i think it just happens way too often scenes Mm kind of drag out at times and i think there's some unnecessary scenes um you know for the most part and things like that but uh I don't know, man. It, it, you know, I, I think this film just suffers from a bad edit, to be honest. To be honest. You know, I think it's acted quite well. I think Stacey Keach is great in the film. And yeah. to be honest, I've always stated I'm not a big Jamie Lee fan, but she's really good in this film, actually. She's yeah, not bad. Yeah. Come I like her better in this than most of her films. I know. Yeah, like, her really, I like her like, really character, good. like, connection with it. Uh, well, yeah. What I said in my it, wait, review wait. with, uh, you know, I, I said this in my review of... Um, road games that i did on my youtube channel i i feel like jamie lee was kind of most effective when she was like kind of taking a backseat which she does in this film like she's she's mm-hmm. like you know she's not the main star character she's not like yep. the, the character we're following and i feel like she works better as a secondary character and i maybe love that's this... why i like her so much in halloween too because she's like comatose <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> i love the it whole sounds scene. bad yeah i get it though <laughs> It goes. I I love the whole scene where her character is introduced. Like, and he finally stops because we do see like 
her him pat her pass him for the first time yeah. and then the second time and then the third time he stops for her and when she just looks up it's just a I think that's one of the better edited scenes of the film. Like mm-hmm. the way it was shot and how it was cut together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm done. It was just yeah, it was a perfect like uh, intro for her whole character, and then when she gets into the truck and stuff. Yeah. You know, one scene in the film. Film, could, sorry, buds. Do you think this film could have benefited from like more of like a slasher, like with a lot more? Yeah, because they kind of, because they kind of set it up as that in the beginning, kind of. You know, and that's actually awesome you guys brought that up because this film feels like that's where it's going. It's going to yeah. be the slasher type <laughs> film, but I feel like it tries to it tries to be a little too fancy in what it's what it's does, you know, um, with the ending of the film. I mean, ah, fuck, I, I don't even know how to talk about that. I, shit, Dad, I don't want to spoil the fucking film for people. Yeah. Ugh, that's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> that's, like, super annoying because I can't even really talk about it because, what was, I mean. Was there any, like, okay, what year did Duel come out? Duel came out. 78 or 70-something. Duel came out early, 72, 73. Yeah. Yeah, so there, there yeah. definitely was road horror before this. Yep. That's why I think this film had a little bit, you know, influence from Duel, you know, mm-hmm. kind of took the idea of a cat and mouse game on the road, but mm-hmm. threw in the Hitchcock. Film, and, you know what this it, almost feels like? And I wasn't, it, like, I'm not, I actually really like this movie, but um, it kind of feels like the the Hitcher is like what this film was almost supposed to be, like, when you kind of think about it, right? Like yeah. it feels like it yeah, could kinda. work better as like that type of movie, but uh, mm-hmm. which obviously the Hitcher classic road horror one of the best. Yeah, I don't know. I I think what this film is trying to do. I mean, it, it's supposed to be a psychological thriller. Like to... you know, when you're introduced to Stacy Keach's character, he and he's a... this lonely American on the road for hours and days and days on end and stuff. And theoretically, it's supposed to make you a well. little bit. You know, yeah, yeah exactly. And, you know, talking about the DDTs. Yeah, it's supposed to make you go a little bit insane. You're by yourself. So what do you do when you're by yourself? I know I do it. I fucking talk to myself. <laughs> you know, I, I don't answer games myself. And shit. Yeah. But I just figure, what's the point of thinking in my head if I'm by, if I can just talk out loud? I can just answer. I don't answer myself. But you know what I'm saying. I don't want to sound yeah. fucking or anything. But you know what I'm saying. So that's what he does. He he thinks out loud. You know, it's not talking to yourself. It's thinking out loud. Is what it is. And. I like the aspect because he's, you know, it plays on the fact that, like, you know, he's super tired and shit. Is he really seeing this shit for real? Is this shit really happening? You know, yeah. it's like, you know, I like this whole aspect of it. I think it's just really kind of slow play throughout the film and stuff. And, um, you know, honestly, I do like the payoff from the end of the film um, a little bit, mm-hmm. a little bit. I understand, you know, what it is and stuff, but I don't think it's done to the best of the ability that it could have been done. Um, I just want to know I mean, where he gets all the vegetables. <laughs> the vegetables? So he's always oh, yeah, munching yeah. on a celery stick or a yeah, carrot. Yeah, exactly. I never thought of that before. That's funny. Um, but, I mean, there is some unbelievable aspects to it, I guess, a little bit. You know, yeah, I'm, a little bit. You know, with, just with things that are <laughs> happening with his truck and things like that. And I'm just yeah. like, okay, okay, okay. You know what it is, what it is. Yeah. And then when it's... Ah, see, I don't want to get into that territory, but I mean, there's just certain aspects to it, but I just find a lot of the scenes, especially the scene where, uh, you know, him and uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, they stop off for the night and they're, you know, having their fire and things like that. And I don't, I don't really care for that scene whatsoever. Hmm. 
you know, it's not like they're trying to get like romantically involved and things like that. It's just kind of thrown in there. And then there's this little aspect of the green van. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I don't really think the you know, whole thing I, is necessary whatsoever. Like, there's nothing that really comes of that scene. I think it just slows down. Wasn't they, didn't they We're, talk about something though? Like, wasn't there some sort of like development going on? Or I can't, I can't. Yeah, we get more, a little more of her backs. I think it was it, more for character development, to be yeah. honest. Well, for her, was, it, but for, but I mean, when you really think about the story in a full, like by the end of the film, it's like it's completely un. You don't really need it. You don't well, need you, to know more about her actually as her as well, actually American is it is what it is I mean she's but, doing her thing but it brings more into his character later when he hears about like the disappearance of Pamela you know something something on the radio later though because he finds out in that scene that she was like her father was a very famous like person in like the diplomatic that, it's, true. it's true it's I mean, more of an impactful so he, moment so you wouldn't know. And you wouldn't even know as that an audience, you kind scene. of, you know, you like, you kind of wonder, like, okay, who is this chick? Like, what is she? Like, where? What's her back? Like, you know, there's there's that wonder for me. I don't know when I'm watching. I just, you know, at the same time, I'm like, I know this film isn't about her. So at the same time, I'm just kind of, I, as a viewer, I'm always distancing myself from that aspect. I guess you know, it's like I know, I, like, I'm more intrigued with his character because of the psychological element of his mental state. Yeah, but it goes into more of his psychological elsewhere when he hears that on the radio too. So for sure, it, it, for sure, it is yeah, kind I of get weird. that. I get that. I get that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I honestly like you're kind of pointing out stuff that I did. I guess I didn't really realize, like, because like you're kind of right about like the the editing and like just the it's you know it it has flaws, which I kind of didn't really notice. Like, like maybe certain scenes, mer- certain scenes could have been edited down a little more. They mm-hmm. could, they still need it for certain scenes, but mm-hmm. then they could have been edited and toned down a little bit. Oh, for sure. I mean, there, there's a few of them for sure. Um, there's also, like, I don't know if these are supposed to be intentional funny moments or unintentional funny moments, but you know, when he gets into the, that kind of that tiff on the road with the dude pulling the boat, dude, hate that. That's what like the, the one thing I hate in the whole movie. This like, movie has like no comedic elements yeah, up yeah, until the, this the point. Whole bow, the, the whole bow thing I didn't really need. Retarded. Dude, it's actually it's actually fucking stupid because yeah. why would this guy be fighting off this guy? Like what the – just let him – first of all, if you're pulling a fucking boat, you probably worry about your boat safety and shit. Like just pull off. Who fucking cares? Yeah. But the way the whole scene goes down – you know, ultimately, this it's guy's fucking, fucking slapstick, bro. But it gets it exactly my point. I knew you were going to say that too. It's fucking slapstick. The fucking pull from the from the sailboat, it like all of a sudden goes, and like you're in this fucking goddamn police academy sound effect. Listen, you know aspect. me, I'm right? Like, like stuff like that, like, so like kills me. Like I hate it with a passion. Stuff like that, like it takes it's me so far out of the out of out element of movies. Too. Yeah, yeah, like. That's the one se- – the only fucking scene that I hate more than anything in this movie. <laughs> like, you know what it's, I mean? Like, I like this movie, but that fucking scene can eat yeah. a dick. Yeah. I like this movie too, man. I just think it suffers from a, just minor flaws, you know? Like, you know, those things that, that could make a film a lot better, you know? And that's one one scene I just don't fucking understand what they spend the money to do. When you think about it, they had to hire stunt drivers. They fucking demolished a boat. They fucking – what the fuck? Like, why? How do you feel about Madeline? It's crazy, dude. It's fucking crazy. I don't know. It's so stupid. So stupid. But uh, how do how do you feel about the first Madeline day? The first hitchhiker. 
Oh, the one with um, the, the one that her husband left her in the middle. The one where he called that the husband was an accountant. Yeah. I, I honestly I can't stand the scene where she thinks she's gonna put. I think that scene is actually really poorly executed. I understand why that scene's there because it plays into the end of the film, mm-hmm. but I don't like the way it goes down because he's obviously not trying to force her off the goddamn cliff. No, he's trying to make sure she doesn't fall off the cliff. Exactly, and she's taking it like you know, and then they use that against him in the end of the film, kind of thing, you know. And but it's it's a really poorly executed scene. Like there's no. Like, it's almost laughable because you're like, dude, he's just standing there. He's being a nice guy. Like, get away from the cliff. Yeah, she's the one who just decides to, like, make a trap and try to get into the truck. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to do a scene like that, I think you have to set it up a little better than that. Maybe cause a little bit of conflict before you're standing on the edge of the cliff. Don't push me off the end of the cliff. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's your fucking killer. What? He's not a god. He was trying to uh, fucking help you the whole time. There was no indication that this guy was goddamn Ted Bundy. You know, <laughs> you're, you're the one who like decides to climb into the truck. You know, what I mean? it's, it's, you're, yeah, exactly. You're the one that got into the goddamn truck. He was he 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 didn't even get mad. He's like, okay, well, I don't pick up hitchhikers, but you can come along because I'm a nice goddamn guy. I'm not going to turn into Ted. No, fucking. I, I, uh, I really, really actually have that written down. I don't really like that scene. <laughs> so, but I, love, I understand I love, why it's there because, you know, it plays into the two or three other things that come into play. See, too, it's so. funny. It's funny. Like how, how you can watch these movies. Like, cause you sound like the shit that I normally say, but like for some reason, like I didn't even notice that. Like, I don't, I don't know why. Like, cause normally <laughs> I fucking catch shit like that. And I'm like, I bitch about it too. Well, and, like normally JP, you, to be honest, this is the second time I've watched road games in like the last month. And I'd seen Rogue Games years ago, and I didn't quite remember. I watched it again, and then I watched it again. So I picked up on a lot of stuff, right? So I was like, uh-huh. oh, Jesus, dude. <laughs> like, so I love his catch. I love his catchphrase. I've seen films multiple times. Sometimes you just overdo it. I guess you just notice everything. It's I, yeah. I love his something that kind of sucks. But one thing I want to get into is the score, though. I really love the fucking score of this film. It sounds like it's out of place, though. Like it's a Western score, kind of. You know, I think the music was. <laughs> oh, they were trying to create like, oh well, this music would sound like it'd be played in the outback or whatever. It's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about it either. To be honest, um, it feels like it should be a Western, right? <laughs> maybe a little bit, yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, the composer is a famous Australian composer. He composed like tons of Australian films, like. Brian Mays, his name. He composed Dude, Mad Max. Oh my yeah, god! I, didn't, I, I know I that name. Wrote down from, in my notes. <laughs> I actually know Brian Mays' name from. Uh, I actually knew somebody named Brian Mays. So I always notice it when it's on stuff. But the first time I ever noticed it, I think was like Elm Street Six. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, so fucking funny, Derek. I didn't realize, but I wrote down in my notes. What's with the Western soundtrack? <laughs> 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 I did too. Because I, 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 I did these notes like a week ago, right? So I didn't remember. Oh my god, that's so funny. That's fucking good. Beautiful. Good stuff. Good yeah. score, though. Okay. I don't know. I, you know, I I just I think it's a pretty decent film. I mean, I like the fact that he has a companion. I I like the dingo aspect. Yeah, yeah I like his interaction with cool, Boswell. Man. Yeah. yeah, man. You know, it also like, plays in it when somebody fucks with him too later. Oh, actually, speaking of that shit, yeah, I mean that that that's actually kind of interesting too. But you know, the scene where he's at the um, I don't know, I want to say restaurant or whatever he's trying when he's trying to call the police or whatever. Yeah, the rotating room. 
Yeah, and like they're explaining to him like, well, you got a fucking dingo, and like around here, they're you know they're bounties and blah 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 and things like that. I'm just like, uh, a lot of hatred in animals in this film. <laughs> in these films, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. I'm like, I didn't even know if that was. I mean, I'm assuming that was a real thing back in those days. There maybe was a bounty on dingoes. I don't know, but I'm just like, why? The do- they don't even fucking bark. I know they're a little bit. Is, vicious. is that true? Well, because maybe that dingo ate the baby story. I don't know. I'm assuming. You know, the Lennonberg baby? It had to have been real. I mean, it, just to throw that into a film in 1981, like, oh, there's a bounty on your dog, you know, no, you I better mean, like, fuck. No, do dingoes bark? No. Is that true? Yes, I'm that looking, is true. I'm looking it up. I don't believe you. No, dingoes don't bark. No, oh, they don't. They howl, no. though. Cool. They don't bark. Interesting. So, yeah. <laughs> Inter- so, interesting stuff. Um, I don't know. One thing that I'll say, you know, just a little little bonus here is, uh, the, did you guys check out any of the features on this thing? That you guys got the all? I have the umbrella entertainment. Yeah, we got the. Um, right? I checked out a few of the features. I checked. Oh, out so we all saw the same transfer. The transfer is good. Yeah, the transfer yeah, is good. good. The features are actually really good too. You got a commentary with Richard Franklin. Uh, Interview with Stacey Keach. Yeah, the making of road games, which is Kangaroo Hitchcock. You know, they obviously play up the Hitchcock thing. Uh, you have yep. all the uncut interviews from uh, not quite Hollywood, not quite Hollywood, which is yeah. like twenty some minutes of interviews. Uh, then there, there's this was really interesting. There's a two hour lecture on the making of road games that came out before road games came out in 1980. 1980. So a year before the movie came out, there's a fucking lecture with like the the composer Richard Franklin, and it's like in a college, wow. and it, this has not been seen. Like this is newly discovered footage, and it was yeah. really fucking neat. Like they're talking about the movie like before it came out, like 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 in like a film making class or some shit. I don't know, but that's something just neat that like you, like anytime I see stuff like that arrow does this shit a lot where they'll find like these old archive stuff. Like that's dope to me that, that like a company will go and find something like that and put it on there. Like necessarily, I'm not mm-hmm. going to watch two hours of it. You know, I watched, I think an hour of it. Uh, but for somebody who's road games is like one of their favorite movies or something. That's cool to have. Uh, mm-hmm. and there's you know there's a lot of there's a lot of features on. I was very impressed with the the special features from Umbrella Entertainment. You know, gotta gotta give them a shout out. Twenty twenty, you can get this for like twenty five bucks. A L- little bit, little little bit pricey, but you know they do do sales on Umbrella. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, check it one, out. One, you know. one thing I found out about the which, by the way, feature, they did uh, send me a screener. I should say that. I I purchased mine, but I yeah I pre-ordered mine. I think it was only nineteen bucks. I pre-ordered actually. mine. But- Pre-ordered mine too from Jake. Mm-hmm. It was cheaper. It was cheaper. I actually ordered mine straight from Umbrella. Actually, and it was I think it was nineteen when I pre-ordered or something. But remember, it got delayed so long yeah. that they actually yeah, sent yeah. me another sent me Julia's eyes for free out of the blue. Yeah, <laughs> that was that, awesome. That's a, that's a really good uh, good Come. good release there, especially since you can't get it in the U.S. on Blu-ray. Yeah. One yeah. one thing I liked about the special features is I learned something about because I believe this happens in Stacy Keach's career a lot lately when reading about special features of like certain films that he's in, that Sean Connery was actually supposed to play that role. <laughs> Sean Connery. Really? Yeah. It's the same thing happened to him in the night configuration. Like it was supposed to go to another role that character he played in that film. And he's just, Oh, so Stacy Keach is basically number two. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> do, you, do you know how this movie would have been like? Me and Brandon always joke better. about this all the time. How that's funny. 
if they had instead like I like Stacey Keach, right? Like I like him in yeah. hair from body bags, like 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 I like uh, him. But if but I the whole time I'm like, you know who would have killed this fucking role? Tommy motherfucking Atkins would have killed it. Yeah, maybe I mean I, I could see Tom Atkins in it. I, I think Stacey Keach is really good in this role, I, though. I like Stacey uh, Keach, you know. but I love Tom Atkins. <laughs> so, I, I, I mean, shit, man, we go so far to see so, My uh, boy Jeffrey Combs would have killed that shit, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, do you guys want to hop into ratings on this one? Sure. Sure, man. All right. JP, uh, go first. I'll go first. I'm going to be honest, man. Like, Moods kind of talked me down a bit on this one. Like, I was a little <laughs> higher on it before I started this podcast. Yeah, I actually like, have a little higher rating, too. <laughs> like, like I, I dropped my rating a whole entire point because I was like, wait a minute. Why did I like this movie so much? Because <laughs> I couldn't think of anything. Um, so I did give it an 8 initially, but I'm going to drop it down to a 7. 7. Shit. Shit. Uh, yeah, man. I... I... I, I, you know, honestly, I do like this film. I, I think it's actually pretty good. I think, like I said, you know, before, I think it suffers from a few technical aspects of editing and things like that. But um, it's it's very enjoyable. It's uh, I'm glad that Derek pointed out the uh, the oddball soundtrack, and it's pretty pretty interesting. Um, I don't know, man. You know, the very last shot in this film. I know it's definitely not needed, but it does make me laugh. So. <laughs> I'm gonna give it a little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, a little bit of a kid there, but but um, yeah, I'm gonna go with six and a half on this one. I think it's a pretty good film. I I, I think that this one just could have been a lot better, in my opinion. Um, but I think the performances are good. I, honestly, Jamie Lee, this is one I of my like favorite. The roles. road atmosphere and like the cat and mouse thing. Like I forgot to mention that. I do like that. Uh, yep, yep, I do like that too. And I do like the reveal of what's happening with that, too. I think that's actually kind mm-hmm. of interesting on how they did that, you know. But if you're familiar with Hitchcock stuff, you know, you'd probably kind of expect that a little bit, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's it's still – it's a good film. Recommend it. I would – I like Stacey Keish as an actor. I always grew up watching him in, of course, like Cheech and Chong films and all that good stuff. And I really enjoy him in this role a lot, but – like I said, it's a little long and overdrawn, and even though the oddball soundtrack is oddball and doesn't really fit the movie, I still kind of like it. And even though it doesn't perform like a Hitchcock level, I still really enjoyed it for what it was. I'd give it like a 7.5 out of 10. Shit. I was actually quite surprised you come in about 7. Damn! What did he I give it? Was... What did you give it? 7.5. Oh, okay. What was you at before Moods talked us down? 8.5. Okay, so you came down a point. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I liked it. I thought I liked it more than I did, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, I guess. <laughs> That's <All> funny. Right. <laughs> um, so let's, let's roll on to the last feature here. Yes. Yes. Uh... <clears throat> Yeah, so I guess we're jumping from 1981 to the glorious year of 1986. So, again, we were killing two birds with one stone here, weren't we, Oh, shit, I didn't even realize that. That's awesome. Yes, so this is actually, oddly enough, not intentional, but this is the second 86 film I reviewed on the film, or on the the show, on the film. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. but um, Dead and Driving, directed by Brian, how do you say, Tantred Smith? Brian Tantred Smith. Yeah, who's... 
actually got quite a different uh, filmography. filmography. Yeah, let's, he's talk got... his, let's talk about his Australian <laughs> films first. <clears throat> okay, well, you can start naming them off. I mean, he's got he's got lots Turn of shoot man from Hong Kong. Uh, let's see what else he directed. BMX Bandits. BMX Bandits, one of my favorites. Yeah. Tons of... Stunt Rock is Australian, though, isn't it? Yeah, Stunt Rock. Yeah. And, and then we get first get into like American cinema, like his first major American film, which is actually a pretty decent film. He directed the Vietnam film Siege from Firebase Gloria, mm-hmm. which I, mm-hmm. I enjoy that one. And you Jump probably... United the Demons 2. Then he went into Leprechaun 3. Then which, he went, is, which is the best sequel. And then he went into Leprechaun 4. <laughs> which is the worst sequel. <laughs> Hold on, wait a minute. I wasn't paying attention. What are you guys talking about? Dude, this guy directed Leprechaun 3. And, and 4. four. Yeah. And Night of the Demons 2. So we've count. actually covered like three Night of the Demons already. Too. Dude, damn. We covered a lot of this dude's films. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And like, like I said, if we ever did like an exploitation 2, like, we have to cover something like... Who knows? Maybe throwing turkey shoot just for the fuck of it, man. You know, it's uh, like well, I, I might actually bring that up later when we get into this film. So it, it's fuck. It's such a fun fact. <laughs> yeah, I might, I might, I might actually get into like, something about this film, about that film. So, all right. So, Dead End Driving comes in 1990, 1996, 1986, and uh, the synopsis of it in the near future, which I'm assuming 1988. No, I think it's 1991. Actually, set in. I think oh, really? that's what it is. I think it's 91. It's not 100% clear. I know when they're talking about it, 88, but they do show 9091 in like the kind of explanation to why there's all the shit that's going on. I don't know. Could be 88, could be 91. Who knows? In the near future, drive-in theaters are turned into concentration camps for the undesirable and un- unemployed. The prisoners don't really care to escape because they're fed and they have a place to live, which is, in most cases, probably better than the outside. Crabs, which is the main character, and his girlfriend Carmen, which is goddamn fucking beautiful, oh, yeah. uh, are put into the camp, and all Crab wants is to escape. So basically what happens is him and his girlfriend, they go to the – he buddy, he, he uh, borrows his – what is it, his brothers? or his, Yeah, his, his brother his Frank's car. Frank's his, car brother yeah. Frank, his brother Frank's awesome 56 Chevy, which is just fucking beautiful, uh, takes his girlfriend out to the drive-in where – he can't leave because that's what they're doing in the near future because the economy uh, in Australia has completely fallen and, you know, uh, all the shitheads have uprised and destroyed the, the country. So now what the government is trying to do is this is their, their plan, you know, to create these concentration camps or refugee camps, however you interpret the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the film. Um, so they hold them in these places until they decide what they're going to do with them, which is an interesting aspect to the film. It makes it a very dark film. Uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> like, like I don't no, think I, it really makes sense. There's a, there's a lot sense. of subtext here. Man. I there's love how subtext in this film, like, man. All it's the generations of, I love how all the generation of '80s are stuck in like this concentration camp. <laughs> I, I love this movie because it's it's a it's a hyper political film dressed up as a music video. I love like the whole beginning and the beginning title shot is like. Straight, like, 80s music video style. This whole goddamn movie is... That's what it is. It's a fucking music... Like, I mean... And what I mean by music video is... I'm not literally talking MTV music video. I'm talking about the aesthetics of the film. I mean, everybody is so overly done. 80s aspect, you know? It's like... You're like punk rock hairdos and flock of seagulls. It's just all the shit is in one area. It's great, man. I love it. But 
the thing is there's the underline of the film it's it's a super political film because you know at this time in australia you know the economy was suffering and this is the answer to you know the times. It's, it's a it's a period piece is what it is so if you know a little bit of history then it's what it is so but it's an interesting aspect of the film because you know i love how the star driving acts as you know is it a concentration camp or is it a refugee camp which they do showcase both aspects of it but they never give you the definite answer to it because they tell you these people are here until the government decides what you are going to what they're going to do with you and that doesn't it, it, it doesn't entitle that they these people are going to live mm-hmm. the government might be fucking genociding these kids man we don't know. We don't know. And I think that's what separates Crab from the rest of the characters is that Crab's and you know, he not only wants to get the fuck out of there, he never states, oh, I'm going to fucking die in here. He just wants to get the shit out. But that's, you know, it's represented symbolism for get the shit out of here because this is Nazi Germany all over again, which there's a fucking whole scene that has to do with concentration camps in Nazi Germany in the fucking film. Yeah, it's uh-huh. amazing what, how the subtext all comes together in the film. <laughs> You're going a little too deep on this one. So wait a minute. Um, one problem that I have is unlike this film, I've seen this movie Na- like twenty Nazi times. Nazi Germany, uh, people don't fucking like just want to stay there. Like I felt like that was a pretty big flaw. That like he's the only fucking well, guy in this well, entire no, place. Dude, you're out. you're misinterpreting it. These kids don't know. They think that they're just stuck there until they're being let out. Either way, they're, dude, they're, they're just like, happy they're fucking these kids have no people. employment. Like, these kids have no employment. People. They have they have no employment. They have no jobs and stuff. But the reason why they're happy to be there is because they're paying they, for them to stay there. They, yeah, they get like, them all the drugs awesome. and weed and we have exactly. Yeah, they, they I mean, still, bro, like I don't know. Yeah. That, it's like the it's a little hard to believe that every fucking person wouldn't want to leave. Like no, no, oh, no, I, that nobody would, you know. Besides, maybe that. they did when they first started, but then well, of they course, started. but but you're you know they're actually feeding them drugs and stuff to keep them there. Yeah, but I don't. They're yeah. happy, and the reason why they're doing this is to keep them calm. They don't want an uprise, right? So they give them the drugs. They they give them meal tickets. They give them food. They give them the freedom to do whatever the fuck yeah, they want, you know, like jail, until, like jail, right? Like, but people don't want to be in jail. I know, but this is different. But how's it different? They, it's jail because they they're get in the, jail. <laughs> no, because it's not classified as jail. When you get, when you put jail, someone man. in jail, they're in jail. No, it's like Gen Pop jail, dude. Like, the, they the, don't the, see it like that because you have to remember the outside world is in shambles. These kids are just happy yes. to eat a meal. Like, like the one on the world. This is why they're so happy, and this is why they're not fighting it. But Krabs is the outcast. He's the strong one. He's like, fuck this. There's a life outside there somewhere. I want to get out of here. You gotta and remember the, It's a nice contrast. It's a nice contrast. I, the one, it's, it, it's, a well, little, the one, it's a little much. It's a very, it's a, it's very a political film. Well, well, the one character, Dave, the, you know, the one with the flock of seagulls, one of those... Those uh, those punk the, the gang of guys that he meets. Yeah, the guy that ends up being Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, yeah, that guy. He's like, "Where'd you come from? I came from nothing. I lost my job. I was shitting yeah, it yeah, off." Yeah, I know he does. You know, but there's a lot of fucking people there, man. Like, like the the very fact that like that's what to adds me, to the, 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 the problem is awesome. the the fact that he's the only one to be like, "I want to get out." Is almost as bad as. Every other single person doesn't want to. Like, but I think you're just... missing the point, though, JP. It's because he's also the way the way they showcase Krabs and his girlfriend, and they're, they're the newest ones in there. Yeah. They're like the latest addition. So he's. Mm-hmm. I'm sure other people at one point were like that until they realized that they're eating okay, for free. They're getting drugs for free. Point, why is it that like when they come in, when they bring in the new people, like 
nobody's like, hey, this is a fucking jail, by the way. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, they're they're all sitting there for a very long time, like, in their cars. Like, like I, it just doesn't, it's just, it's unrealistic. Completely. I don't know, maybe because they got the fucking popo running around there. I Who mean, knows? It, I mean, like, I'm, not, I'm it, not thinking too hard into, you know, why, you know, and shit like that. I mean... It is what it is. I mean, I, there is the same thing that you was doing with the the other film though. I mean, these are like valid questions. Like, like I was kind of confused by that. I'm like, well, why the fuck did they all sit there so long with like doors open and shit? Like, like, like the whole night before the fucking tires are stolen, like nobody like says said, anything. There's well, that's the way they get. That's how... It's because they're happy there. I mean, the, a lot of the kids. I mean, they. I mean, look at his girlfriend. She instantly. She comes from a shit area. She knows that if she leaves here, she's going to be unhappy. Mm-hmm. She's being. She's like there. She fucking it gets food. It does help that apparently the rest of the world has kind of been shambles because of the opening. Uh, well, that's and the whole stuff. point. It would have helped whole, a little yeah. bit if they kind of like the car boys and stuff that a little bit more. Yeah, like there's nothing out there. They said the empl- unemployment was like under, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't even know the five percent or whatever it is. So or employment. So it's like Jesus, dude. There's no world out there. So all they want to do is eat. And if they're getting fed drugs, they're teenagers, man. Yeah, but they just – okay, but that's the thing though also is like they, they don't really – they don't seem like broken down, beaten people. Like they, they seem they seem like fucking regular people. No, because the, the, the whole idea of you know keeping them kind of kosher is you – know, Give them water, them give them food. Yeah, give, give them, them food. Just kind of keep them at that level. Keep them happy. Have you, you guys know, that, ever been inside a jail? Yes, like, I have it, actually. It, like that's the, like too. it reminded me of jail. Like okay, like no, we not, get, not we really. Get, it's more open I up get and food. stuff. I get, well, they do talk well, yeah, about this with like, electrified it, fences and shit like that. You, I mean, you know what it kind of remind you know what it kind of reminded me of kind of like a slum area, kind of like District Nine in a way. That's what. Ex- yeah, or like uh, you know they live and shit. With but the, you have to admit though, man, the fucking the aesthetics of this film it looks so yeah, it looks good, so fucking cool. I just think that, that like, like the, the scenario st- to get it all to like, work is just like kind of, kind of a I, little bit of fun. I love that whole scene where Krabs and Carmen are just but walking along all is, the cars. Yeah, I mean it's it's so simple though. It's just like. Who like, the fuck I'm would be, rather be on the why? outside like, why starving? Could, why, who'd, who'd rather be on the outside starving when you could be on the inside eating? You know, and that's that's exactly well, what Well, then they it, failed it to showcase that, that aspect of the film, the aspect of the outside world. Because I have all these questions here. And, I'm, and like... They didn't fail to show the outside world. They well, showed, they showed it, the man. crab boys destroying shit. They showed, they showed his brother, like, fucking fighting for his life, picking up those dead bodies in those vehicles and shit like that. Like, that's the yeah. world you want to live in? Weird. That, I, that scene... You mean, like, at the train yard or whatever? No, like, the intersection where the, the car crash happened in the beginning of the film before yeah, crab got stuck in the... He's driving with his brother, driving. yeah. Yeah, like, he's there, and he's like, what the fuck? Like... This, like, who would want to live in that world? That's ridiculous. Like, that's crazy. You're not even – you're fucking struggling on every aspect of life. It's ridiculous. So – I don't know, dude. I mean, it's... honestly, I think I think the way the kids see it, they're already kind of outcasts. You put them into these, you know, these concentration refugee camps I, is what they – I understand, but I don't see how it has to be every – like, there's hundreds of people. Like, like nobody is fucking also trying to get out. Well, like, it just didn't make sense to me. Well, it – they could have been, but we just didn't see them. You know what I mean? Well, I just kind of have to take it for what it is, man. I mean, it's it's coming you back. I think that's how long they've been doing this too. They don't care stuff. about the open door. That's the whole point of it, okay, though, JP. Okay. When the door I, opens, I, I just, they don't I, want I us think it's because why would you? Okay, why would you want to escape something when you're being fed? I don't know. And you have dude, a place like, to like you get and fed you have in no jail too. Life. Like nobody fucking wants to be there, man. They, 
even if they, they live out on the street, man, I fucking know this, dude. Like, yeah, but dude, in jail, people, those, but in our yeah, world, in people our, that's institutionalizing we, we live in a first world country where <laughs> jail <laughs> sucks. Even in like third world countries, man, people don't like being locked up, man. Yeah, don't like being locked up. The thing about this being in jail, though, is there is nothing actual people are actually giving you the supplements cops don't give you the drugs yeah, and stuff. I mean, I'm just saying, don't man. live in a country where the outside is a fucking war zone. Yeah, in but there are countries that's... where the outside is a war zone. People do know, not like talking... being locked up. Yeah. They, make, they make it their own community is pretty but much. This is, but this is... It... With Thompson overseeing it. Yeah, it's I mean, a happy... It's... Dude, it's a happier place. They've accepted the fact okay, that they're being then, they're then, allowed to eat a meal in here without well, worrying about fucking. If it's so good, like right? if it's so good, like then why the fuck is our dude so worried about getting out? Then it's it's the same because thing. because you have to have you have to have that contrast. Well, he, well, he had a better life probably than half girlfriend. these kids. Okay, so there's the nobody else that had. He wants out because he just believes that there's Either a way. he's an well, optimistic person. He's an optimistic, strong character. He he believes that being in yeah. here, there's no future. Where the other people don't give a shit about this. Where he figures if he goes back home, you know, maybe the world will turn itself around. Like, he, he per- truly believes it, which he even be? said. Which person would you be? Which person would I be? Yeah. Well, lazy as fuck, man. I'd be the girl, man. Fuck no, I'd be crabs in a second. I'd want the fuck you, out Derek? of there. I'd be probably crabs. Okay, me too. That proves my fucking point. We'd all be crabs because we don't want to be stuck there. But, we, but I'm not. But dude, we're, it doesn't. It doesn't prove anything. But, but, There's a million people out there. With, a, bit, a little but, bit, man. I'm just saying. At least show that, some other people that don't want to be there. Just show them, and I'll be happy. Look, it's it, look, dude. I think Carmen in the beginning again, of it is getting doesn't want to really be there either until she starts getting to know more people. That's the problem with crabs. He didn't want to get to really know anyone either. Too. You know what I mean? Yeah, because he's not an idiot, and he wants out. He's the only smart character in the entire movie. That, this is kind of like an Does everybody else in the movie no, seem dumb to you? Everyone. No, it, Every it single person but, seems dumb. Well, of course, but the, you're all, we're also getting no, the impression they're, they're, they're that all characters have been in there for a long time. They've they're also all... been in there for a long time. That's the point. They didn't really showcase We're that, seeing the though. brand new characters. We're seeing the brand new characters in there. And Krabs is like, fuck this place. You know, and, and of course, the contrast is girlfriend. She's like, "No, this place is pretty good, man. We can eat here. We can live worry yeah, free." The dumb, Why? like everybody else in the movie. Yeah, but dude, you put yourself in that situation, man. Like honestly, like I mean, you would you would probably second guess, you know, leaving. I mean, if you have nowhere to go on the outside, if you uh, had no food on the outside or food on the inside, where would you go? For man, real, for real. Like I'm not gonna get into this, but like that, like that. That's that's a fucking pretty heavy shit though. Honestly, it is dude, like pretty a, heavy people, shit, dude. A lot of people would honestly stick around where the food is because that's gonna make them live. Yeah, cut, like there, there's a few people, but more often than not, they don't want to be locked up. I've seen it. Like I, I know. I, I mean, you're well, getting if, if it's, this dude, it, you're getting drugs and shit. You're getting uh, drugs, you're getting pot, you're getting hookers. They have like a little prostitution ring going. I mean, dude, food there's tickets, drugs and all. There's so much drugs in jail. It's unfunny. Like it's it's, it's very not, much. Could you, jail. could you have sex with a girl though, though in jail? You can but have sex not, with somebody who says they're a girl in jail. But they don't know. But, it's not. It's not classified as jail. It's just a place. It, <laughs> You don't gotta There's... be. You don't gotta be a fucking rocket science to see it's jail, dude. The fucking fences are electrified. Of course, of course. But 
it's it, because it doesn't of... matter okay like i'm i'm not i'm not even i don't that's not even a huge fucking negative for me you know i'm just saying that it's kind of dumb I, I don't i i mean it's it's a it's a futuristic film well, obviously set in the future from the present time it was made but yeah yeah um, but you know what i'm saying it's like you know the fucking there's no economy there's nothing there yeah. I, I understand what this star driving is doing the government's trying to clean up the country i understand the whole idea of the film it's it's just a, like it's a major heavy political film and it's kind of funny when you watch this film and if you just take it for what it is you're like oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah but like, like why, when you really look into it, in, why do they bring in cars with tires on them like I don't, I don't get that either. It's like you're, you're, like you're giving them tools to like get out, or like you, like you know, like why, why are they, why are they like? It just seems like they're they're dumb as fuck. Like every character is dumb. Like they, they leave their get their I fucking truck the unattended. Like I, what the I, think I think they're, I think they, I think they do as a test to, to test who actually goes for the tires and stuff. I know. Like, I actually interpreted that they were cleaning up the outside. They were bringing them into somewhere else. I don't know. I okay. honestly well, don't maybe, have an answer. But I, I mean, but I think but, it was like, a test too the, to see who was iffy. What, and who was actually what indication go for the tires. did you get from that, Derek? Well, because you don't see any other characters going to the cars, I think. And uh, yeah, when, but you don't see but, them watching him either. But then you, you but then you see Tom him do it. Well, you don't know that either. Maybe Thompson's watching him because yeah, Thompson. We can only go with what we see as as as. You know, there's no speculation towards it. You know, there's no like hint I'm just, that they would be doing I'm, that. Yeah, I'm just pretty much speculating this. I think it's just a test and stuff to I see. Mean, listen, but they probably, but they, but they're probably used to it. No one actually going to the cars either, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I like this movie, and I had a blast watching it. Uh, I had more fun watching this than I did w- with both the other two. Like fun, you know. I liked Wake and Fright more, but but this one was really fun. But I think I think that it's really dumb too. Like the whole time I was like, "What?" Like I, they're just they're they're doing like the characters, like all of them, like even the, well, you like get, the police. You everybody's dumb as fuck. They're but all if doing you're looking dumb at things. how we're looking at it, though, it's not dumb. Okay, so when because... okay, if you're if you're worried about dude, which they clearly are, right? They're clearly worried about dude because he's they, they notice that he's smarter and he's more he's more capable and he's asking questions and stuff. Why are you Dude, leaving it's your, because, your truck? Because they're not. Because they're it's not. Because he, they're doing a job. The government says when these people are are in here, keep them in here. Yeah. All they're trying to do is salvage their job. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't give a fuck about the people in there. They just don't want people to escape because then that's on them. Exactly. It's just like exactly. any job. Exactly. It's that's like my point. Job. That's my point, homie. You're not listening. Like, so why leave your truck unattended? What? So you can steal the fucking gas out well, of it. Well, oh, maybe the, maybe well, they're used to it too. You know what I mean? But they also showed him. They also showed him sneaking around, like you know, like he was still, you know, bro, fucking like you know that, invisible, man. Come on, I mean, I mean, you have to give it some. Type dumb, of... But yeah, you do. But you gotta admit that's dumb. It's dumb of the police to to do that. They they're very bad police. I think these are pretty but, minor things. Well, to they're probably used to not wanting escaping it, it, either. In, too. in isolated incidents, dude. Yes, it's minor, but it's all throughout the film. Like, like they leave their computers unattended. What you don't think nobody's ever gonna look at them? Like, come on, bro. Like, like the whole movie is just because he's obviously but, mad but that they... he's on the computer and he's like, "What the hell? You shouldn't be doing that," you know? So like, it, it's just stuff like that where I'm like, "Well, these people." Well, could he also just does say and kill everybody. He, he also does say he's like during the day, you know, I'm here by myself. So if he has other shit to do, like what do you, I mean, I guess you could lock the doors and stuff. Of course, yeah. There's there's minor ridiculous moments in the film for sure, but it's those are like 
very minuscule thing. I mean, like, they who clearly really have should... guns. Like what? They, they clearly have people. There's like no guards. There's. It's just. I, I don't know, man. It's just. It's. It's a little bit of. Well, they don't have guard. On. They don't have guards because it's locked up and the fences are electrified. You can't go near the fences. Mm. Yeah. That's why I they mean, don't have he, guards. Well, you. you well, you, the, he clearly gets out. <laughs> like I don't know. Well, he like, jumps over the fucking fence in the in the in the popo's truck, man. Of course, he has to really break for that. He has to really work for that. Shit. All right. I don't know, man. Oh. Yeah, like I don't. I just feel like you, you're fighting really hard to avoid the fact that some things are stupid. Yeah, I'm just... not saying they're not, but I, yeah, I understand. Kind of I understand. No, but I'm also looking at it from a fucking. From a from a positive aspect of what they're trying to do here too, it's mm-hmm. like, it, you know, I understand completely. You know, it, it's a political film about you know these. Fuck, man, it, it's really not that stupid, man. I understand there's things that happen inside that are stupid, but mm-hmm. at the same time, the overall aspect of the film and what they're trying to convey here is actually not that bad. No, no, there's yes. definitely like it has meaning and stuff. I'm not saying that it doesn't. I'm just saying well, that what we're seeing the characters do, all of the characters, all of the characters except for our lead character, they're making bad decisions, they're doing dumb things, and it's kind of, it's kind of, it's really fucking stupid and fuckery. We're making whole, bad, who's making bad decisions? But, every but again, but that's, but that's coming back If we watch the film the, back right now, if we did a commentary, I could point it, out though. so many things. I wish I would have The argument notes. for these characters is the fact that they want to be there. That's why you think they're making super decisions no, because no, no, you're no, 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 because sure, even the police, even the, the head you... guy in charge is making dumb decisions. Like, oh, Thompson, yeah, 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 they're all making dumb decisions, dude. Like all of them. Well, they're probably not used to like this guy, like who's asking all these questions too. You know what I mean? He's yeah. probably not I used mean, to it's that. Still, it's honestly, still a level it's... of of like, like you know, it's a fucking. There honestly is a, a lot professional of professional offer operation you there. People that work here, like the people that actually work inside the Star Drive-In, you know, you take, for instance, They're the probably... lady that works in the restaurant. Like, wh- where is she coming and going? Like, <laughs> does she live? Yeah, is, does she have, like, a place like, on the property? There's also just the fact that, like, okay, like, some of these people legitimately like... seem dangerous, right? Like, like all the employees that are working, that like, the people, in the per- like, the chick in the kitchen and stuff, like... Like, okay, so she's just unguarded, unprotected. Like, like if you're treating them like criminals, like, you, like it's kind of like a flaw in the film to not then have them be criminals. Because they are. We're seeing them do things that are criminal-like. And, you know, it's like... No, they're, they're just trying to control the people that are unemployed. Yeah. Because they don't want them ruining the outside world more and more that's mm-hmm. the problem that they've yeah. had there's no employment so yeah. they're just basically taking everyone they're put they're lumping everyone into like a big uh, into like a big bubble you know you're unemployed you're a piece of shit so like we're gonna control you until we get the control on the outside world going and then we're gonna fucking you know and if we don't get this going and that's kind of the interesting part of the film is that if we can't get the outside world yeah kind of straightened but, out okay. we might have to genocide you guys and you know and that's I like that aspect. I think that's, yeah, that's really that's fucking really, really cool. I, I agree. That that is cool. I'm just like okay, like for example, our lead character is asking like similar questions that we are. He's fucking just as confused at why everybody's dumb as fuck. Like so it's like, yeah, dude, you're right. Like you should be confused. Why did the filmmakers hmm. make everybody dumb as fuck? <laughs> and he's supposed to be like a staple for us as the audience. I mean that would make more sense. I mean, yeah, that's anytime you have a protagonist just. But, to... but this whole film like breaks the fourth wall, anyways, with like certain scenes that 
kind of really want to delve into more. So could we wrap that part up? <laughs> yeah. Because so, so which scenes break the fourth wall? Yeah. I'm well, the drive-through scenes in particular, because the films they actually watch. What films do they watch in the film at the drive-through? I think are they watching Turkey Shoot at one point? They're watching okay. Turkey Shoot and Man from Hong Kong. So you're watching oh, yeah. Brian Trenchard Smith films and a Brian yeah. Trenchard Smith film. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. necessarily break the fourth wall. The, the I mean, it, really, there. you know what that is? That's called shameless promotion of your other films. Right. <laughs> in a, in a yeah, sense. Yeah, that's called paying uh, homage to your own work. <laughs> <laughs> I would do it too, man. I don't give a fuck. Um, but I don't know, man. Like, I, like, this is fucking, like, I almost have a problem with saying that this is like you know this this fucking like not dumb movie like it is a blast like i had i had a lot of fun with this one i love the setting i love the atmosphere i love all the graffiti on the walls and the way that everybody looks and it's fucking it feels like a post-apocalyptic like like you know class of 1988 or or, or 1999 or any of those type of films right yeah yeah yeah. one thing those films all have in common you know toxic avengers stuff like that is just that they're cheesy and dumb but you know like that's how i viewed it like obviously moods viewed it slightly different than me like he he took it a little little more serious honest the first couple times i've watched this film i never really picked up on you know the social commentary of the film because i didn't realize that you know at the times you know the shit was bad you know like you know employment and things i didn't really even get that and then when I, I, I watched it again, so I was like, oh, I'm going to do a little bit of research. I'm like, oh, shit, man. Yeah, that's exactly I, what he's trying to fucking tell. It's they, like, wow, this actually was pretty bad. So he just kind of took it one step further and, and kind of took, you know, aspects of, you know, everything, man. He incorporated, like, I, you know, Nazi Germany into it. And like and things, you know, with the refugees coming in, they're going to rape our women and shit. And it's like, yeah, and I okay, do now, now it's turned that. into its own society. And now I, it's turned into its own society. You know, it's like, shit, man, that's really kind of interesting i love i do feel like he did that and he snuck it into a cheesy 80s fucking you know film and like i i i do believe that all those messages are there like they're clear and i believe that that i knew i knew more about those going in because i believe they mentioned them in the exploitation documentary which i had seen before this film obviously yeah they do yeah i mean i don't even honest i honestly don't even remember i mean tarantino talk about it yeah 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 but, I just haven't seen it in a long time. But, but. you know, so I, I was aware of that, and I see all that stuff, too. It's clearly there. I, I was just saying that, like, yeah, it's there in, like, a cheese fest, like, you know, kind of, like, not really well thought out, like, storyline in terms of, like, the non-social commentary stuff. It's 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 a, it's a basic well, maybe, idea. I mean, well, maybe I he was trying to make an 80s film in an 80s film, that's too. How I thought. Was, that's how I took it, too. You know. And I think he was he was trying to make, you know, you know, not make the film fucking overly serious. I mean, you could make this type of serious, like serious, seriously, you know, and maybe that's what he wasn't going for. He wanted to make a fun type film. Just kind of throw this underlying social commentary into there where people might pick up on it. And, you know, for him, maybe he didn't give a shit. He's like, if you get the social commentary. Yeah, that's that's how I feel. Who gives a fuck? Then you're still gonna have fun. You know why? Because the goddamn soundtrack is fucking amazing. Yeah, the the soundtrack and the the movie's fun. The when they fight. walk into the restaurant, when they first walk into the restaurant, and you see those two black guys doing the breakdancing shit, the song that's playing on the TV by the expression called "Small Braveland" is one of the most catchy fucking songs ever. Yeah. I mean, when I first watched this movie way back in the day, I had that song stuck in my head forever and could never ever locate it because it's like this 
the expression was a band that oh, shit man they're only together for three or four years in australia at the time and their shit's like super hard to find you know it's like i always wanted to get that music you know and hearing it again watch this i love it so much it's like the most catchy shit man it's great i love that fight scene that, yeah right. <laughs> Heza, Heza looks like zach and lemmy from motorhead mixed together <laughs> yeah, what the fuck is with the one tall dude the one skinny dude where he's just like he talks so ridiculous like it's his acting is way over the top and shit he, when he's laughing he's like <laughs> the, the very tall dude that he fights right like what the fuck yeah yeah it's like yeah, what that's the, the guy that yeah that's the guy who looks like zach and lemmy from motorhead mix that's together. that's right that's right yeah oh my god man <laughs> is so ridiculous it always it, it just uh so, so um you know my my thing is like i any movie that is like you know fun and has like the, the like cool like cool action stunts like there's a lot of cool fucking stunts in this movie yeah the settings dope as fuck like like but it, like in my yeah, opinion the it aesthetic is of the film it's great it, like it looks so fantastic for like a pretty low budget is film. amazing like the whole set piece to the like, i love the whole is like, amazing dude i like, love the whole scene where him and carmen are just walking to the diner and you see like yeah. this montage of like you see like the community of like people and they're like yeah. people are hanging clothes and yeah, stuff yeah, like, yeah and you know it's it's awesome too because there's you know uh all, all these cars like there's a lot of fucking broken yeah the cars, cars. are like, awesome that's crazy like that seems like it would cost so much money to bring those all in but you know you <laughs> got much. all of that you got all of that and like some movies are just dumb and fun but some movies that have like you know extra stuff added in like the social commentary elevate those dumb fun movies i still think it's a dumb and fun movie but i i do i am aware that there's other stuff going on as well which which is anytime <laughs> you have that Anytime you have that, right, it, it's always going to make the movie better. And that's what mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, movies that are that are a little cheesy and dumb, like a lot of them are just that. They don't have anything else. And that mm -hmm. those are the ones that I'm kind of down on a little bit more. But One thing about this film that always kind of made me laugh, though, is getting back to the dumb and fun aspect of the, of the film is, you know, when the when they first get in there. You know, everything's going all good. They're watching the film. They're doing their sex and shit like that. Mm -hmm. and, uh, their sex. <laughs> they, but when they drive in, there's actually like an overhead shot. When they drive into the, the, the start the, driving, yeah. everything is pretty kosher, man. All the cars look pretty good. Yeah, everything's in order. But, and, and then when they, and when they lose their tires and by the time they wake up in the morning, it's like goddamn fucking Kosovo in there. It looks like, <laughs> it's a like Mad a Max. It yeah, like you the know, end of Mad Max. I mean, movie. there's no explanation for that, but at the same time, it's like, how do you ever do it? I mean, you know, the second you pulled up in there, if you saw the place was like a, like a fucking catastrophe, yeah, you probably just put I'm that just, that, that, that was out part of, of my, you know, like I don't really like that doesn't make sense. But one thing that I thought was pretty interesting, right? Like, I think the whole fucking thing that the whole reason that this ever happened to him is because he was a little cheap. You guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Well, I mean, they also, you know, when he first comes in there, when he first comes in, he's like, yep, two for, uh, two unemployed. Yep. Yeah, because it said, like, the tickets. Oh, my. Yeah, the tickets they tell were, him. like, not, like, nine bucks or something, and for unemployed, it was, like, three. And, I, like, yeah. first of all, that's a funny moment, but that's also dumb. Yeah. Like, that's a dumb, that, that's not realistic. At that's, all, how they, right? that, that's how they but choose. That's what I'm talking well, about when the movie's dumb. Like, it does But you got to like remember, that. in 1986, and this movie is supposed to be set in the future, I think when they looked at that, they're like, eh, whatever. It is. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, we're watching that's movie, the like, type so of stuff that I'm talking about when I'm like, it's yeah. dumb. But, you know, it's funny because, like, oh, shit, like, he took the unemployed ones, so they're like, 
you know, right, that's how we they got a, we choose got, in the, in the red Chevy, we got an unemployed too couple, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's how they pick them. That's how they pick them. The unemployed. So he was like wrongly there, you know, just cause he's cheap. I got to talk about fucking, um, Natalie McCurry. She's the lead actress in the film. Carmen, yeah. Yeah. Carmen, man. Fuck dude. That. Like she's so goddamn gorgeous. Like a, you know, I always had like a crush on her when I was younger and I was like, man, she's so good looking. Did you know that? You know, she, what's that? She's dead. Yeah, I know. She she actually became Miss Australia in 1989. Yeah, she did. Mm-hmm. And then she died of cancer a couple of years ago. And I was like, oh, I'm so bummed. I, I just found that out right now. And I was like, oh, dude, I'm so bummed out. I was like, that's crazy. What the fuck, man? That's terrible. But uh, yeah, yeah, cause, yeah, she was really, really hot, man. Yeah, she <laughs> like, was really looking. Yeah, I wanted her to attractive. get like naked more. I was surprised that that didn't happen. She she, she had so surprised that like she showed she her. She had yeah, she had so little. Yeah, she had Australia three years later or four years later. That's <laughs> <laughs> like that's totally awesome, man. It's great. She didn't do much Hello. movies. No, I don't. Think uh, of an actress, anyways. I think her thing was. Yeah. Very beautiful girl, though. But she very did another good. horror film called Cassandra, though. Yeah, um, which I've actually never seen. I know that I know about that film. It's really I, I, I heard. I heard of it. I've never seen it either. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. You guys want to jump jump into ratings? Yeah. yeah. Sure. sure. All right. I'll go first. Um, you know, I, I harped a lot on this movie being dumb, but I also said that it was a lot of fun. Uh, I don't like like it's funny how we get into these debates and shit because like that wasn't even like I didn't even look at that as like a negative like I was just like oh, it's a dumb movie with a lot of plot holes. Well, but stuff. sometimes when you associate the word with dumb when you're when you're reviewing a film, it's like well he hates it. Yeah, but I, I really don't like I I fucking this movie was like this is like one of my like this was like one of my favorite watches this year so far. Like I just really love the aesthetic and just like everything that was going on. But like I just like you know I was I was just like. <laughs> like, it, like, right from the beginning, like, you got this guy, like, sawing down, like, a street light. Like, it's pretty dumb, you know? Like, it just, it's like, what? <laughs> you know, and it's set in that, like, cheesy, like, like fake post-apocalyptic future. Like, the kind that's in class of 1999 and stuff like that, you know? So, you know, th- there's stuff like that, but I like stuff like that. I think it's, I think it's a blast. Um, but I'm still, you know, I still was aware that it, you know, it's not super smart with, with the way that things happen like that, you know, so we were playing a little devil's advocate, but that is not reflective of my like overall rating. Cause I like this movie a lot. Like th- mm-hmm. this was a huge, huge surprise for me. I give it an eight out of 10. Nice. Man, nice. I, I'm really surprised you came in that high. Wow. Nice. Nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just, like, blew my mind. And I knew that was going to be surprising because like the, it, it was like almost like a Blair Witch thing where it's like, I, like I, like how I was defending Blair Witch the whole time, but I was like, I, you know, I don't even really like this movie that much. But you know, it's like the reverse <laughs> on this one where it's like I'm trying to explain like the, what I mean by dumb, but it just it gets mm. further and further in me like like focusing on negatives. But I like this movie. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll go next. So I highly enjoyed this film. This is like this is actually the second time watched for me. I actually haven't seen this film before until recently. Like got the arrow in and stuff, and I really dug it. I like the soundtrack and how this film is set up, and I like like little homages to like different time periods of the eighties that some of the characters do represent and stuff. And even though some of them might not make the best decisions, they are still kind of fun characters in my opinion. And I really like how the film plays on and the look of the film and the aspects and the setting. So 
I really love this film, man. It's really blast, and it was really fun to watch. So I'm with JP on this one, 8 out of 10. Like I said, man, I love the political aspect of this. I classify it as like a political film. We didn't really talk about that that much. Oh, yeah. The the, the Vietnamese. The fucking rice eaters and the slanty eyes. (laughs) Zipper heads. Zipper heads is what they call it. Yeah. Man. But, uh, yeah, I know that's pretty crazy. Getting on to the whole, hey, we're going to start our whole little fucking world in here. And, yeah. Um, Like I said, man, love the political aspect of it. I love that it's like a political film dressed up as a music video. Absolutely love. One of my favorite things about this film is That's just how quote. it is. That's the quote for the cover. A political film dressed up as a music video. Is that, <laughs> that's a pretty really? good quote. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, like, that's a good quote. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was quotes, like, holy shit, Jesus. Like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, that's the quote. <laughs> but that's how, that's how it is. I like to describe this film because – that's what it is. It is. I mean, yeah, it doesn't have, there's a lot of things that are happening in the film that, well, you probably question a little bit. Like, why is this happening? Why is that happening? But, but at the end of the day, it is one of those films that you remember and it's still fun. It's still good enough to give a pretty decent rating to. And I'm exactly at the same level, eight out of 10. And, uh, I think it's a fucking blast. Just everybody check out the expression, man. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Small Brave Land. Such an amazing song. Such an amazing song. YouTube it. So, so uh, fun. That's it. That's 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 our first ever Ozploitation show. Yeah. Hopefully there's lots more of these, man. Wow, we talked a long time on three. Oh films. yeah. That was great. <laughs> yeah, Wake and Fright Loved was it. like an hour more like an hour plus itself. That's crazy. It was like as long as the movie kind yeah, of Yeah, almost. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I'm not going to, I, you know, we're deep into the episode now, so I, I know that we lost a lot of people by now, so I'm not going to really plug too much stuff or anything like that. Um, Derek, awesome. Thanks for coming on. Did Thanks for having me on, job, guys. Honestly. Yeah, man. Like, I mean that. You did, you no, did a good yeah, job. Yeah, really, really good job, man. Really in-depth reviews and views and stuff, man. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Come back anytime. Well, when I can, we'll, we'll make some plans yeah. in the future. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that for sure, man. As for me and Moods, uh, what the actually one thing that we can say, a uh, little announcement, trick or treat, trick or treat, and house, what is it? House at Octoberville. No. Those are Halloween uh, viewers' choice picks, which I, I don't know. That might be the next episode. I don't know if we're recording this week or not. <laughs> Dude, that's like the most fucked up episode. <laughs> it's like the trick. I can't believe the House of the Octoberville is... Got um, voted in yeah, that's, on. That's such a bizarre. That was like a bizarre was, poll in general. I was just like baffled by that. Like yeah. it was between that and Donnie Darko yeah. for Halloween themed films. I like it. Was, I'm kind of wishing that Ernest Scare Stupid was kind of chosen now. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, All right. So uh, All right. I think that wraps it up, guys. That does wrap it up, guys. Yeah. Again, Derek, thank you for coming in. No problem, and, guys. Uh, yeah, man. Let's get the fuck out of here. Peace. Peace.